The greatest yeah. podcast ever. Just literally die mid-record of the Super Mario Bros. 3 podcast. We'd be the most famous podcast ever. Imperial Schools of Honor podcast. I'm Josh Folan. And I'm Jay Baxter. And we are going to be bullshitting about the formative years of console gaming as we revisit the periodicals that covered it again. We have been stockpiling squeeze-its, ho-hos, and fun dip in Timmy's basement for years for this. We are heading over for a full weekend sleepover in his Thundercats tent where we will do the unthinkable. Take down, <laughs> take down Jay's favorite NES game ever and one of my white whales on the system by doing a retro video game podcast on Nintendo's banger 1990 release of Super Mario Bros. 3 on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Emulation disclosure. So you know the tools with which we undertook this. I played on the Nestopia Retro Arc Core on my PC with my NES Advantage piped in, regretfully as I absolutely have all the OG hardware necessary to have facilitated this experience via those preferential means, but I wanted to be able to record it all and post face talks and insta chats and what have you the entire time. And you know what's fucked up, man? I noticed on the world map screens, my guy would just go left sometimes when I wasn't touching the controller. So I think my NES Advantage has a some drift or something fucked up in it. I don't know, I'm going to have to take it apart and fucking clean it or something or get a new one because that's a huge bummer. And not good Dude. for for precision platforming. <laughs> Dude, the fact that you're even using an NES Advantage to play this just hurts my soul. And really? Get oh, into I, I love it. I love oh, it. I love it, actually. Absolutely not. I am actually emulating on my Nintendo Switch with the OG NES Control deals, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, not you know what I mean. It it just connects. It's wireless, right. so it's pretty dope. Right. Being able to sit on the couch and kind of cast it up there. Yep, yeah. That's um, I haven't touched my Switch in a very long time, uh, which I've been thinking about because obviously Zelda just dropped. So I'm thinking mm. that will that will eventually change. I'm not going to pay Nintendo seventy dollars to do it, but <laughs> 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 I will. I can wait. I have patience. I will wait, but I will eventually play that uh, play that game for sure. Uh, in the in the interim, please rate and review the podcast. Be part of the ISOH movement. Give us validation on your podcast platform of choice in the form of a rating or review, and we will read it here on the pod and feel good about ourselves. Jay, what are we jamming on now? What are you jamming on now? Jamming on, despite all the hate, Redfall. And I am having a blast playing it, man. Um, I'm about 15 hours in at this point. Um, I see guns. I see four people in a, in a pack. I see multiplayer shooter. Yes, there's definitely that. But (laughs) funny enough, and that's my biggest gripe is that I've actually only played this so far solo. And that's, I mean, it's a frustrating thing because like you can't, they don't really have a multiplayer lobby. So unless you explicitly have friends that you want to group up with, like this is a solo adventure. So if anybody's listening and the Game Pass member wants to play, hit me up. But like, so... Yeah, you can group up, and actually, that's what I would love to do. Don't you? You work there. Don't you have, like, isn't there, like, a fucking a forum is, like, the most fucking <laughs> old man way to think of it, but isn't there some, a Slack channel or some shit? Where I it, mean, I'm sure I could, add, like, actively reach out. I'm just saying, like, in a, 
just kind of in an open manner. Like if I didn't work at Microsoft, like, you know, right. Sure. You, I would love to be able match. to just queue up and quick match or add some people. Yeah. I mean, not, you know, it's open world. So it's kind of just more like, Hey, even a, even like an outrider situation where it's like, Hey, queue up with me. We're going to do this, do this objective or go this, go to this place. But I mean, I, I guess because it is more open worldy objective based, like it, it's a little harder, but I feel like there's definitely ways to do it. Um, but outside of that, like I said, I'm playing solo. I'm still having a lot of fun, man. I am killing vampires. I'm getting getting better weapons and like actually paying attention to the attributes on the weapons, which makes things more fun. Like I'm actually creeping around, ready to stake va- vampires and like fl- deciding which weapon I want to use when there's humans, because that's clearly different weapons versus when there's so actually that's the vampires. vibe, like a, fu- a futuristic vampiric. Yeah, but like you're you're actually in a specific island where this is happening. So, like, stuff happened, and that's the reason why you're there, but you're stuck there. You're trying to, you're originally trying to get off, but, like, and that's where the story takes off, like, because you got stuck there, but, like, it's specific to this place. Um, and, like, the, you actually choose, the different players that you can choose from have different attributes and different things that are unique about them. I, the person I chose actually has some kind of, like, they were operated on, or they were somehow, like, part of the things going on, not to spoil the story in this place. So I actually have some telekinetic abilities that help me a bit during the game. Not like a whole lot that give you like awesome, like crazy godlike powers. Unfortunately, that would be kind of cool. They just kind of assist you through the game, but uh, it's still fun. It's a lot of fun. That's all I can really say. It's yeah, like you're, you're going through the, going through the world. There's objectives. You go from place to place. You go back to safe houses. You have to clear out neighborhoods and actually take down like different vampiric encounters. Like if there's a nest, you have to go into the nest and like fight the vampires in there and things like that. So it's, so it's like a, a mo- it's a modernly habit, habitated world. Then it's just oh, like. Yeah. Suburban something or other. Yeah, like you're 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 going from you could be going to like this clinic or to this like mansion. You're trying to like solve the story and understand like figure out what's what actually happened there. Like who is who are these vampires? What's going on? And then ultimately, how the hell you can get off of this place? Like I've heard there are other neighborhoods or not other because there's kind of like four neighborhoods in this place, Redfall. And I've heard people finish it and talk about going to different places. I don't know. What they were talking about. Like I said, I'm 15 hours in. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Word. And really, honestly, other than that, the only other game I've been playing was just some ESO. I beat the newest and toughest four-player arena on its veteran difficulty, Black Rose Prison. So this got me the achievement Black Rose Prison Conqueror and the title of Black Rose Executioner. So now I feel completely ready to be done with this game, which... It's funny enough, I also have over 1 million in gold for the first time ever. And I don't even care because, like, I feel like I've done all the things and I'm looking for new and different adventures that don't really, you know, align with this. So, sadly, I feel kind of done with that. It's like, um, it's like, it's like being in Roan in Dragon Warrior 2. It's like, man, this gold, I, why even bother? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Spio, you've been playing that? What's, uh, how far, where are you at on that? I'm. I can't get. I'm. I'm in, trying to get in the cave. I'm in the cave trying to get through. I could keep going there. The, and ca- dying. the cave to Rhone, you mean? Yeah. That's yeah, like it's tough, man. It's I tough. I got there and got the like the crest, so I was like sweet. But then I gotta. I, I'm just. I feel like I can't go anywhere else. Like I gotta go back there now. Like I gotta not die 
trying to make it through the places and get the stuff to actually get through there. So, yeah. How many more levels do I have to get, Josh? What the hell, man? <laughs> I'll say this, man. It's there's a lot of RNG <sighs> in this uh, the what we're covering for this episode, this coming episode. It's there's a lot of RNG involved. And honestly, it's just a matter of, I think you just keep trying because, you know, you just got to have the numbers fall your way to, to make it work. Oh, man. I, I, it makes me sad because like, I, like. And wiggle your controller harder when you run. <laughs> <laughs> Does it work like that? Can, <laughs> can I shake it and wiggle at the same time? Will that, May, will that, that could do be, a little? Don't, dude. Don't whatever the juju is, man. Just figure out to figure out the good juju. Whatever you gotta do. Uh, gotta get yeah. that. Oh, you know, I will say. Also, update because it's not in my notes because it took place last night. Me and Courtney took place, uh, played a little bit, just a little bit of the Diablo Four uh, open stress test thing. Um, I'm obviously buying the game. I was going to buy the game regardless of anything that I've seen. Even starting it up, I'm like, yes, I cannot wait for this game to come out. That's all I can say. Like, so much fun already, and I, I did like virtually nothing, and I'm like, already, yes. Oh, I'm, I'm at, that's <laughs> yeah, much. Just honestly, I don't know if it's more or less whatever. It's either both maximum likelihood uh, on a long enough timeline as long as I don't die. The once we finish Divinity Sin two, that's probably the next like co-op couch co-op quest undertaking for sure uh, we were already talking about we saw the i don't know what any of those words mean that i keep seeing about it fucking stress test was i don't know what that yeah. is but the I, I keep seeing this it's like smat. the test of servers so they basically want everybody to like download and like basically start up the game and play it once oh, so, so they can make sure that they so can, they can make sure like and your 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 progress. You make sure they got enough over. computers tied together in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> like, can we handle the demand here? Because it's, right. I mean, it it could be big. Like, for all the that's cool. That's I mean, to hear that they are even bother. That's the first time I've ever heard of anyone bothering to do that. No, is that that's not a common. I don't know, man. It's I feel like it's definitely this is the biggest and most open that I've ever heard it take place. Because like I was going to do it because I'm an insider, but then I saw it as an icon on my Xbox dashboard. So I told Courtney, I was like, Hey, why don't you see if you can do that too? And we can play together potentially. Like, I don't know. I don't know if the multiplayer part is enabled yet. Like, or if there's a part we have to get through just naturally in the game, like the first stage or something, you know, oh, yeah, I part. thought it dropped. I th- I've been seeing people like, I just, I literally just saw a tweet about someone. I don't know. I'm, I'm what the beta. I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, yeah. I, I've seen people posting about it, like gameplay stuff. So it's, yeah, you, I know if you, I know if you buy it, if you've pre-purchased, you definitely get access to like all these beta periods yeah. and stress test periods and things like that. And that's this ins- is not the first one. That's so. insane that people, I don't know. I just can't imagine. I mean, who doesn't have enough shit to play where they want to play an incomplete game? I just don't understand. I just don't get it. Well, <laughs> I will say in this case, because Diablo three was such a fun game for me and Courtney. Sure. Like, we like, it was like for us, it was, it was played. Well, you're playing a story. When, you're like, it's not, you know, I mean, I don't know. yeah, like couch co-op, <laughs> like you said, like the two of us on our, you know, separate systems, like just gaming together, playing the, through the story. Like we played all the way through Diablo three and like all the stuff that was taking place afterwards. And like, it was just, it was so fun 
that the thought of another one is like, yeah, absolutely, because we're going to spend time together playing this, and it's going to be good. Like, I, I trust it's going to be a good game. So Sure. Yes. I will once it, once if, it's if out, I'm yeah, already but gonna, I don't want to play. I can wait until you give no, me the good No, but what I'm saying game. is, <laughs> what I'm saying is, like, if I'm, if I'm already decided, like, I'm buying it ahead of time, and I've, like, pre-purchased it, then why not? If I have nothing better to do that weekend, I'm like, why not, like, test it out and kind of get a head start on it? Why not? Head start. Whack, whack, whack. I mean, it's Diablo. What do you need to learn? (laughs) (laughs) But that's the point. That's the point. At this stage, it's not like a beta as in like we're trying to work it out. It's like slam. It's literally called, I think, slam the servers. So like come play the game, everybody at once to make sure we have the server strength right now. So basically like at this point, I'm assuming almost completed a game because it comes out like next month or something. I, I can't remember. I have no idea. Don't don't quote me on that. But at this point, I'm assuming basically complete game. Just come here and make sure we have enough servers to for everybody who's going to want to play. So that's why I was playing it. And that's why I had a freaking blast last night until I fell asleep because I was so tired from all the kid birthday party stuff. But it, it was, I was loving it. Yeah, loving and I'm it. sure it's fucking great. Diablo, Diablo 3 was awesome for sure. Yeah, and if you actually get Game Pass, man, we could play together, dude. Let's, you got to get the, get, the, get the co-op, man. What, you're just holding yourself back. You're saying you're saying you don't want to play with me? Are you telling all of our listeners that you don't want to play with me? <laughs> yeah, but unless we're like unless we're virtually. I'm sad. Nine very sad, Josh. And say I don't <laughs> want to play. Uh Yeah, no, I mean that but that's that's the thing though. It's not like it's the only thing. Is it going to be on Game Pass if I don't have to pay for it the entire time? If I don't have to pay for the game, is it going to be on Game Pass? Do you guys know that? Uh, I have no idea, actually. I bet. I bet there's no way. There's no way. I have way. no idea. There's no way. Well, I know, like, most of our games are going to be day and date, but, like, because Why? this, because they, this they is would be, would be Bethesda, stupid. I don't know if this is outside of that. You know what I mean? Because a lot of these are the Bethesda, Bethesda games. Like, I'm sure they took place before that. I don't really know anything about that, so don't quote me. That's not Bethesda. That's is it? Why do I keep saying That's that? Activision. That's Activision. Blizzard. Ah. Uh, but they they don't they do they own Activision too? Who? Microsoft. No, not yet. That's the whole thing. <laughs> no, not, oh all, yeah, it's the big, that's yeah, the, the whole thing we were trying. Right. You know, uh, we'll yeah, see. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, th- I mean, they you'd be stupid too because you know it's like same thing with fucking Zelda. Like you're an idiot to forego all that transactional income. You're an idiot to do that if you're if you. I mean, it's just I don't give a shit how what the flat payment is. You will make more in transactional, even if you window it a week. Just window it a week, like if you want, like. You'd be up, you'd be passing up so much money because there are motherfuckers that can't wait. They can't do it. <laughs> like Zelda, these fucking idiots paying seventy dollars for like they like waiting outside to pay seventy dollars to get a game. Like, hey, insane. That's insane. It's insane. Yeah, it's too much yeah. shit to do. Like, like I said, There's, I'm, I'm going to be buying it. So that's that's what it is. <laughs> sure, yeah, sure. Me too. Send it to my house. I'll play it when I can get it for a reasonable amount of money. No problem. But <laughs> I'm not waiting in a line to pay you the maximum amount possible. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy behavior. No, who, who waits in line, dude? Everything's digital. I don't, I don't Oh, know. no. What do you mean? That's the whole thing. They, like, they're, they're, like, dude, type Zelda fucking waiting outside line, GameStop lines into your fucking uh, talking picture box here. And there are motherfuckers standing there. <laughs> yeah. I don't, see, that's the funny thing. I'm, I like Zelda. I beat like 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 no Zelda games in my life. So uh, even even for me, 
Oh, it's great. I hear it's the, the just fucking amazing. Like Al, on, yeah, the, I mean, Al sure. on the Facebook page is like, oh my god, dude, it's fucking best thing ever, you know. And that Breath of the Wild was incredible. And like compared to that, even I guess it's fucking uh, yeah, big yeah. jump forward. But like, I didn't finish Breath of the Wild. Like, the, you do that first, yeah. You know That's what I mean? It. So I just kind of feel like, yeah. But I, I, I don't know. Like I said, Zelda was always secondary to Mario to me. I never actually beat. That I can recall any Zelda games ever. Oh, like that's, just, we got us. We got us. I, you know, I, I forgot that we got a side quest. The first Zelda, dude. I can't believe you haven't beat the first. Dude, Zelda. I don't know, man. That's oh. Oh, it's so good, dude. It's so good. Once you get going, no, you know, Once you I've get been... this, this, this is like Amy with pickles. Once I got her to eat some pickles, <laughs> she was like, "Oh, that is absolutely are, pickles are amazing. <laughs> pickles are the worst thing." Uh, any that's... human has ever invented outside then, of olives. Like. To you. Let me, she also let me hates tell olives. You, let me just tell you. You're insane. Early on, if my wife ate a pickle or an olive, like I wouldn't even want to kiss from her. I'm like, you gotta go brush your teeth or drink some you gotta do something. Out of your mind. With you, that had good, you, you haven't had good pickles then. That's your problem. You haven't had good pickles. There is no such thing, Joshua. Uh, you're probably you're probably eating some <laughs> sort of fucking <laughs> Dude, shit some I, shit out of a can. Like no, there are you. Josh, I have been freshly all over pickled, the world, sir. Artisanal, like, I, are you can get freshly exist. pickled artisanal pickles that are <laughs> next level shit. <laughs> okay, artisanal. <laughs> I trust you, and I. I oh, dude! In, in New York, dude, there was this the. Pickles and Olives was the name of the store, so not somewhere, oh, you, not somewhere you were probably stopping. Oh, uh, it was on. It was on like. Um, on the upper east, upper east side. It was like side of the street. It was like ninety like. fourth and First Avenue or something. And then they started. They did very well, and they started doing the farmers markets and shit. And there, the well, there was a farmers market that always used to be in front of the AMC Theater, at Kipps Bay, on mm. what is that Second Avenue for Third Ave, Third Avenue? No, Second Avenue and Thirtieth or whatever it is, and. The I would find like I'd be like talk about waiting online, waiting outside in a line. <laughs> I'd be out there every Saturday. Like I didn't have to wait any lines uh, for them to set up or anything. But they, I was definitely out there religiously. Like, give me some of those pickles. <laughs> that is, and they, they would just come. They would just be, dude. They would have big barrels, and they would literally take tongs and just take the fucking pickles out of the barrels and put them in these plastic containers. Uh, it was it was so. Uh, so artisanal, bro. Again, anyway, again, anyway, that is outrageous. Anyways, like, I need a coffee. Let's get through this fucking segment here and not talk about any more pickles. Uh, we're gonna play Diablo <laughs> and Zelda, and we're gonna we're gonna side quest Zelda. We got we got a decision to make soon. Anyways, on that front, um, as far as shit, I'm jamming on the before I even get into jamming things. Uh, I I just want a uh, 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 um I don't know video game landscape thing. Game Master Classified. This fucking book that I just got my hands on. So it's a book from Sir Howie Phillips and a writing partner with dope ass illustration talent, dude. His name's Matt Tarant Taranto. Taranto, and they just released. Uh, they co-wrote and just released this. It was a kickstarted thing, a biographical recount of Howie's time at Nintendo from 1981 to 1991, and it is a beautiful hardcover book that is graphically styled to emulate Nintendo Power. So. Like, oh, you know, like the okay. cover looks like a Nintendo Power cover. It's got Howie illustrated on it, like the way that he would, like a, one of the covers would be. He's doing some sort of act. It's kind of a little bit biting off the first issue of Nintendo Power than the Super Mario Brother Two layout. And so, yeah, so it's it, visually it looks like that. So there's you know the 
all the things are there visually to there's you know the classified information style section segments there's the table of contents like all the stuff just feels like Nintendo Power and is you know perfectly walking that line of emulation but not plagiarism <laughs> I went from uninterested to very interested. Well, that was the thing, dude. I started, yeah. I mean, I didn't know this was happening. I, I, I didn't do the Kickstarter. I saw people posting about getting the book from the Kickstarter when they when they, they started delivering them a few weeks ago. And when I started people posting about it, I was like, oh, God, that's, I mean, got to have that. Gotta if it's got shit I don't know, you know, like, that's the mm. thing. Like, is this, because that's the whole thing. He's never done a biography. So, there. With him being involved, so. there are things that you know weren't out there yet, and that was my concern. So you know, some of them were podcasters. The guy that the, another Josh actually that, that does the Still Loading podcast got one. I started bullshit with him about his. There were a few others, and yeah, there's stories, untold stories. There's there's shit that you know hasn't been talked about yet uh, in it. So okay. you know, so it's so from a historical perspective and a history whatever new content thing it's great but visually it's also just beautiful and it's it's a it's a hardcover it looks fucking great it's only 45 bucks which for a beautiful like and it's like hundreds of pa- a few hundred pages like it's it's not a fucking you know they did not phone it in <laughs> it's it's very well done and yeah it's re- really really fucking really really good book and um you can actually get which I think is pretty good if you're into these. I don't really autograph what I would care less. But the 45 bucks is for the standard deal. For 25 more bucks, if you're into like collecting shit, you can get both Howie and the other and Matt to autograph it before they send it to you. So, you know, for $70 for the collector's edition of a beautiful hardcover book with both their mm, autographs in it. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good. Yeah. That's not yeah. bad. That's that's very reasonably priced. You know, she I you know, I would expect when I when I saw that there was the autograph version, I was like, what? 175 bucks. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. No, not bad at all. So, so very reasonable. And yeah, great book. Very cool. It's sitting next to my bed now. It's, you know, it's, and it's very, it's, uh, in, in magazine form, it's very bite sized. So you don't gotta, you know, like I sit down and I just read like four or five pages before I go to bed at night, you know, before I start watching. I'm on a kick where I'm trying to watch my movie backlog. So, like, I'll read a few four or five pages. Make a few, make a little headway, and it like perfectly cuts off, and I can move, you know, come back the next night, and I'm not missing anything, or it's just all little, you know, tidbits of stuff, information, little stories, anecdotes, what have you. So, very, very cool. Yeah, I can't recommend it enough. Very, very cool, and very, very good value, I think, for what you're getting. Nice, nice. Uh, so, as far as game shit goes, the Walkabouts Template Zazura course, that's how long it's been since we potted, that came out back on the 20th of April, and it is an ancient Egyptian themed deal. And yes, we played, which is fucking amazing. And they're outdoing themselves yet again. It's a nice job getting back to their usual straightforward putt-putt shit after that gravity-defying nonsense they got off track with with Upside Downtown <laughs> or Upside Downtown, whatever the hell it was called. And yeah, like it's like the biggest, I think, the most sprawling, and it just feels the biggest of all the worlds they've created for these for these courses, I think, which is, it, it's cool. It's really well done. Looks Visually beautiful. Of course, the water is incredible. I was saying we were playing like the water yes. is, you know, I can't think of where there, uh, there's been water. What other seagull stacks, but you're not really close to well, it. Well, the 30,000 leagues under the sea. Uh, yeah, but you're under the water. The, the, yeah. I, like the, like the, the surface shimmer of the water here is like, I don't know. They took it another, another step. You know, it looks fucking way more realistic. Like I said, they often don't even try to make it feel that way, you know? So yeah. I feel like there was a little bit of a advanced effort for 
like a step up a bit. Yeah, polished <laughs> realism to the 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 look of things as opposed to I will know. say I, yeah, I will say like that playing that course made me want to go and like purchase other courses. You know what I mean? Like I just there's more that I want to purchase just so I can get the hard modes, you know, or the hard levels. Yeah. yeah it's it's I mean there it's yeah, they I want the putters. I want They're the all and, and the putters. Every single one of them is cooler. Every single one of the hard courses is cooler. And yeah, the putter hunts are amazing, of course. <clears throat> Whoa, almost sound like I almost died there. I swallowed a uh <laughs> I was drinking some boba tea yesterday, and I'm pretty sure I breathed in uh a boba into what? my lung into my lungs. <laughs> and like I haven't yet Googled whether you can live with a boba in your lung, but <laughs> Uh, I keep waiting for some sort of dis- disastrous thing to happen. <laughs> is, like, is Amy like ready to just like bang on your? <laughs> yeah, yeah, CPR. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I haven't talked to her about it. <laughs> I thought maybe there's a brief moment there where I thought maybe it was happening there. Oh, That'd be great. Greatest yeah. podcast ever. Just literally die mid-record of the Super Mario Bros. Three podcast. We'd be the most famous podcast ever. <laughs> I guess how would, we, how would we edit it though? That's the problem. <laughs> Anyways, Wagwan Mini Golf, uh, the Egyptian course is fucking awesome. And yes, um, beyond that, yes, I mentioned we've been playing Divinity, Divinity Original Sin two. Dude, this so you played this one? The yes, fucking it's man. it's ah man, it's it's same problems with the first one, man. There's it's like a fucking great game story wise, but the UI is dog shit, man. I they are making the they're the Baldur's Gate three people, and that's another one that also I'd rather play Diablo first, if only to get away from this fucking UI. Now that I know that this is the company doing it, but it's fucking broken, man. It's a broken game. I love it, and I'm gonna stick it out because the fucking gameplay is great i love the character development and all the skills and shit it's fucking awesome still and there's improvements to that stuff too from the first one they've rejiggered some of that shit and it's better in a lot of ways i think some of the broken things that you could kind of cheese are they consciously took that out the like the in the first one once we discovered the charm arrows and grenades and especially once you can craft them you know, it, it kind of breaks the game a little bit, and you can you can turn battles in your favor way too easily, I think, with that stuff. So, like, they, they kind of nerfed that. You can't do as much conjuration stuff. That was another thing in the first one, conjuring uh, necromancy corpses and fucking whatever, the different things that could fucking, like, basically add another person to your party that was elite level, too, no less. And you can't do, like, that's much harder to do in this. It's got, a, it's, it's got like, an additional resource that uh, source magic has this, like, liquid. You have that shit. You have, I don't know if you got that far or not, but you have to, like, find these vats of the source liquid to fuel... Like your more some of your more elite spells, and that you can't like stock it up. You can only have the one, you know. So when you use it once, you have to take your ass back to one of those vats somewhere and re- refuel to be able to do it again. So you know that's not very practical. <laughs> well, you could do it, I guess, but it would be a lot of legwork, and it's not really worth it. So you just what it turns into is just you hoarding that resource more and doing less of those game breaking things, you know. So that stuff's all positive, but. The UI shit is broken, dude. It's, there's so many things about it that are broken. It's so fucking annoying. And, like, you can't see... Oh, whack. Yeah, you can't see... Like, 
again, from the first one to the second one, they, like, made the battles, like, more shiny. So, like, I gotta, like, you know, when shit's all constricted and, like, a bunch of people are on top of each other, you can't even see shit. Like, you gotta, like, zoom in, and I'm like, I can't figure out what I'm looking at to fucking highlight things and, like, differentiate one sprite from the other, and then you can do dumb shit. And, like, if you really take your time, you can eventually figure it out. But, like, you don't want to fucking have to spend 30 seconds figuring out what thing you want to target every time you target something. So, huge pain in the ass. And then another dumb thing it does, you can do multiple attacks on many, you know, you have action points, so often you can do more than one thing on a turn. And after you do one thing, the cursor doesn't always just stay where you just did the, where you executed the action so if you're trying to just quickly do two things and it's not every time either so you don't think to do this you you can like lull you into a sense of security where you do this to yourself but like the cursor will move after the action just like a little bit over to here so you'll go to do that second action again and do it on something else you know or do something that you don't want to do and or just often what it turns into is just walking somewhere you know that you don't want to walk to and it's like that's terrible that is horrible game design there's just a bunch of little dumb ui things like that that i can't believe are in a modern game i guess i don't know these i don't know how modern are you sure your controller's not just drifting i'm positive yeah my controller's <laughs> fine this is the only game where this happens uh, I've, I've done a lot of questing on my <laughs> even, even on my caveman xbox i've done a lot of questing already so i know it's the game yeah so it's a lot of shit that's very frustrating i get i talk i just like i sit there and like what fuck this game like, <laughs> like i get so pissed off but the story is so good and the D stuff is so good that i stick with it but a lot of frustrating things um so the Peraspera VR, I finally, I, I don't know if you remember me talking about, this was the real-time strategy Mars terraforming game that I was playing a while back, and I got off it because it was it was like a, a military aspect of it, which is, it's it's very unfocused on that. There are only a few, now that I've played through the whole game, there's only like two or three situations where you got to really do these heavy military operations with these flight drones, and... They're not by any, as you would imagine, they do them so sparingly, not the strength of the game, I would say, just as far as functionality and fun goes. And I was in the hardest one of them, basically, and I got pissed off, put it down, and stopped playing it. And I said I would eventually pick it back up, and I, I was finally got in and, and doing that. And sure enough, like, as with, it's amazing how often that happens. You, like, get stuck in something, and, like, you fucking ram your head against it, and you're like, fuck this like you, you a bunch of times and it doesn't work you're like what the fuck and you put it down <laughs> and then you come back to it and immediately you get through just it get and, through. yeah and i just don't under what is the psychology of the i don't know it's i would be so interesting to have some sort of like some way to quantify whatever's going on there psycho psychologically maybe, do you like it happens so often do you think maybe there's just like some inherent design where in games underneath in the mechanics you're kind of designed to think okay if i do solve this puzzle puzzle a this way and puzzle b this way sure 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 you, you know, just get in a rut of of yeah you keep like i've tried these things why are none right. of these things working and then you step away and then maybe when you come back you, because you you think about it in the shower a little mind, <laughs> you come back and you're just like all right this what's what's the best way to approach this and right like, right boom. right I don't, fresh, I don't know. I don't know. Because it happens in every kind of game genre, whether it's like a shooter or like right. strategy, RPG, it's happened everywhere, you know? Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, it probably, it, it is, I'm sure, just as simple as like you just taking a fresh approach and not doing 
whatever dumb thing you were repeatedly doing that wasn't working. <laughs> <laughs> Why isn't this working? Yeah. He's not yep. dying. So, so yeah, I mean that yeah that hurdle. Uh, you know, I fucking. It was maybe three or four places. I got through that right away, and then maybe three or four play sessions after that, I was able to finish it off 100% the, the story. And it, it is it is a great RTS game. It's just 100% recommend. So fucking, like I said, I mean, I talked about it the, when I first was getting into it, but, like, just their ability to do that first-person story in an RTS like that, I again, I it may exist elsewhere, but I haven't seen it, and... And I'm not into really sci-fi shit either, so, like, that was surprising to me, I guess, how much I enjoyed it. You know, it, it was just a really smart story that they packed it. Yes, Miyagi, it was very, very good, I know. The So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's also got a sandbox mode, I fucked around with that, and it's, it's pretty good. There are some changes to it, because, you, you know, there are many aspects of that story mode that, without... Like game mechanics that without the story don't have a purpose or you lose or whatever. So they like kind of replicated that shit. They actually took, at least as far as I can tell, initially, they completely took the military component out of it. And I was like, that's fucking great. You know, like that's not, I don't want to do that anyway. So that's fucking great. So yeah, so it's, it's all just, they add more environmental challenges. Like there's like kind of some weather stuff that you got to deal with that I, at least didn't notice when I was playing the first the story mode. So like, there's like little tornado things and shit that can fuck up your networks and stuff. And like, um, yeah, it's more about like kind of warring with the planet itself. I feel like than maybe the first one. In the first one, there was these these factions of things that you're not even sure why they're there or if they're sentient or what. You know. Um, mm that you're kind of, of course, at of odds course. with. So it's it's a different kind of game in the sandbox thing, but in a good way. So the classic question like yep. are you friend or are you foe? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I recommend it very much and uh, it's a great thing. The soundtrack is so fucking I mentioned too. The music is so fucking good in the game that it's a the having the sandbox mode is just something to jump into every now and again is I think a really good, it's a great, it's a great chill game. It really is. Cause it's just like the music is so fucking good. And like keeps it. It's like you play it rhythmic. The music is so good that you play it rhythmically. You're playing an RTS <laughs> strategy game rhythmically because the music is that good. And that nice. is, is kind of uh, also a little bit outside the box. I think that alone is worth checking out, checking yeah. out for. So there's two others. There's the last worker, which was on the Rough Talk podcast, and I got what? Yeah, it's it's a dystopian. Of course. <laughs> yes. Already. It's a yeah. It's a dystopian like Amazon. Like you're you're the last human worker at this Amazon type company. It's called, what the fuck is it called? It's called. It's called the, they do, it's like so glaringly, it's like the jungle, jungle something and jungle something, some, some shit about jungle. So it's like just so clearly Amazon and (laughs) even, and like the, the avatar of the dude who comes and talks on the screens and shit to like give little pep talks and, and shit is like just glaringly Jeff Bezos with like some artificial, some cyborg shit going on. And like, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just so blatantly a critique on Amazon, but um, the core gameplay loop is you work in a fulfillment warehouse mm-hmm. and you you ride around this little cart 
and you gotta go get a box from some you like get a little beacon thing and you gotta go through this fucking crazy warehouse get a box and then take it to the fulfillment thing and sometimes the boxes are damaged and you gotta recycle those instead of fulfilling them and the speed at which you do that in of course translates to like your score for the day that you're working and you have a little cyborg buddy that is like kind of broken and a shit talker and like so it's like it, it's a pretty fun good gameplay loop i think uh the biggest problem the cart you get around on the controls are horrible so bad you got to do this dude you got to do this thing that like the turbo acceleration thing you have to press those little sticks it's like the the depression for the, the on the control stick, which they're not they're not built for that. They're not built to do that like constantly and reliably. And it's just it's so you're what you end up doing is either fucking up, going off course, or not being able to go fast. And it's just it's it's broken. It's so broken. Yeah, I I yeah, I played like maybe four or five game days into it and requested a refund. And I have done that twice now on the I think only twice that I can remember that. Some sort of shitty RPG game a long time ago, uh, the townsfolk tale or some shit like that, and then this game, you know, which the, Facebook is. Or, be a trend. Could it be a trend? <laughs> Oculus is actually a ve- they're very good about fucking refunds. It's fucking as long as long as you haven't played two hours of the game, it's pretty much just you got it, and they just refund the money, you know. So pretty good. And then the last one in replacement of that, trying to find something new to play after I finished Perspera, I saw Moss Two was on sale uh, for 18 bucks, so 40% off. That's pretty good, 30 to 18. And this is the little mouse thing. It's the picture behind me. It's I played the, <laughs> I played the demo of the first one. I said, I was like, I, when I see these games on sale, I'm going to buy them. It was that good. And sure enough, fucking when I, the second I saw this, I was like, download. And I'm like maybe a third into it. Fucking, it's just, it's immaculate, dude. It is so, such a, I just can't believe how beautiful it is on the Quest. It seems like the Quest shouldn't be capable of these, this, visually stunning of a thing, you know. The play mechanics are basically Carly and the Reaper Man. Okay. But, like, where you have a little character in the world. Yeah. And then this kind of omnipotent godlike figure looking down above it that's able to manipulate the environment. But the thing is, it's only one player, so you're doing both those things. And... Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so it's... it's. I wouldn't say it gets as intense as Carly and the Reaper Man, Thankfully, because I don't think you could do both those jobs as intensely as Carly and the Reaper Man expects oh, of you. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, so it's a good thing, I think, at least so far. Like I said, I'm only a third into it. I'm sure it gets harder. But there are moments of challenge where you're tr- juggling those two mechanics, and it's like, fuck! You're like, you know, again, it's kind. Of, I think I talked about it for The Last Clockwinder, where, like, it's a different kind of challenge and that it's not in-game challenge it's you in the real world like you multitasking your interaction with the software and your interaction with the hardware you know Mm -hmm. what i mean so like you're like you know like you got to do two different separate concept ideas you got to do this thing swing this thing and like which controller do i got to use to optimally control the character while i do that thing with the god, that you know what I mean. Actually, sound fun. It's like, great, dude. Sounds... It's 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 great. It's it's oh. absolutely great because it it's just it's a different, it's just unique, you know. And yeah. it, again, anytime 
yeah, you, it's, you know, you're not just controlling a thing, walking around, shooting stuff, and you have to do something new to solve a problem. It, to me, I enjoy that. So, yeah, it, it's very, very good. And like I said, it's absolutely beautiful. The storytelling is incredible. You, like, finish these sections, and it goes to this, literally, like, you go to this, it's like your hub world or whatever between stages or between story points. And you like literally have to look at this beautiful book and have this woman tell you a story as you turn the pages, you know, and it, it's just it like the book highlights and paints as the story's happening. It's just it's absolutely gorgeous. It's just oh, such nice. a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful game. Um, and super cute too. the little mouse is super cute. The mouse does like I beat the I beat like the first real boss battle. The last the, in that first play session, and like the little fuck, it's a little girl mouse is your character. You're like this dude's granddaughter. Um, and she let like, you beat the thing, and she's like, she does this little dance, and she like wants you to high five her at like different parts of the dance. And you're like, I didn't even get, I didn't understand what she was doing at first. I'm like, and she kept doing it, and then she would like wave her hand, like, what are you doing, you moron? And like, I was like, oh, I gotta take my thing and actually high five her. Like, oh, yeah, okay, 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 I got it, you know. So it was, it was just fucking super cute. On, on top of all the other good aspects. So, get it, especially it's on sale. I think it might be on sale for one more day. Jay, if you want to change your life and play start, play, that, start playing more VR. bringing us into this amazing one-of-a-kind episode of one of the greatest games of all time of course we're talking about super mario brothers 3 of course so much pressure so much pressure what is this game about this game is about the synopsis at least suggests that the game uh, is about the mushroom kingdom has been a peaceful place thanks to the brave deeds of mario and luigi the mushroom kingdom forms an entrance to the mushroom world where all is not well Bowser has sent his seven children to make mischief as they please in the normally peaceful mushroom world. And I know the subject matter is intended for younger brains, Jay, but this is written like a fucking toddler was handed a crayon and left alone <laughs> and left alone in the room for a week. <laughs> like, like, uh, it, like, it, I part of this is contrasting with we just did Shadow of the Ninja, and yeah. like those Natsumi copywriters, you know, they wrote like it was a fucking. You know, oh, man. very mature, very huge intense. words, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, uh, <laughs> with their malevolence and their impregnable thesaurus entries and, and what have you. Uh, so Nintendo America needs to, should have employed some of them to liven this shit up. But Yeah, like the opposite direction there. <laughs> yeah, continuing on. They stole the royal magic wands from each country in the mushroom world and used them to turn their kings into animals. Mario and Luigi must recover the royal magic wands from Bowser's seven kids to seven kids to return the kings to their true forms. Goodbye and good luck, said the princess and Toad as Mario and Luigi set off on their journey deep into the mushroom world. And after Mario, to, you know, like, after Mario 2, the princess and Toad were just like, we're retired. This shit is your guys' problem. Like, <laughs> I'm not fucking, I'm not fucking doing it. Like, I'm not doing, I'm not, we're staying home this time. We hope. <laughs> yeah. You got this. Yeah. And I, you know, that, now that I read that and think about that, does that mean that she was abducted after they left? I hadn't thought about that. I do have a there's a 
There's a little bit of lore thing with this picture behind me, funny enough. That I didn't expect to tie into this part. But yeah, I mean, if it's she's tough. telling you goodbye and good luck, she's clearly not been taken hostage yet. Which, that's the whole thing, right? She's... The princess is in another castle, right? She's... No, she's sending you letters. Well, she yeah, did how, before, and then she was good. She's... Because she's good in two. Like, she wasn't captured right. in two because she was fighting. Right. So now... No, yeah, I'm just talking like, about just this, just this story world. But she... Because in this look behind me, she's tied up to the fucking airship in the smokestack of the airship. And that's, that's one of my whole things. Like, how she sends you these letters was she's tied to that smokestack. So what... I need information. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah, we have questions here. We have holes in the story already. What, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the story holes aside, what kind of, what is the methodology methodology with which we are navigating this quest? How, what are the mechanics that we use to do so, Jay? <laughs> I mean, this is, of course, one of the greatest platformers of all time. You are platforming your happy little booty off, I'm telling yeah. you. Not always. Sometimes you're swimming, but yes, oh, for the, for the yes. most part, you're doing some platforming. Yes. The release was in February 1990 for North America after an October 23rd, 1988 drop in Japan. And more than a year we had to wait over here. Goddamn savages at Nintendo of Japan just fucking, I don't know. It's yeah, weird that... that this one wasn't, I know we were still so, so, so early <laughs> that it's just how it worked back then. But like, I... I don't know. I, I feel like this... They knew this was big. They, they did the whole campaign thing, the wizard, all that shit. So, like, mm-hmm. they knew how big this was. And it's weird to me that they didn't want them to be closer. That they didn't... If not simultaneous. That it wouldn't... I don't know. They didn't view it... Did they really view the American marketplace... As not as important? Like, what was the causation for that Thing, choice? Things regularly came out in Japan first. Though. I know, Everything. I know. Everything so. back then. But that's what this is what I'm saying is, like, that's one that is working its way towards changing. Right. We are, we are, I think, in the interim. Uh, late Nintendo, early 16-bit. I think that, no, I guess you're right. Still, That still would happen in the 16-bit era. So I guess it's just I think a still of- it's just, like... I think it's still language and distribution channels. Like it takes time to like localize things. So sure. like if the if the Japanese team, you know, is like building it, they're like, here's here's the product. Right, that's true. You're yeah. like, all right, now we gotta localize it for like these and you know, you've gotta make sure it's right and like you might have to tailor specific adjustments that they know to the North American market. Or, so or they right. or they think that the Or they think they yeah. have to do. <laughs> so then it's like, all right, Japanese version now right. and then Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's I guess it's that makes sense, but it's just great. Yeah, it's intense that they made us wait this long, knowing it was right. But it also makes sense of why there is the wizard that we have and things like that. You know, it makes much more sense now. Also, why those things were kind of teased out and why we had glimpses into the game before it ever came out like this. So yeah, I mean that's probably it's a it's probably it was probably helpful that we were in you oh, know sure. already aware of it and desiring it so i guess yeah you could that's a, a counterpoint too that you know obviously desire i know build, i was desire builds demand <laughs> i wasn't i like i said i saw that thing in the my issue of nintendo power but it meant nothing to me i was not able oh to my gosh. 
visualize like oh it's in japan it's coming to america like i just i don't like I, there was nothing i mean there was literally nothing that i like and until it was there on the store shelf or i saw a commercial and knew it was like i had no ability to anticipate <sighs> commerce capabilities down the road <laughs> like i that was not not with this is something not something that i was aware of as a child yeah. Getting off getting off track here already. Uh, happenings in the first half of February 1990 that I found interesting. Your boy Buster Douglas gave Mike Tyson uh, and TKO from Tokyo on the 11th Ooh. of February. And then on the 13th, U.S., Britain, and France gave Germany the okay to reunify as one nation. And this is a pretty wild idea. Waiting 45 years. 43, if you want to say, from the official Paris Treaty signed in 1947. But 45 years from the end of World War II. Before the parents finally got up to little Todd's bedroom and said, okay, are you done fucking around? Are you ready to go outside and play with the neighborhood kids like a good little boy again? You know, like it's amazing that for 45 years they could just tell a whole country like, no, you're going to sit in time out. You're not going to fucking, <laughs> you're not going to be able to hang out with the fucking, with your friends for quite some time. Oh, you are still gosh. on punishment. You are still grounded. You know, <laughs> like, that's wild. You know, I don't, you could never do that in modern. I don't give a shit what, there's just no way, you know, oh, that for 45 yeah. years. You could fucking just tell a country. You got to sit in the. You got to put a dunce cap on and go sit in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfuckers on Twitter will be livid. Uh, How am I supposed to live without you? By Michael Bolton was atop the Billboard 100, and Back to the Future Part Two was number one at the box office that first week of February. So oh, Back to the yeah. Future! Are you kidding me? Give me the neon sunglasses and some like super-sized, futuristic Nike shoes, didn't you, I'm ready to go. Didn't you try to tell me that there was some Super Mario Bros. 3 shit in that? In uh, Back to the Future 2? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. Not the jumps off the... Not he plays something at the arcade. I, I could have swore there was something. I don't remember I did, what he plays I didn't think of that, but yeah, there's definitely some Nintendo something or other. Maybe like, it's in the first like, one. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. But there's definitely some sort of Back to the Future Nintendo something going on somewhere. And it would be very interesting to me to uh, interesting to me rather if they timed the release of the movie with the release of the game to help with that in any way shape or form. Anyways, the cover art is the biggest, most exciting Mario Brothers adventure yet. That's written down below a huge illustrated Mario mid-flight in a raccoon suit. And there's this solid yellow gradient background. Super Mario Bros. 3 written real big and blue up top. And it is simple but effective. You know, Nintendo knew how to market, and this was a great example of that. The back of the box has the staple three screenshots and a nice rundown of original copywriting. The three screenshots are the World 1 overworld map, a grassland level, and a water level where Mario is frog-suited up. And below the title up top is some pitch text in a bit of a weird syntax. It reads, new, different worlds, new, exciting levels, new challenges galore. So there is a comma after the new in the first two sentences, but no comma after the new in the third exclamatory sentence. And I can't parse an intent for that writing choice. <laughs> and I know that is very, yeah, that's, that's well, whatever, I know. Uh, but that's that's how my brain works. And I don't understand why you would do that. New, comma, different worlds, new comma exciting levels new challenges you could do it again new challenges galore i don't see why you would i don't see why you would do that i don't see why you would do that but whatever the copy does a good job of highlighting the gameplay shit they are introducing with this installment the suits having an inventory you can implement when you want bonus games having control over the flow of the game and they wrap it up with what's always the best feature of any og game or team up with a buddy to prolong the adventure and coach couch 
co-op. We will. The manual, which will be in the show notes, uh, as it always is, is a 49-page full-color with covers deal. Nintendo don't play when it comes to the Cornerstone franchise pack-in literature. And after all the legalese and TLC BS, they kick shit off with a great couple of pages of table setting father. And I thought the there's a message from Mario on page three. I thought we should read that. Jay, if you could please tackle that piece of um, <laughs> storytelling. Hello. How have you been? It's been such a long time since we've seen each other. Bowser is up to his old tricks again. So Luigi and I are going on another adventure. You're welcome to come along. This time, it's Super Mario Bros. 3, the latest in the Super Mario Bros. series. You'll experience lots of excitement as your journey unfolds. For beginners and seasoned veterans of our previous games, this one is going to be a lot of fun. Let's look at Super Mario Bros. 3 in a bit more detail. (laughs) And below that is the most fleshed-out illustration of Bowser any U.S.-based kid has ever seen. He's right. depicted mid-tirade in it, and his speech bubble reads, Ha ha ha! These are my seven children that are going to help me take over the mushroom world. And I, so I, it might have been when I was, I don't know, it happened recently. I dug up that How to Win at Super Mario Brothers or whatever it is book that they were peddling in the early Nintendo Powers. And yeah. they're probably still peddling it, but the Nintendo Fun Club news is as well. And it's just like, a, it's a hundred page book. Uh, I'd never looked at this. I can't believe I'd never had dug it out before. But it's a 100-page book about the first Super Mario Brothers. And, like, finding 100 pages of content about the first Super Mario Brothers is really impressive. And it's actually very well done. And there, it's there's informative shit in there. But there's a bunch of illustrations and shit. And even in that, which is by, you know, the first uh, Super Mario instruction manual, I don't even know if it has illustrations. It's actually been a while since I looked at that. That's something else I should have looked at uh, in preparation for this probably. But anyways, there's pictures of of Bowser in it, and they are so rudimentary, and it's just not impressive at all looking. So, you know, they went a whole nother step for sure of developing these characters. I think that's uh, the case for Mario, Luigi, definitely Bowser. Obviously, the kids are new. They're just – they they really paid a lot of attention to making these characters more – anthropomorphized and more relatable and more, you know, giving you more emotional drive for this story. And that was uh, worth noting to me. Oh, of course, man. Like, are you kidding me? This is, I knew the names of all of these. <laughs> like, really? contrary to what I normally... fucked them up doing the notes for this. So I, I that's <laughs> see, like normally, like I don't ever have the instructing manuals, the games, like I'm writing them and all that. Like we talked about before, but with this one, like, I had this instruction manual. Like, I, I remember this. Like, this was, like, seared into my brain. Like, we just love being mean. Like, I love this. So, this is this is my jam. Well, those kids are on the next page here. And it's titled, These Are Bowser's Kids. And for some <laughs> reason, that title makes me chuckle. I don't know why, but it does. And all seven are pictured in great expressive illustration. We have, actually, you should. So, what are the seven names, then, without me having to read them off, Jay? <laughs> They are Morton Koopa Jr., Wendy O. Koopa, Iggy Koopa, Ludwig von Koopa, you got Lemmy Koopa, Roy Koopa, with the uh, fab sunglasses, I must say, and then, of course, Larry Koopa. 
and in the middle it says, we just love being mean. And again, that's just seared into my brain. The minute I turned to this page, I was like, ah, I remember this visual. <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, this is a great, yeah, I love this page. I posted this one. This is my, probably my favorite page in the book, I would say, in the instruction manual. I feel like this is one of those pages that my kids like, because my kids know all the names of all the Koopas. Like, this is one of those pages that they would look at and just, like, memorize. Like, yep, this is the names of each one. Going to need to know this very important information. Yeah, these little fucks are peppered throughout the rest of the manual, talking various amounts of shit and speech bubbles, too. That's a really nice touch. Uh, They also will hear more smack talk from in the strategy guide, too. So they really, they were really pushing the, like, I don't know, shit talking nature of these kids, you know? So that's pretty fun. Pages 6 through 14 are on controls, and that is right, Lark Disciples. There are nine goddamn pages on controls, which is easily (laughs) the longest manual section on controls of any game we played for this podcast to date, which is extra nuts to me because I have always thought of controlling Mario as one of the most intuitive, just simple control sets in video gaming. So it's how the fuck, how can there be nine pages of shit? But conversely... This is all shit you need to know. And they do a fantastic job of depicting how each button combo translates to your sprite in-game. And, you know, this also has the suits, too. Some of this is, like, specific suit functionality. And, you know, that uh, draws it out a little more than it it would be from just the, you know, actual moves. But still, just an amazing amount of, of, you know, complexity to draw out of a Nintendo controller, a two-button Nintendo controller, you know, really. And it doesn't even use the fucking select and start. It doesn't cheat and use the select and start no. buttons for dumb shit. Like, that's crazy <laughs> that they're able to do so, all these things. This is why, like, to me, of course, I, I love this this manual. Like, and it's just changed. It, this is the one time that I'm like, yes, I need all the, all the manual instructions you can give me to understand how to make Mario work. But it makes sense because, like, Holding B, in addition to making you fly, like, you're picking up things, you're grabbing things, you're wagging your tail, you're, like, because you use that to accelerate, that to me is, like, the the most important mechanic you have. Like, I would naturally have my thumb on B always, unless there's, like, an enemy there, you know, when, and then when jumping, like, it just, to me, it's just such a necessary thing to do throughout the game that's a that's mario commonality yeah we've talked we, i think yeah. we talked about that in mario 2 how that's that it, well, it's weird how that is just like a baked in thing to nintendo players at the time is that in mario unless you're doing some really intricate shit you're always holding that b button to to keep yeah. max speed going yeah but that's why i mean that's why to me i think the idea of using the freaking nes advantage is insane like how do you control stick the same like that just seems like so so much that seems like an extra challenge like you're just trying to make if I wanted to make things hard for me, that's what I would do. But I, I don't. Oh, know you're, you're saying just that it's one thumb, but that's the thing that you, you don't play the ES advantage. You play the two fingers, so you hold. It's no doesn't make it any you harder. Play the two fingers. Are you saying? Yeah, like, like this an arcade. Yeah, you play. It's like an arcade. I you, know, but that just I, exactly. So if you want to hold one. You just, but that's exactly what I mean. Like that to me is just you can also not the way to play I, Mario. I want to stop what I'm doing right now and grab my NES advantage. Oh my gosh, dude! And because like what I, I want to make sure that I'm, yeah, I need to, yeah, like I can I can hold it, I can hold. Can you see it? I, yeah, I'm not okay. saying it can't be done. I'm just saying so that that's from how I, that's how I hold with the, <laughs> if I'm doing if I want to hold B. 
That's how I. I. That's it, it's fascinating Jay. that you can Jay. you can do it. Jay. Jay. But from somebody who's beat Jay. this game a thousand times, Jay. that seems so much more inefficient than just Jay. being able to do this at any Jay. time. Jay. Look at that. Look how much quicker that Jay. is. Like, <laughs> Jay. What are we doing? Jay. <laughs> Jay. <sighs> Making your life. Hey, if you can get through with your with the, chosen, uh, the, but the control stick is software. great though, dude. Have again, it's. I mean, this is a platformers like high speed games like that. Like that's what. I don't know. That's what the to me. That's what the advantage is for is for this kind of experience. It's like this action platformer deal where you want you know you want to be able. I don't know. To me, that's what it's for. Like the know. you know sport games are where. I think the NES advantage really loses benefit, you know. I mean, you know, the really precision stuff, sure, maybe sometimes you just want to inch up and the D-pad is better than that, better for that. But generally speaking, the movement is I, I to me I enjoy having the, the stick well, on this kind of game. I I enjoy the NES advantage. I guess to me the button movements are so ingrained for this game. Like, I, I was able to get through World 1 in, like, nine minutes or something like that. Like, just because I, I think if I had used the NES Advantage, it would take me much longer to kind of get through. You know what I mean? Just because it's not what I'm used to. That's all. So it's just a matter of comfort, not actual superiority, Jay. That's an important differentiation. I mean, <laughs> like I said, I can I can get through the game itself super quick, double whistling, like, no problem, very fast as well. Also, but I, I just think that mechanic of being able to accelerate easily, like if you can do it with the NS advantage, like just as easily, like the wizard, of course, then more power to you. Okay, word. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you're granting me that freedom. The <laughs> pages 16 through 26 cover various aspects of the one-player game and is chock full of pixelated screenshot adorned breakdowns of items, blocks, lifts, overworld map POIs, and so on and what have you. And I really like the illustration of the power-up flow chart on page 18. This is probably my second favorite page in the manual, as well as the headline for reading, Gain More Power by Gathering Items. And they explain the two spade icon mini games here. You find on the map the common slot machine one where you can win a mushroom fire, fire flower, leaf star, and the more amazing memory matching game where you can really load up on the same shit plus some one-ups and coins and what have you. So I think these, these are the things to me, I guess, that like, there was something about these games that. I don't know. It took this game to another level to me. Like my interest level as a kid, something about these things, the memory one in particular, something about this aspect of the game is what, I don't know. It seemed like it went above and beyond what a Nintendo game should be capable of or can, you know, could, can, could combine with just a normal game. Like the idea that these things existed as like a sidecar to mm -hmm. an already great platforming game to me was what made this game bigger than the first two you know what i mean like otherwise without these extra little things it's just to me it was just, it's just kind of a mario game which is not a bad thing that's a good thing but the reason that this was like i can't believe this is on i can't you know it's like it, it seems like it shouldn't be on the system you know what i mean it's like <laughs> it, it, it seems like it should be on something bigger newer better yeah. because that, that's what something about these were, were really really big to me and i don't really have an explanation for that <laughs> of course i mean 
anytime you have any kind of additional side games, mini games, mushroom houses, like just the just all the extra stuff to this game. To your point, was like net new, yeah. right? Because you had Super Mario, which was very very straightforward game, and you had Mario Two, which was his own weird. We talked about that before. Combination of a Mario game, so this was kind of like the next big like give us the next real Mario game to come out, and so the fact that it had the worlds. There were separate kind of themes, which we'll talk about. Right. But then you have all these little separate little fun little things hidden throughout. You got like power up games. You got mushroom cards. You got mushroom houses. You got like the end cards. You know what I mean? Like there's just so much going on with it that it's just it felt to me like at the time just the biggest, most amazing large game that I could ever want to like get lost in. You know? Agreed. So yeah, the funny thing about these two, the for me, I mean, the like I had no idea how they appear. Like I love them. And I even I had this goddamn it says that this is the manual. We're not to the strategy guide yet. I had both. <laughs> I, I had well I didn't have both, yeah. sorry. I didn't have the game, but I know I saw the manual. Uh, yeah. But I had the strategy guide, and I'm sure it says it somewhere in there as well. Like, I had no idea how these things appeared. It's very straightforward. Every time you get another 80,000 points, you get an end card game. So it's super simple. That's why you, it's, like. Oh, that's what it is? Yeah. Oh. Super simple thing. <laughs> I but never yeah. knew. Yeah. Like, how did I never know that? I, don't, I feel like <laughs> that somehow just, like, went over our heads. It Because every time we came up, it was like, oh, yes, there it is again. Like, that's what I memorized, so- memorized the last for the last time. Yeah. This is this is the thing that I I was like I'll save it for the pod when we were bullshitting in the beginning <laughs> before we started recording. Like the way you've talked about this, this kind of like oh I know this game the back of my hand front to back worries me a bit because even the games you know the <laughs> the Metal Gears the Mike Tyson's Punch Out these games that I also feel this strongly uh, yeah. about my knowledge of them wrote. It's a different thing when you do it for the podcast and you go through and you really, you know, simple shit. Like, you notice things like, again, kids just kind of, you know, oh, you blow past that. And, like, now that you've blown past it and you think you've internalized it but didn't really, you just never look again. <laughs> and you miss things that way. And there, I'm worried there's going to be a lot of stuff that you supposedly, oh, I know everything about this game that we're going to get into here because of the way I fucking pick everything apart and I'm not letting anything fly by. That There's going to be a lot of that shit. And I think that's funny. <laughs> That I don't know. This is like this is your greatest game ever, but I feel like there's gonna be a bunch of shit that you're like, oh, I actually I don't know, know man. that. <laughs> this I don't know. I don't think there is because even like the end card, like when we talk about it, I knew like we knew there was a system because you would always know like even if you screwed up and only got like one of them, you knew like all right, the flower was there up upper left and bottom right from two from the middle. So you didn't have the you know. strategy guide. I did not have the strategy guide. Oh, God. The strategy guide. I can't believe you didn't know what I saw. That blows my mind. Uh, the That strategy guide has a layout of all the possible card games. I feel like this is the thing maybe that I remember most about using the strategy guide for was it shows you really? there are eight, there are, there's eight different types of layouts of this game, of the cards, and there are certain cards you can pick. It makes it more fun to me, I guess, to know because there's certain cards you can pick that indicate which of these eight layout layouts it is that they're only in one or two, you know, uh, of the layouts this way. So like the star will only be on the far right middle card in two of the layouts. So you pick that card first 
And if it's a star, you know it's one of these two. And then you go pick the other one where it is. And then based on that second card choice, you know the entire layout. And then you can just get everything. <laughs> it's so it's so much fun. <laughs> but I think either I played so much that I intuitively knew that. Or I have seen it before because I... Sure. There's only eight like, of them, so... Yeah, I kind of already knew, like, oh, if I get the flower here... It's three down and one over to get the other flower. Oh, I'm sure, not, I'm sure you designed If systems, not, yeah. then I, no, you know what I mean? I definitely had a memory, a system where I was like, oh, okay, that's not there. Yeah. Then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I just think it's funny. That's like, it's the thing. I, 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 you know, I don't remember using that guide for anything else, but I remember using it for that specifically a lot. <laughs> I mean, I know I definitely didn't have like my own, you know, Nintendo Power subscription at the time. So it was either, Either I went to the went to the library and like sat and read and like sure. wrote stuff down or whatever you know, which I definitely did. I was gonna say that's you know, that, I definitely I, did that. That kid would definitely do that for all eight of them too. Just literally make the whole thing. Oh, there was what many a, many. What a, a, day what a great use! What a great use of graph paper. That's such a beautiful graph paper thing. <laughs> literally drawn the little logo. You come up with a little icon for each one and do you know that'd be great use of graph paper. <laughs> yeah, moving on. We're still in the mm. manual here. We're never going to get out of here. I told you. 29 pages. I have notes, bro. <laughs> Page 23 gets into the item inventory on the map screen. And this is also a really big thing for me. Uh, like, I know inventories are NBD now. But in 1990, having an inventory to stare at and strategize with, any Mario game in particular, but in any game, was rare and appealing. And really, oh, yeah, man. yeah, yeah, really rando fun fact I clocked in here. You can only hold 28 items, so you have four pages, basically, on this thing. And if and when you go over that, the 29th item will replace the 28th item. So that is the LIFO accounting method, folks, last in, first out. And I'd have assumed this was a FIFO operation, and I generally prefer that <laughs> I generally prefer that method as far as accounting methods go. Yes. Uh, yeah, there's probably a reason it's been sitting on the shelf that long, district manager. Let it go. <laughs> You're still not used it by now, like 30 items later. It's just. Yeah, there's a reason that it's sitting there. Uh, yeah, so. Um, Jay, what is your favorite accounting method? <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. It just gives me nightmares. <laughs> also, a FIFO guy? Us, I... The method that ends in us closing the books the quickest. That's, <laughs> that's good to have flexibility like that, is good. That's good. <laughs> The description blurb for the Magic Whistle reads, Not much is known about the Magic Whistle. See if you can find it. And that's the kind of carrot dangle that could put a kid into frenzy mode with no internet available to put out the fire of their curiosity. So good <laughs> copywriting there. Pages 27 through 29 get into playing with two players and more specifically the two-player battle mode. And everyone knows this is the original Mario Brothers game. But I did not know that there were three different level versions that are randomly shuffled, supposedly, anyways. Uh, again, it's if I've never seen... Like, I, I may have seen that second one. Mm -hmm. The first one's obviously the, the first level of Mario Brothers. Yeah. Everyone's seen that. The second one with the pipe in the middle, like, I may have seen that. But the third one, I have I've never seen that in my entire life. So, um, one, I haven't played a ton of Mario Brothers, so that's part of it. Yeah. But two, I'd never gotten this game even. So, I don't, I'm curious, did you, like... I've never really even undertook this game. I've played multiplayer before, but I've never really approached it as a competitive endeavor with a second player. So I'm curious, with you playing the shit out of it and loving it, whether you that was something you did as a kid with. So yeah, this. Okay. <laughs> so this was approached a couple of different ways. Like, 
The great thing about this game is that it's two player. Mario Brothers, you're having fun. Um, unlike freaking, if I remember correctly, I don't recall Mario, Mario, Mario 2, 2 being no, two player. No. So I was very glad that we went back to two player here. But it's alternating levels. So if you're Mario, you're first player, I'm Luigi, I'm second player. If you play World 1 1 and beat it, I play World 1 2 and so on and so forth. Which so sucks. If, 1 yeah, 2 so sucks, if, and then 1 3 gets the whistle. Fuck. Exactly. <laughs> if you see how this progress goes, like if you go and there's like a really cool level, like in one of the underwater worlds, you're like, oh, I want to get the frog suit. Like, there have been times when my cousins and my brother, like, you know, somebody will just like click on you when you try to go by them and force one of these Mario battle games. And so I've seen it just like go back and forth. Like, no, I was going to get that level. Like, no, but I want it. Like, but it's my turn. Just like back and forth. Cause you have to win that battle. And then it's your turn. And it's yeah. just, it's so these levels are just kind of a pain in the ass to me from that perspective. Like yeah. it's, it's not something I want to P- go do. PTSD. <laughs> also, we're talking to the kid who had Atari for the longest time. Like, I don't want that old style Mario. Game. <laughs> stuff. You know, um, that's good. But to your point, though, I, I definitely have seen the first one and the second one here, but the third one doesn't look familiar to me. So yeah. I either haven't seen it or I definitely don't remember it. The first two, definitely. But again, like unless we were battling, we weren't trying to trigger these. Right. Yeah. I don't you know, it doesn't say here. It says just randomly. But like, again, it can't be random. You always get that first one first. So I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> it's more about where you're at in the game. Maybe so. That at least informs what the random seating is and whether or not you can get, you know, whatever. So, like, I think there's more to it than they're suggesting here that it's just a random selection of the three. So, uh, I'd be curious to know what the specifics of that are, and I don't do not know. But. Yeah. So, also there, we didn't you didn't mention it, but you you know, you, yes, you get you you get the turn. You get you can take cards from them to complete yeah. your little your three card thing. They're set. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing. And you can even like further of that, furthering of that, you can also use that to cooperatively play. You can swap if you don't want one of your cards, but it helps the other person instead. You can go in there and actually give them a thing you don't want to get it out of your trio. So you still have, you know, possible to get all stars. So that's an interesting strategy as well. So, yeah, just again, just like a little dumb thing. That has so much nuance to it. And, and yeah, it's just. I guess it's. I'm so used to always getting the stars at the end. Like, you have to screw up. You get fucked, though. And there are levels so, where they put you up true. and you're putting up. You come up out of the pipe and there's not enough runs. There's not enough runway true. to get full speed and you get the fucking mushroom instead. So it's it's <laughs> possible. Even, even without true. being bad at the game, you can still get fucked sometimes. Right. Or they put an enemy in there and you got to accommodate for the enemy. Like, a lot of reasons that you can fucking. Not get a star, but <laughs> I digress. Pages 30 through 34 are a breakdown of the A-Worlds in the game, and we'll indubitably get into those in detail as we venture through the quest to topple Bowser. The Lemmy, the particularly screwy-looking kid riding a grocery store toy owl ball, uh, like a <laughs> unicycle, which is one of the funner ones, I think, is talking shit on the World 8 page. And he says, how far can Mario go? I hope he doesn't make it this far. Dad has many complicated tricks waiting for him in the dark land. I've even heard about some new weapon that Dad's been making foreshadowing oh my gosh i just heard the music in my head I started <laughs> <to start laughs> <it. I'm> like, <laughs> 
pages 35 through 41. Oh, the music's good here, so it's fair. There's a lot of iconic shit. That's not surprising to hear. Pages 35 through 41 are a seven-page enemy breakdown palooza, and there are no sprite screenshots, but pretty dope action animations in every one of them and great description blurbs. They're categorized. I love organization, so that's good. And my favorite entry is the Buzzy Beetle. And it says for him, he's back again. This time he can walk on the ceiling. And then the illustration has one walking on the ceiling, of course. So he's probably my favorite. You got one in here that you uh, would, yeah. would, would pick out? I would say definitely the Rocky Rocky Wrench. Uh, Rocky is okay. a turtle who kind of looks like a mole. <laughs> he, he will suddenly appear and start to throw wrenches at Mario. I just yeah. like him because he pops up with like these dope looking sunglasses. <laughs> just like, <laughs> right, right. Looking, uh, looking cool and being a little dickhead. Yeah. Uh, page 42 is a straight-up love letter from the developers to the players. And it reads, To Mario's players, thanks for selecting Mario Bros. 3. We've been, a, we've been working hard to make this game even better than Super Mario Bros. 1 and 2. In addition to the action scenes, we've added a world map on which you can plot your progress as well as play a new two-player game. In Super Mario Bros. 3, you will find many more hidden things than in the first two games in the series. We think that you will find it much more challenging as well. Have fun. Yours truly, Mario Staff. And Nintendo always putting in that extra little bit of TLC. (laughs) There is a bunch of legalese bullshit and a line memo page finishing this thing out. And I would love to know. This would be a great, like, photo series or something of just, like, kids' one page of memos for this game. I would just love to see what some of those memos would be for uh, for this game, you know. Oh Warp whistles, perhaps, but hidden things, you know, there's just so much hidden shit that, like, what a kid would... I guess what I'm t- getting at here is what a kid prioritizes and how fun that would be to just go through a, a random selection of, you know. Notable history. <laughs> Has anyone ever said anything about this game, Jay? I would think not. <laughs> and game genie codes that didn't make me feel like I was cheating. Those things. Oh and I guess gosh. tell us tell us all about your wizard rhetoric as well. So it's it's funny. First and foremost, I gotta say that I fell asleep watching the wizard last night. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> mainly just because I was tired from all the day's activities. But like it, it's just funny because the minute it started, like hearing him say California, I was like, oh my gosh! It just took me back to the movie and just immediately just reminded me of what it was like watching that. But also at the same time, I realized part of me wanted to stop watching it at one point because I know 10-year-old me was looking at it through magical eyes and and 40-year-old me is looking at it through skeptical marketing, storytelling eyes and all that. So I was like, ah, I'm, I'm going to keep watching it. But I tried to push uh, through. I told you, that is not as fucking incredible as you said it was. But sure. as, a, as a kid, think about it like this, though. As a kid, sure. I love Mario. I love Nintendo. I know that this is game is out in freaking Japan. I've heard about it. I've seen whispers, maybe even a screenshot of like the, what you see behind me of like the starting starting screen. I don't know anything about it. And then I'm freaking watching this movie and at the end of the movie the freaking kid, they debut this game. So it's just like, that's brilliant. Holy Bru- shit, Bru- yeah, man. Brilliant, brilliant marketing for sure. And also, you know, oh. I didn't see it at the time and I certainly didn't see it at a theater. So, you know, that I, it's, you almost have to just like 
your opinion doesn't matter. You have none of the nostalgia necessary Dude. for this for this movie to be uh, what it needs to be. You know, <laughs> we're, we're just talking about it off the cuff, and I just got choked up and like actually, yeah, just remembering it because it was so exciting. Like I can't believe like. How did he know that there was like a secret there? The game just came out. Like, what is happening? You know, like, I just, I didn't know how to take it all in, but it was still just like, I need Mario 3 right now. The like, fucking Wonder Years kid. <laughs> <laughs> he beat the kid with the power glove. The power glove sucks. Validating everything we say on the podcast. This is great. You know. Um, yeah. Outside of that, and hey, let me take you, need, back. you need to take a moment, Jay. If you need to take a moment. <laughs> take Collect a moment. myself. Uh, outside of that, yeah, it's, I mean, beyond being an amazing game, I do remember, like, I had this visceral reaction to the idea of using a game genie, and I didn't really know what to think about that, and I'm like, why, why am I just, like, kind of like, I, w- I would never use a game genie to this, to play this game, and part of it is that, like, obviously, <laughs> for one thing, like, my background was easily recycled from us playing like last year because I played through this game last year, you know, already. And I, cause I love it. And, and because it was easily accessible on the switch, you know, so making that, you know, far more easy and simple, but because I'm able to kind of fly through it because I know the game so well, it's kind of like, why would you use a, ja- a game genie code? Like there's, we know that there are two wh- spoiler alert. There are two whistles, whistles at the beginning of the game. So you can get the world eight pretty daggone quickly. If you want to just get to the end of the game and not experience all the worlds, but that's not fun. And then, like, there's enough cool stuff throughout the world that it's like, why do you want that? But upon further reflection upon myself, when I was able to step back and just remember what it was like as a kid, I do remember one time getting a Game Genie and being able to use it on this game, like, after beating it and stuff. And looking at the list of codes, I remember that, but I also remember feeling like, man, like, like they were unnecessary, like, like they were kind of crazy, right? So there's one for like a power jump, a super power jump, and a mega power jump. And I remember them being like just these outstanding, ridiculous, like cascadingly higher jumps, which you guess you could use them in the game. But at that point, it's like, what are, what are we even doing? Like we can fly in this game, like the, the leaf is the best mechanic, like the best new mecha- thing in the game to me, like, cause you can fly like, and outside of being able to get the Tanuki and that, you know, like being able to fly just in general is awesome. So this kind of breaks that all of those kind of break the fun sure. and kind of bring that fun down. So it's like, eh, you know, even like being able to start on the different worlds, two through eight, like there's codes for all of those. But the, again, you have you the whistle game. Yeah. Yeah. So you can like, just, you can get them both and only use one. And you're good because you use a one yeah, and you can I go don't to think, two, yeah, three, I don't four. I don't believe I ever used my game genie on this game. I mean, you know, part of that, I don't have yeah. the game, so that's part of it. But, yeah. you know, I played this game some way or another. And the idea that I never tried to combine them is its own statement on that. I think or commentary on that to some degree, I think. Yeah. Like, I, the, like they're just so like there's a ton. Like there's a lot of them that are just very different. There's some that are like kind of <laughs> there's some with like a disclaimer, like if you use any of these below. Everything will like break if you beat the game. <laughs> and do this. So I'm like, you know what I mean? This is all kind of like, Crazy issue. I don't know, ones that you be questionable to use. But outside of that, I mean, yeah, you start with different kind of uh, like Fire Mario, Raccoon Mario, Frog Mario, which is helpful, obviously, if you're in like the water world and you want to just get that swim on immediately. Like, that's freaking great. But again, I think 
some of the fun is like finding that. And like, once you get that frog suit, it's like, Oh yeah. You know, or like, or whatever it is you're looking for. So I still advocate not using any of yeah. these games. Like I, I would say maybe, maybe like nine lives for Mario after continue just so you can keep the party going. Yeah, that Mario's our lives though, are. This is the That's first what I mean. one. Oh, actually, no, that happens in the second one too. Extra lives don't matter as much, you know. I think. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah, Mario has never really been a thing in Mario. For the most depending part. on how you feel about that, yeah, definitely, definitely in the later ones. But yeah, depending on how you feel about that, like, feel free. But I would pass on all game genie codes personally. Okay. 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 <laughs> Any other worthwhile history uh, outside of the wizard, of course. Uh, you know, I looked up a lot of stuff. I mean, clearly this game has won a lot of different reward rewards and <laughs> awards, a lot of awards and like high high rankings and ratings and like game of the year and kind of all that stuff. I know that this game was getting developed n- close around the same time as Super Mario World, which is a whole nother thing more about. That's more about the making of Mario World than it is about Mario 3, but I mean, this game was obviously remade as part of like the Super, the 1993 Super Nintendo Super Mario All Stars, which is kind of like a compilation. There were people yeah. telling, oh, saying, "So good." When we first, when I started, first started posting shit, there were people saying, suggesting to play that version of this, that it's superior yeah. in some way, shape, or form. And I, I mean, it's not the Super Nintendo, so I'm sure it is like a little bit superior. But like, I don't know. I would, it, I would not want to play it more than this one. I don't know. So I think that's part of the thing, right? Because I, and I, I probably should have rewatched this, but I, I remember like early on during the pandemic, I was watching, I was like reading up on the history of the super Nintendo and like the history of like super Mario world. And like the fact that these were both games were made similar, similarly close. Like they were working on both at the same time. Obviously super Mario world was still being worked on after this was out. But I think because of that, like because I've seen Super Mario All Stars, like the coloring, the colors are more vibrant. Obviously, just like the palette and everything graphically is able to. Just, it's almost just like enhanced it. Like it doesn't really. I I don't I don't think it does anything else other than just like whoa, this looks even just better. So a like more. yeah yeah. I mean, considering the time that it's out and the Super Nintendo comes out like right after this kind of thing, it just makes it more like oh, the, it is that quality of game because it's an amazing game. But here's some more graphics to it. So I would say, now that you say that, I'm like, man, should I just start over real quick and play that one instead? But <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, it's 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 definitely a quality version. Yeah. Well, you're well, you're 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 uh, hinting at something there that we have not stated specifically, and I was actually just about to get into it because I don't have an economic analysis, but I am going to force myself to do one for the Ooh. second part of this. We're not going to get into the whole game here because it's just too much. As I said, I'm at 29 pages of notes, which I know means nothing to you as a listener, perhaps, <laughs> if you listen to the show a lot. But that's about 10 pages more, oh, five, five to 10 pages more than most games get in their entirety. Uh, and we're only halfway through this game. so Out of control. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is the World 4 theme, getting us into before the game, actually. 
Normally we'd be going into game mode here, but first let's talk about this beautiful strategy guide that we will be playing in, a, in a, as an accompaniment, or that we will be reading rather as an accompaniment to the game itself. And this is the first of the four strategy guide experiments Nintendo Power would do in 1990 when they were exploring moving from a bi-monthly mag to a monthly one. And it's beautiful, it's iconic, as you'd expect any Nintendo Mario shit to be. And it has this kind of quasi-claymation feel that so many of their mag covers had in this early era as far as the art style goes. Mario is real big in the foreground. He's decked out in a raccoon suit gear deal. And to be honest, his posture kind of looks like he's pinching a loaf that, he, that, he, <laughs> that he's having a real hard time with. And, you know, I'm not much of a toilet humor guy, but it's kind of hard to argue with that, in my humble opinion. He's hunched over, but sticking out away from our POV, kind of fist clenched, not making eye contact. There's just a lot about it that <laughs> it's hard to argue. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's definitely flying, but I'm sure I'll take the, like... He's definitely not flying. He's, what do you mean he's flying? Dude, look at his feet. He has, like, the little swoop marks coming from coming from his shoes going downwards his tail has a little wagging thing at the top like he's definitely trying to fly up and away okay all these things can be happening all these things can be happening while you're taking a shit <laughs> and <laughs> so he's flying away from all the koopy kids on the hill while taking a shit flying Dro- dropping a deuce sure I, I, I don't buy it but sure in your world you, you can role play that okay That's okay <laughs> Good. Cool, cool. yeah as you mentioned in the background we can see a castle spire atop a grave uh, a, a big hill there's bowser looking out from it as all seven of his shithead brood are trundling down the hill towards mario with their wands in hand and the title is in big white white font in the lower left tagline below it reads 84 pages of maps tactics and power plays yeah the inside cover is a really cool illustration of one of the warships in flight. And that picture is still behind me because I forgot to change it. And all seven kids are poking their heads out from various places in the ship. And you can also see Peach, as we mentioned, tied to a smokestack on the deck of the ship. And the rest of the page is a solid blue sky teal that really pops. And I just love this image. And it yeah. was like when I first was digging into this episode, or episodes, I suppose, and I opened the instruction manual or sorry, the strategy guide and saw that image like one, like it came flooding back to me. Like I, how, I don't know, just seen as a child and going through this, but I've seen this. Image yes, but sure. it's, it's just such a, I don't know with the teal background in particular, it's just such a, uh, it's such a stark image, you know, it's like the whole it's iconic. It yeah. Like the, the whole bot. I mean, you know, that airship is only on the top half of the page and the rest of it is just all blue. And it's just like in a book where, there's just so much information and it's packed top to bottom, left to right, just with information. It's just such a choice to have this bold choice. Yeah. This illustration of just nothingness on the inside cover, you know, is really, it is like it, it, to me, it's definitely lets you know, like, Hey, they're up in the sky in the air. There's nothing, but Oh, it's a great piece of storytelling. Like I said, it has, yeah, it has all the kids poking out and, and those airships are a new thing too. And like, just, Again, kind of, we talked about how they did it with Bowser and how they did it with uh, Mario and Luigi as well, as enemies like, uh, throughout. They're trying to really push the, they're trying to make the story, help you understand the story world. And this is an example, I think, of that to help, you know, see the ship in flight in a full illustration and kind of see it um, in an illustrated manner as much as, yes, we're going to see it in the game. But obviously, 
they can't even fit one of these whole things on the screen. So it's just less of an ability to visualize it uh, from a storytelling perspective. You know, it's a, it's a smart choice. But this ties in very well also to like the, the cartoons, like just visually, you know, like it just, it also reminds me of like the Saturday morning cartoon shows and things that, came let's, out of this let's table was... this because we haven't I, we're gonna get to it later and i have questions yeah. about this actually so yes perhaps and that's what but i think the saturday morning cartoon is just another example of what i'm talking about though a tool with which they're trying to make the oh, story sure. world better understood you know 100 yeah the toc is beautiful as all nintendo power tocs are but i really like that little illustration of mario up top his ass is on fire and he's mid freak out after a little flame <laughs> dude has nipped his bum and they couldn't quite pull it off with the NES's limited graphics or even on the SNES, I would say. But mm-hmm. this is basically what we'd eventually see in Mario 64 when yes. he gets set on fire, right? And I think this is a whole thing, dude. It leads Do you hear me... the sound in your ear? Yes. Oh, for sure. Ah, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Ah. So this leads me to believe that this team, like this R&D1 team at Nintendo, has had this image in their – or had this image in their head – for a fucking decade that they were uns- like I can picture them I want to picture them mm-hmm. trying to figure this out with the rudimentary 8 and 16 bit sprites you know but not being able to pull it off and making the smart decision to table it until they could really show it the way they wanted it to be mm-hmm. uh, you know depicted and I, just heart emojis everywhere for that man it's just it's 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 beautiful creativity it's beautiful artistry it's just it's just everything you want as an artist you want to be able to do the self-control of being able to like refrain from doing it shittily until you can do it right like that's really hard to do as an artist to like to be like i can't i don't have the tools to do this and i'm not this is what i I want it to look like right exactly (laughs) i'm not gonna sell it short i'm gonna fucking wait until i get the right toolbox Yep. To express myself the right way. And that, that is a really hard thing to do as an artist. And this is, yeah, I fucking, just great job. That's like great, Avatar great 2. That's like the second Avatar movie. Like James Cameron's like, uh, thing. I haven't that's seen what, it. That's what he I haven't seen it, but I feel like maybe not. I will say, <laughs> I will say, I was like, just very skeptical going, it's a freaking great movie, man. I can't even, like, I don't know technically. Because I'm obviously I don't live in that world. Technically, I'm sure it's uh, technically I'm sure it's the most cutting edge shit ever. But th- that I don't. Yeah. That, that means nothing as far as artistry goes to me. That <laughs> <laughs> doesn't mean nothing. That's a, that's an overstatement. But I know with with uh, Avatar one, like I said, I have said before. We've talked about this. That dude is the most boring lead you could ever put in a movie. He is just the most boring human being ever to watch on screen to me. Uh, <laughs> I can't even think of his name. What's his name? So Sam Worthington? Yes. That is the most boring human being I've ever seen in a movie and on, on a screen in my life. He is just so boring to watch. I like you, Sam. It's all right, man. <laughs> but to me, all I can think about when I think of Avatar is when the first one came out, it was going around the one-page Pocahontas story. Oh, yeah. And how they literally or just... like, no, Ferngully. Was it Ferngully? No, Ferngully. it's Pocahontas. They crossed out pronouns and just wrote in avatar pronouns instead and it's fucking pocahontas and it's just like you know i don't know it's just a perfect example of like the inability or the lack of even interest not even inability james cameron has written good scripts he could tell a good story (laughs) 
He's not interested in it. He wants to make the most technically impressive movie, and he wants it to be most widely. And the re, because of how expensive that form of storytelling is, it has to be the most basic bitch story possible. And hence Avatar. <laughs> Maybe so. I mean, I didn't know. Obviously, when Avatar came out, I didn't have. There was no precedent. I'm like, what are we talking about? I don't know what to expect with that movie. But with the second one, I think because of that. I don't know. For me, I had just low expectations for the second one. Just kind of like whatever. But it was just... I, I'd left there just kind of like... I can't put my finger on it, but this was... Like, I've, everything's about... Everything about it's not great. Don't get me wrong. But like, overall... Like, it's still a great movie. Like, I can't... I, you know what I, I mean? Like they're it. just they're just things. Like, I, I just can't... It, you know, so I'm, I'm not going to spoil it. But I'm not going to try... I'm, yeah. I'm not going to try to knowledgeably speak to just it. surprised yeah it's like i like i i felt kind of like you it was like yeah it's whatever like it's not it's not earth shattering something that i'm like dying to go see but even i I just left there like holy shit dude like what i can't believe that man did you see that? i'm sure i mean, especially if you see it like yeah. like they want it's fucking the way they want it to be because you know, imax probably whatever yeah god, god, that's god, what i did yeah yeah god knows how visually impressive it is but I mean, I remember the first one being visually impressive, so I'm, I'm not, again, I'm not knocking that. No, but you know how, okay, side note, sidebar, oftentimes with 3D movies, like, you go into the 3D movie, and then I feel like within, like, 10 minutes, I'm kind of, I kind of forget that I'm in, I'm watching 3D. Like, it just feels like I'm watching a movie. And it's kind of like, at the end, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess they maybe did some specific 3D things there, you know, throughout the kind of, like, reach out at you, whatever. But this one, I just felt immersed throughout. Like, I didn't just feel like they were just trying to reach out to me just regularly, just doing stuff like it used to, Sure. like, often happens there. I just felt, like, immersed in the world throughout. And I was just like, I don't know, like, all the technology behind this and why James Cameron (laughs) felt like he had to wait for stuff to happen and things to get better before he can make this movie. But, like, I had low expectations. This is a fucking great film. I don't know. Go see it. That's all I can say. <laughs> I would never go to a theater and support that kind of movie making, but but oh, I'd be okay with watching it uh, down there, or yeah. trying to. I don't know. You never. I mean, like I tried to watch the new Batman, and I was like, "This is awful." <laughs> oh, the god. the patents. In yeah. Oh my god! I turned it off from the the subway stuff. I was like, "Fuck off!" <laughs> I fell asleep on it. I yeah. I fifty fifty on giving it a read. Trying to get again. I don't know. Because people like it, but I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm just not. That's not the Batman I'm interested in watching on screen. Like, I fell asleep once. I don't don't know. Yeah. Woo! As if we don't have enough to deal with here with Mario 3. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a fucking Batman and Avatar. Uh, Okay, so they throw us a full page describing all the basic moves before a half page on the power ups, and this is pretty fun. And what would Mario? What would a Mario adventure be without power-up items? Doubly difficult and half as fun is the way they um, summate the importance of this. And we have the series regular here, the Super Mushroom and Fire Flower. But there are some newbies here that took Mario Mania to a whole new fucking level. And we'll go through these <laughs> in the order of their rarity. You mentioned it. The raccoon is a new one. And this is Mario or Luigi getting a raccoon. They get little raccoon ears popping up out of their hat, as well as a raccoon tail appearing on their ass. And otherwise, they have all their normal gear on. And this get-up allows you to weaponize that tail with a whip attack that you can use while both on the ground or jumping to frag baddies. <laughs> and you can also fly via traditional P-meter mechanics. And, you know, it's kind of... I, I, I think this is interesting 
choice because I don't know if you know this, Jay, but raccoons can't fucking fly. <laughs> so what do you mean, Josh? Like they don't fly in L.A. Like uh, they, here in Seattle, they're just twirling around. Like, are they? Are I'll they? just pet them as they yeah. as they float away. I think there is actually got to duck them to make sure they don't like shit on you as they fly by. <laughs> there, there is, there is, there isn't. Isn't there a type that can like kind of? There's make... flying squirrels. There are things. That's flying it. Flying squirrels. squirrels. Yeah, they, they don't really fly though. They're kind of like they ju- they have really they jump and jumping glide. capabilities. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, well, that's yeah. kind of like Mario. He doesn't fly forever. Right? <laughs> that's true. That's so true. maybe true. maybe something got lost in translation. They meant like true. squirrel Mario, but like squirrels or you know. True. And we're speaking we're, we're speaking mostly from a North American perspective here. Perhaps in Japan there are raccoons. There are raccoons with this that same capability. I don't know. Maybe so. There is actually, Maybe we'll so. talk about it, but we're about to talk about it, an animal I didn't know existed. So, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right, so the so frogs are the next one here. And this puts you in a full-on cute-ass frog suit with just your plumber's face sticking out of the mouth. And this is little Nemo vibes to me, you know, just as far as kind of the design of it. Same thing. It was Mar- it was Nemo's face sticking out of a little whatever his mouth. And this thing is fantastic in underwater stages, giving you an infinitely better swimming ability, but is the absolute fucking pits on land. And oh man! This is made. This might actually be my biggest bitch about this whole game is things to do with the frog suit and how the game gives it to you and utilizes it and implements it, whatever. So we will definitely talk about that later in more detail. Mm, okay, the okay. next one is the Tanuki, and this is basically Raccoon Mario on steroids, giving you both the Coon powers plus allowing you to turn into an invulnerable statue at will. So you press down and B to enact the statue condition, which only lasts a few seconds. And did you have any idea what the fuck a Tanuki was before I posted that Google screenshot about it? So, yeah, I like growing up, obviously, when this game came out, absolutely not. Like, what the hell is a Tanuki? And <laughs> like, what is this? All right. But I, I definitely read up on it like the last time during my last playthrough okay. to kind of see like the lore behind like where did this thing come from yeah, yeah. what what uh insatiable like, what is the what, deal what like, there's got a curiosity here yeah what, <laughs> and there is reason this is a real thing the the spelling is with the u instead of the double o and translates the word translates to japanese raccoon dog so the wiki pool and apologies for that simplicity as far as explaining this goes but it was the most simplest way to do it the legendary tanuki are reputed to mischievous mischievous sorry and jolly masters of disguise and shape-shifting but somewhat gullible and absent-minded the animals are also are also have been common in japanese art particularly as subjects for statues so all that perfectly lines up with how they're implemented here but yeah as a kid i just that's a perfect example just like you just like okay <laughs> like that's just part of that's part of it. I don't have any questions. Let's just go. Great. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what we're doing. Got it. Yeah. And lastly is the elusive hammer bro. Oh and my gosh. You adopt my favorite the look. one ever. It's so Sorry, it's so rare. It's the greatest the it's so rare. Power. I don't even. It's not even in the subset of. It's, I don't even. I don't even have an opinion on it. It's so rare. I don't. I never really even got to fuck with it as a kid you you only get it in a couple different places and that's why it's like if you if you do your warp whistles to try to go beat the game you're going to most likely miss yeah no chance unless you actually just play through and see the opportunities when hammer brothers pop up walking around the screen and and whatever else you see it like you're just you're going to miss out so that's my one of the things that makes me the most sad about this is i love that freaking suit like it's such a great thing but it's it might be also truly classified as OP, so you can't really have it like everywhere, time, or sure. you're just gonna just smash everything and just what's the, what's the point? What's the challenge? You know? Yep, 
Yeah, and yeah, so you, yeah, you adopt the look and mechanics of a standard Hammer Brother. You become fireproof, and which is actually not how Hammer Brothers work. You can fireball <laughs> them, so that's interesting. But you become fireproof, and the hammers can kill just about anything, even some things that fireballs can't, so... Yeah. Yeah. Very, very dominating suit to have. And that's kind of, you know, it, eh, we'll save it. They they also cover the inventory items, and there's some first and only timers here. And the, you know, we're not going to talk about them all, but ones that are unique to this and worth, worth touching on, I think. There is the P-Wing, and this is Raccoon Mario, but with a P on his chest, and keeps your flight meter full for the whole stage. And after yeah. that after that one stage, you become, it reverts to just a raccoon thing, so you, you don't keep that for multiple stages. But it basically allows you, it's it's a way, it's like Jujim's Cloud Light, basically. It allows you to pretty much just skip a stage if, you, if you're having trouble with it. But it, in that way, it's better because it doesn't, the problem with Jujim's Cloud, which is the next one, it, these allow you to float right over a stage you find shitty on the overworld map but it does not clear it so if you die in the next stage or need to go back for any reason you'll still have to deal with that stage and for this reason i am very meh on jujim's cloud like um not something that i really ever use because yeah i don't i'm too worried about having to go back or dying and then having to deal with it so what's the point like so you're always saving it for like i don't know something extra special situation I've definitely been in some hairy situations. Just like, oh, I got that. I'm just skipping this. I remember this stage. Nope, not going <laughs> on. Fair, but yeah, fair, to your fair. point, like just losing all your lives and having to go back, and then you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next one is the hammer, and this breaks boulders on the map screen, granting access to hidden shit if you know what you're doing or have the strategy guide. And you can definitely just waste this on meaningless boulders. And I really, I really commend them for that. They do that where they'll try to like tease you into wasting them on things that aren't really of any value to you. And that's, that's really good game design, I think. And part of what I like about old Nintendo games, you'd never see that now. You know, you'd never see like just wasting this, like, we're not going to like wall off this secret area of the game with some bullshit, you know, or most games, I shouldn't say all, but many new games would never do that. Another one is the music box, and this puts wandering Hammer Brother sprites to sleep on the map if you don't feel like dealing with them. And again, I would never use these because I always want those items that you get from the Hammer Brothers. Dude, you know? I I hear you, but there's definitely been scenarios when, like, you're small, Mario and Luigi, you got, like, only a couple lives left, you don't have any... I'll see. Any Jay, I'm, che- I'm cheating at the memory match game, so I have plenty of stars. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, dude. That's so whack. But yeah, <laughs> like if, you play, if you play it truly, you might have to use that strategically. That can be like very much like we are getting past this and moving sure. on type of. And it's interesting too. They like they, yeah they go to sleep. They don't go away. They literally fall yeah. down and sleep, which is cool. You don't, you don't get to like defeat them auto- automatically unless you got a star. So it's kind of like right. I guess in that respect, it's kind of helpful because it's like well, you already have the ability to just take this enemy out if you have the right thing. So here's another fun little thing where if you get it, you can like strategically not deal with them, but they can still get back up and go after you. So if you sure. mess around, you know, do they, it's a fun little additional mechanic. How do they, do they get back up? I've, I actually don't feel like I remember that or knew. Yeah. That. If you put them to sleep after a while, like if you take a while on, let's say world four and you're like struggling and you've put them to sleep at the beginning of like that world and you don't really make it out of that screen. Like they will wake up and still, you know, go oh, back no to shit. doing their I did not stuff. know that. Yeah. 
Or that, that actually is pretty cool then. I didn't realize that. I thought it was a permanent status. Okay. <laughs> the next one is the magic whistle, and we all know what the fuck these do. Let's not bullshit anyone here. So let's move right on <laughs> to the anchor. And this keeps an airship from screwing around the map after failing at beating it. And that's pretty fun. I've never once used this <laughs> in my life, but it's, uh, you know, if you're having trouble with an airship, the. the Oh, it's so use annoying. is obvious. <laughs> I don't even. I don't, so I don't even know. Like, does the airship have to be out? I don't even know how they get implemented. Really, does the airship have to be out already, moving around? Does it, does it already have to have moved around once, or how does it? You know, when do you use it? So if you have. let's like on World One, like you go to the castle, you know, you're fighting. You're they, you get up on the airship. You lose to the boss. You, you know, you get hit by a, a thing. You're little when you go to the boss, you lose, then the airship just takes off. Sure. You're like, oh, damn. So when you next time go in, I think it's when the next time you're there, you can use the anchor and then it can't like move again. So you just use, I guess if you just use it on the overall map at any time when it's out, that it'll, it'll yeah. affect the ship. Yeah. I think so. I can't, I can't remember exactly, but I think that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. It's another one. I don't, you know, I don't really. I've Airships. definitely used it, but I don't need to plant these days. Yeah. <laughs> Because I yeah I don't the, the the it's it's worth noting that like yes I I've obviously died on airships before they're some of them are very difficult but I don't leave a bunch of stages unbeaten you know which is really the only time that matters. But it's funny though like just just in preparation for this podcast like obviously last year my playthrough was much quicker like I played I've been playing through another playthrough with my my son. But I definitely, uh, in prep for this recording, I'm recalling all the times as a kid playing through this with my cousins and my brothers and stuff where we were just failing and like, you know, we're, when we were still figuring the game out and not good at it yet. And it was like, oh my gosh. So like, I don't know, just, it's very different. Cause like being able to like keep the airship from moving or like being, making sure that you get the whistle and don't fail at it. And like all these kind of things are like very very important things back sure. in the day. It's know? obviously higher pressure when there's no safe states. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Which makes it harder inherently, you know. Especially for a kid anyways. The There are two pages of high-level SMB shit coming after that. And the first is Mario's advanced moves. And there are eight of these. And then a whole page of unlimited one-up techniques. And are any of these go-tos for you, Jay, these one-up techniques? I mean, jumping around corners, definitely, for sure. I mean, that's no, no, the one-up techniques. Well, yeah, I mean, sure, tell, oh, me your, sorry. T- tell me your favorite advanced move, too. Well, I mean, there's a couple of them, but I, I feel like definitely jumping around corners, absolutely necessary, and then <laughs> dashing over small gaps. I feel like that's just a Mario staple since Mario won. Um, but in that, terms dude, of like the... That, what is it like? It's like... If I can't remember which stage it is, but were you that that huge jump in Mario One where yeah you have to run off the pipe and then hit those two little blocks and then jump like that to me like I rem- I I can remember being in my parents' bedroom on my fucking thirteen inch color TV playing that goddamn game when I first got my Nintendo and like <laughs> not being able to beat that for my life and just like I remember like hitting pause and like taking a step back and like what do I do here. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's been a stable from from the beginning for Mario for sure. Yeah, but I mean the the one up techniques. I mean these are all things that I've done, like because I learned about them. I was like, oh, this is something I can try. But they were ultimately each of them is kind of just like, oh, okay, like that's a thing I could do, you know. But I don't know. They again, it felt like there was enough going on with the game that like 
you're going to get enough lives or you, you know, I, I don't know. Like these were never big things to me. Okay. Like it is. I try to pull that Goomba stomp tactic in one, two mm-hmm. coming out of the pipes every time I play and like varying degrees of success. I wouldn't say I've ever been good at it, but I enjoy the attempt and yes. I, <laughs> I, I, I try That's to do it thing. every time. <laughs> I've definitely done it before. And then it's satisfying. And it's like, okay, I've done it. I'm yeah. moving on. Yeah. <laughs> yep. There are two pages of enemy breakdowns with screenshots of the sprites and a little blurb. This includes the Koopa Tots, and we'll throw you that description copy as we talk about each boss battle. The last page before we get into World 1 has the eight different memory matching card game layouts, and holy shit, did I lean on these as a kid. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's I don't know. Yeah, again, I already, already, already mentioned it, but the, this it's, it's just it's such an obscure thing to have a stark recall of. It's weird as fuck to me, you know? That, that that's such an important memory to me of all the things in this game to like have stand out in your memory. Oh my gosh. Wow. Just being able to look at that. That's crazy. That's <laughs> such cheating. I mean, I, I get it. Like it's definitely cool, but damn. <laughs> and it's not, you know, it's, it's, they're just like common items too. I think that's an important yeah. part of it. It's not like you're getting Tanuki suits or anything out of those. Yeah. You're definitely not uh, breaking the game. And they don't even have leaves. The game, but... Do they have leaves? I don't even think they have leaves. Do they? Nope. They don't. Yeah. So, yeah, this is all bullshit, really. Stars, mushrooms, fire flowers, coins, and one-ups. They close the setup out with an explanation of the world data box, which is the legend for the world maps at the start of each world section. So we'll talk about those as we get into them. Okay, so moving into the one-player playthrough, nine hours into this podcast, just getting started. Title screen is, it's easily a top five to ten title screen sequence on the NES. Uh, it starts with a red theater curtain coming up as Luigi enters from frame left, Mario from frame right. They dash at each other. Luigi leaps up and off of Mario's head just as he gets into a crouch position to protect himself. And I think that's important to note that like it, it is setting up the adversarial aspect of this game immediately. And I think that's an important and worth noting choice, you know, that it's not entirely co- or doesn't have to be entirely cooperative you know what i mean so then mario yeah, re- yeah. yeah mario remains center stage as mario exits stage right uh or sorry luigi exits stage right then some set pieces a goomba a buzz beetle and a turtle shell come falling in with the title treatment and sky backdrop and then the turtle shell bonks off mario's head he does a cute little reaction animation and then a red raccoon suit leaf floats down above him he looks up clocks it then leaps up to meet it at the apex of his jump turning into Raccoon Mario there and floating down to stomp the Goomba and kick the turtle shell into the beetle one and send them both off screen. Then Luigi comes back. He comes running out from stage, from off stage with the turtle shell that Mario had kicked off. And they do a little choreographed dance of exchanging it before it wraps up uh, (laughs) behind Mario or with Mario uh, wraps up around behind Mario after Luigi has left and catches him from behind to make him small Mario. And then, he takes this in for a second, and then walks behind the bush set piece, and the half, the one, two player selection text comes up to get rolling. So, it's, this was set up in the second one, and I think it's a really, like, big part about this, that at least I never really, that I totally glossed over as a child, and it's a really interesting thing. This theater stuff. You know, that, that mm-hmm. like the game set up for both this and Mario 2. There's all these things that suggest 
This is just happening on a stage as a show. You know what I mean? And it, <laughs> yeah. it's you know it's fueled a lot by the internet psychos trying to speculate on what it all means. Uh, but it's a big part of the theory that Mario Two is just a dream of Mario's. Like the justification for it's just the, the actual justification is too, Nintendo sure. was just reskinning Doki Doki Panic and making a business decision. But you know the internet psychos want to make it a, a narrative thing, and that you know they've they've turned it's just a dream, and that's why everything is all wonky in Mario Two. And such a deviation from the canonical world otherwise. So that's a big part of that. But yeah, you know, we'll like, there's a bunch of stuff in the game. We'll get into it and and talk about it when when we reach reach the instances. But this is like a, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I never really thought about how much of this game plays into that. And so much of it does. It's fucking crazy to me. Oh, I definitely, I, I definitely recall this because I loved because Mario 2 was such like a thing that pops in my memory because I played it a lot of times in Louisville like down where my grandmother and relatives in Kentucky lived and so like watching them play like that curtain coming down and up is like seared into my brain so seeing this and having that drop especially having a drop in the wizard when they're like you know basically debuting this game which is like Oh yeah, they did it even better because they're showing you so much in that in that clip. Like to your point, they're showing you that you can definitely do some Mario versus Luigi stuff in this game. Like, but you can also leaf, get this leaf. You yeah. can like grab this thing and hit each other. Like it just shows you so much in such a fun, colorful way. I don't know. It's just like, oh, I get the feeling. I just instantly had that nostalgic feeling and took me back. Like, I want to play it now. Show me this new amazing technology. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> So as I mentioned in the manual section, there, there's so much to talk about here. And and frankly, it's amazing that it can all happen on an NES two-button controller. You know, like it, it, it's honestly, I think it's too much. We're already, it's already long. It's going to take too much to even fucking go through each one of them or anything. So it's just like, I figure we could just pick a favorite mechanic from the manual and or strategy guide that we enjoy most and leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's played Mario. Everyone knows all the different things. But I thought we could just, yes, pick one and fucking... Really dissect that <laughs> and then move on with their lives. So you already kind of talked about it, but is there – like for me, it's like the, yeah, the jumping around corners concept. And for me – or also I should say, for me, it's a very specific thing that I can tie this to. And it has okay. nothing to do with this game actually. It is from Mario Brothers 1. So there is a, there is a part in the first third of stage 1-2 in Mario 1. So it's the first subterranean level, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a fire flower hidden in a very peculiar arrangement of blue bricks, right? That you can mm-hmm. break the bricks around it to make it easy to reach and run and jump up to it from the front to get yeah. this thing, right? But it's right before the – it's eight bricks in two rows or maybe ten bricks in two rows where there's a hidden coin blo- ten coin block in there to get also. But you need to use this. I use that those 10 bricks for this first and then get the 10 coins. So yeah, you can, you can clear the shit out in front of it if you want to run up and jump up and get this from the front. But I learned that you could do this thing where you jump past it, hit that row of bricks and like kind of like curl off them and bounce back. And you could grab the flower like while he's kind of moonwalking backwards through the air, you know, because, because, uh, yeah, that's just how the animation works at Mario one. And I do that every time I play Mario one and that 
makes me appreciate that that enjoyment of that thing from Mario 1 makes me appreciate doing that in Mario 3 that much more and stand out to me so much more and yeah it's it's it feels so good every time i would put it right there with knocking bald bull down on the second hop like that level of like oh, for sure. just mm, perfect nintendo shit yeah man <laughs> I feel you, man. That's the same way I feel about just jumping in general in this game. I, when I really think about it, I'm analyzing and breaking it down. It's like being able to jump around corners. Like, cause I know when I hit a mushroom on that first, like, ghost house, if I don't jump up and jump, like, curve my jump around to get it, it's going off the side yeah. to the fire. Like, so I gotta be on the right side of it to jump around and grab that. But, like, it's at the same time as being able to run and jump and fly and kind of float and control my drop where I want to drop and being able to drop in very strategic places. Sure. So it's really just that, like, that jump control, I think, because you can do so much with it, whether you're yeah. flying, floating, jumping, curving around. Yeah. You know, there's just – I don't know. I just really love the control. And it's funny, too. It's, it's the benchmark for which – physics are judged like so frequently i don't think we've ever said this but so frequently we play these games and one of us will bring up how the physics of a jump are either like somehow inadequate or good or whatever it is you uh, so frequently though we've used mario as the benchmark often with the caveat that like yes mario physics are completely unrealistic but in video games you expect them and a lot of times and when a game won't give that to you a castlevania for example where you have no mid-air jump control like it feels inadequate and that's crazy because the only reason you feel that way is because mario physics yeah. you know you gotta so, have a certain amount of jump like i i want to be able to accelerate that jump like there's certain level there's things that there certain things i expect now the Mario gave me, if you can't deliver, sir, I'm going to take my business elsewhere. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's very <laughs> funny. That it, 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 it changed the expectation of physics in video games for gamers. Like, that's how transcendent of a video game franchise yes. is. That's wild. <laughs> the HUD is always present at the bottom of the screen, whether on the overworld map or in an action stage. And it shows your world slash stage, lives remaining, your P meter, coins collected, score time remaining score and time remaining and the stage goal cards you've accumulated. So there are a lot of Mario and just video game staples in there, but the P meter and goal cards are new concepts. So we should probably discuss them briefly. The P meter is a measurement of your accumulated inertia needed to take flight when you're in a raccoon or Tanuki Mario suit. And you have to run to build this up, which of course requires sufficient safe Yes. I.e. no enemies in the way, real estate to run across. And there are so many times where they use that in this game to not only impose difficulty, but Mega Man Extra Life your ass. Like, they want you, they'll show you something that you want to get to, that you need to fly to be able to do. And in order to achieve that, you will put yourself at additional heightened risk with environmental hazards to do oh, it. And that, and that... Again, it's just such awesome layered game difficulty slash design, you know. And there's there's so many instances of that in the game that this so yeah, you know, it's not just a here it is straightforward run and use this meter to jump like that. P meter comes into play in many different ways while you're playing that are nuanced and interesting and and what makes this game 
fun, you know. So yeah, you want to you want to go 100 feet in video game terms, like we're going to put an enemy, at least one enemy there, maybe two. Right. So you're gonna have to deal or with just, them. Yeah. Or just like or, a gap in the in the you know, there's like some of those like there's an auto scroll stage where you want to fly, but they put a gap. You're like, here we go, here we go. Ah, oh, shit. Oh, and, God, then, and, then, and then you're like, but you keep going. You think maybe I can get it. Yep. And you'll just run your ass right off a thing. And, and you're like, ah, you're fucking flapping your tail. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it. Nope, not yep. enough. Yep. So, yeah, it's it's it can really, it really gives you a lot of, uh, what's the word there? It's like there's some give and take to it, you know. Like where, you, you, you come to learn it where it's like I need – 70, oh, yeah. I need 70 meters of, a, of P inertia to like fully fly, but at 60, there's always a gap or an enemy or something you're going to have to deal with. Like you're just, unless you just get that glory moment where you can fly. Yep. Like, when you, and, and you can, you know, it's so, it's intricate enough where you, because if, if you have to deal, you know, it's one thing if you can just run and you, you're safe and you don't, you can look at your P meter and just start flying when it's full. But if you're in a situation that's an env- environmentally hazardous situation, you can't look at your meter. You have to look at what your dude's doing. So, oh, yeah. 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 So you have to be able to, you have to be able to feel the power meter in that case, you know? And that's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's amazing how much, again, we've talked about the control or whatever. It's just, it's amazing how much nuance this game is capable of packing into it uh, with oh, yeah. what should be a limited set of tools to do it or a more limited tool i should say tool set and then so also the stage goal cards are scored from the little uh, box at the end of the stages you get you can get a mushroom you can get a fire flower or a star and you match three of them to get you either two three or five one-ups respectively and if you collect three that do not match it's just a plain old single one-up so you do get some reward but the minimum a minimal one for um Completing the stages. Completing these, yeah, and that's a uh, part of why one of our lives are such a little thing in this game. I think is they're so abundant, you know. Yeah. Unless you're uh, really struggling and like early, then it's like, oh snap! Like, sure. I feel I feel like that's only historically in my experience. Like, it's generally a sometime in World Two or maybe World Three thing. Like on a stretch game, World Four, it might happen where it's like, oh, I can't believe, like we just need more. Yeah. But generally, af- after World Four, you're you're usually okay. You've accumulated enough, things. right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I yeah I knew from memory. You mentioned always getting a star. Like I knew from memory, you're able to just ha- if you just haul ass into the black background area at full speed and hit it at a perfect 45 degree angle, you get a star every time. And if yep. you do the same <laughs> at a perfect normal walking speed, you get one of the others every time. So that's if if you just walk without any acceleration, mm-hmm. same thing. You you can reliably get. I think it's a, a mushroom, hmm. but maybe the other one. But yeah, it's it's fucking. I don't know. It's there's just so many things that just like oh, like that's like just the fucking vernacular of this game. There's so many little things that just like to know. There's so many things to oh, know yeah. to be yeah. a, <laughs> a power player. You know, and it's just it's really fucking great. It's really great. Okay, so let's talk about the actual game now. <laughs> World 1 is Grassland, and the manual description for this is, this is where Mario starts his journey. Many slopes and new enemies await your every move. And after selecting one or two players, you are immediately dropped into the world map screen, materializing into this spinning ring of stars that constricts into the start tile in the upper left before becoming Mario's sprite. And there is a fire map tune... Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
and these maps are beautiful NES sprite work. The little bushes are animated and bop back and forth in sync with the music, which is just so much fun. <laughs> Every stage has some little like foliage thing that does that. Super cute. And you can see a Hammer Brother sprite pacing back and forth just outside the castle with a help speech bubble popping out of it so you know someone needs help there. <laughs> you know, you know it's coming too. Yeah. It's like, oh, what's that? If you yeah. if you didn't have a strategy guy, you just right. What's happening? Well, just give yes, yeah, giving you an immediately discernible goal is, is just mm-hmm. good game design. There is a smaller, less impressive castle on the path halfway down the path through the six numbered stage tiles. A couple of standard toad mushroom houses and one spade card matching game. And this map is only one screen, but we will not, or that will not always be the case as we work our way towards Bowser. These get pretty sprawling in later worlds. The strategy guide lists both Toad Houses as having the base items. The, this is the, the basic bitch Toad House is Shroom, Flower, Star. And then the, the, those cover art pages also list which stage. Every world has a stage that can catalyze the white mushroom house, which is like the rare item mushroom house that is a hidden deal. And in a certain stage, you'll have to get a certain number of coins to trigger it appearing on the map, right? So in the first world here, you have to get 44 coins in stage four, which is a stage that you normally don't even play. Just skip really. it, yeah. Right, yeah, because it's, you know, we'll get to why, but uh, that's an interesting okay. choice. And then the artwork has Mario and Raccoon suit flight action, evading a bunch of peasant enemies uh, that you can find in this world, flying and walking Goombas, turtles, and piranha plants. And yeah, each one of these world chapter markers in the strategy guide has like a really beautifully done piece of illustrated art, which is great. And your only option in on the map here is stage one. So it's time to let her rip. And I remembered, Jay, I remember every single thing in the stage. I confirmed the strategy. So the way I'm doing this, and you've never used a strategy guide, so I'm really curious to hear your take on this. But the way I'm doing this, because I know this strategy guide to some degree or another, but not by memory. Like, I can't remember every single thing in this game, even though I have played it a lot and more than I think you give me credit for. (laughs) Hey, just the fact that you hadn't beat it just immediately just dropped me down. Like, I don't know where to put you. Like, I I just assumed you had the same level of knowledge, but the fact that you didn't see the wizard just took it down a notch. But then when you hadn't seen the, told me you beat the game, I'm just like, I don't know that you even played this game. (laughs) Okay, fair. What, are we, what are we talking about? Josh? Fair, 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 fair. <laughs> well, the way I'm doing it is I am playing each stage without looking at the strategy guide. And then after I beat it, before I save state, I am flipping over to the strategy guide to see if there's anything that I missed that would be interesting and worth going back and exploring. You know, So I'm seeing what I can find just by being really exploratory and going from memory. And then if I miss something that's cool and interesting that we'd want to talk about probably, I'm load stating going back and and tackling it with that in mind so okay okay nice, nice. as all mario first stages are it's a clinic in game orientation minded level design the strategy guide description after they have a, like a little blurb for each stage asserts this it says tricks and techniques learned in the first world will come in handy later master them all and this is jumping, using Koopas to hit blocks, flying, finding shit off screen up in the sky, going down pipes for bonus areas. All these foundational gameplay concepts are covered here. 
and there's a really nice clear runway from the pipe you come up from right before the stage clears so you can haul ass in there and get that first star card to feel that out, you know. And you can cop your first one-up mushroom up in the cloud section, which is also where the runway to fly over to the pipe entrance way up in the sky is located. So, you, you know, there's... Uh, you it's the it they mix them up throughout you know, it's not the same one through the whole game but the you know they actually no this isn't a, this isn't a cloud heaven never mind it's just yeah like a little runway with the one up and then some coins and then some coins that kind of trail down that actually kind of mislead you from where you want to fly to to land on the top of that pipe that's way up in the sky towards the end yeah. you know so a little bit of deception even i would say i'm going to try to talk about things that are notable from each one of these without lingering too much on minutia. So by all means, jump up and pipe in if you have some interesting anecdote by which to, to add to a certain stage, but I'll try to just keep us plowing through these with some level of brevity. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think you hit it all. I mean, the stage I've started multiple plays playthroughs of this game. So I've, you know, done the stage so many times. I mean, it is what it is. You get the sky, you get the runway, defeat the enemies, so you can actually fly and actually experience what it's like to fly. And once you're up there, there's yeah. even a sky pipe that gets you to a secret coin room. Yeah. But outside of that, it's you know, you get your star, your first star, and you're ready to go. Yeah. I mean, yep. Lot, lots of secrets for the first stage. It's things you can easily miss if you're not like paying attention. Yeah. Or savvy. Yeah. Or strategy guide enabled. <laughs> well, when you finish the stage, it's back to the world map, and the tile you're standing on flips over from the stage number to a white card with the letter M on it, denoting Mario took this shit down. And if you are playing two players, when Luigi beats a stage, it turns into an L. So this is also like, it's a subtle competitive component. Like, who's going to, you know, just if, if, if you're the kind of siblings that are like going to compete at everything, this can, this can create, can start the creation of a little bit of a rift there, you know, a little bit of a well, competitive rift. Yeah, dude, already, because think about it, like, we all know stage one, like, you finish that stage, and you will have a leaf and a star, like, whereas Luigi, you gotta start the stage where you're sliding down hills, and, like, you might not, like, you got the, the, um, the mushroom blocks, or not the mushroom blocks, but the music blocks, you might hit that wrong. You might die. Like you yeah. might not. You might not in this stage. It's like, a trickier stage. Sure. Yeah, one one is yeah. <laughs> it, one two is harder than one two first or one one. Sorry for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So you're already like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of frustrated already. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, depending yeah, on your sibling situation, this might yeah. not be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, agreed. Agreed. So going back, you know, hyperanalyzed and everything, going back to the map here, I noticed something that I had never clocked in my entire life before. And it's, it, I love it, dude. So these, the stage number cards, like before you beat them, like the little mm -hmm. tiles that you go onto to, to enter a stage, those are supposed to be the outer left edge of the black area at the end of each stage. Have you ever noticed that? This was like a huge, it blew my mind. So like Wait, they're supposed to be what now? At the end of the stages, uh -huh. the area where you get the cards, the star card or whatever, it's like a serrated. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I had I never it, yeah. noticed that, dude. Thirty years of rocking on this game, and I had never made that connection. And it's why I love doing this podcast. It's just like the hyper nuanced fucking approach to this. You know, like that's that's a that's a perfect example of what I was saying. I was worried you didn't come back and play it with the same level of like focus or like minutia minded shit because there's I don't give a shit how much you play the game when you play it for this podcast it's different it's just different you know nah, so I, it's 
I totally get it. But it's one of those things that it's like, you can see it there. And like on the stage, you do it so many times, you know, like, oh, the black break is coming. Like that's the end of the, that's. Right. Oh, yeah. No, time. Yeah, I mean, it's a, yeah, it's, it's and, a, but like when you make the connection, it's like, oh, yeah. dude, so, that's yeah, so tight. So, yeah. 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 Yep, yep. yeah, yeah. yeah. I never, <laughs> never connected that. So good. Your sprite here will reflect whatever suit you finish the stage with too, which is a nice throw touch, you know, that it doesn't, it's not just the same shit, you know, regardless of what your, whatever yeah. power you have. So that's pretty fun. The Hammer Brothers sprite will usually shuffle around another location after a level attempt too, whether you beat it or not. So that's pretty fun. They'll move around and can kind of complicate areas of the map maybe that you didn't expect them to or what have you. So it's good that they gave that variance. Especially though, if you... <laughs> could definitely screw you up if you finished a level by the skin of your teeth and your small Mario. Right, right. And right. then, like, you thought you were going to make it to the next level, but instead, now you got to hammer Or make it to a, a toad house, like, whatever yeah. it might be. You know, they could, yeah, they can, they can absolutely. And then you're just like, oh, great. Yep. <laughs> Very fun. So, on to that more difficult one, too, uh, are where things get, yes, more green and hilly, and there's a lot of pipes and a lot of Goombas. And yes, sure as shit, I tried the unlimited one up trick at the T pipe obelisk. And got up to four thousand, which is only one, which is only I think one or two clicks. I think it's eight thousand is is the thing right before the one up from the first one up, and then I botched it, losing my raccoon suit in the process. So strats, oh, strats, strats. But playing this game a million <laughs> times, it's still you can still fuck it up, and it's because it relies on you have to do the thing. It's it's a mechanic that is one of the more difficult in the game, I think, where you have to time your jump. Perfectly as you're landing on something, and this is like a, it's it's a very small frame window where you have to push the button. So if you don't get it right, you only do like a small jump, and you don't expect it to do that. <laughs> you know, so it can really if you're not prepared to fail, it can really fuck you when you fail at this. You know, and this, yeah. this is important. It, it, it's uh, applicable to those music note blocks that you mentioned being hard too. They're one of the harder things in the game, I think, because you want to jump off those to get to platforms and stuff sometimes that are higher up and if you come off them wrong small jump and you're fucked you know so yeah yeah it's very very interesting so you get do you get an invincibility star i wrote down this is your first invincibility invincibility star yeah you get it uh later on towards the end of the of this level yes yeah so yeah it's you you actually like you you hit the musical note and it bounces out of there and you can make the you can make (laughs) things come out of those from the bottom, which is interesting too, you know, because uh, obviously bricks you can only hit, or the blocks, the question mark blocks you can only hit from below. So you can hit these in the yeah. top and knock them out too, which is pretty interesting. That's what I mean. Like that, that first three music note block sequence is like pretty tough because you're like, if you, if you just RNG bounce off of that wrong, you could go into the into the hole, and yep. you're like, damn it. So when you get the star, it's now to yeah, to you or to us rather as modern players, it is a patented invincibility tune that fires up. But at the time, that was like not ever, you know, it was it's it's an interesting choice I guess that they revi- revisit this. Like it's it's them making there's there's choices what I'm getting at here I suppose is they are making choices here that become franchise staples that oh, are becoming yeah. franchise staples because of their choice for this game. You know what I mean? That it comes back and then re- is revered and now it's part of the game's syntax, you know. I'm so, glad they leaned into that. That's for sure, for sure. Definitely a choice we Yep, we like it. 
so your sprite becomes, it starts flashing spastically, and you, duh, cannot be harmed while these things are going on. And your jump animation, this is really cute and new, it's not in the first one. Your jump animation turns into a TMNT-style somersault while Invincible 2. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's just sure. a really cute, interesting addition to the moveset, you know, that's only applicable when you're Invincible. Well, you do so much more, you do so much jumping, like it's fun that they make it distinctly like this yeah. super jump acrobatics let's yeah. let's go yep the strategy guy reminded me i'd forgotten about the off-screen one-up above the p-switch section where you can use the coins and and coin bricks to to mm-hmm. go down the suspended pipe you know so again even this early there's already there was already things that i was like <laughs> oh drats i forgot it you know so um rookie moves yep. rookie moves yep. and it's funny too how much it pains you for that to happen too Be like oh fuck i knew that <laughs> god damn it <laughs> <laughs> like so disappointed yourself, you know. Uh, that's great. Yeah. And that's a new system in this game too. The P switches; those are those are not present prior to this. So these turn coins into bricks for a limited time, and will be used to present puzzle situations throughout the game that are unique. You know, so there's just the again they just employ these so many different ways. It's amazing to me. They're like all the way into like, well, in stage five because that's uh, I, I stopped playing at five basically once we decided we were splitting this up. Because uh, I didn't want to have too much new information in my head, you know. Mm-hmm. So I remember thinking this even as that far into the game, where I'm just like, I can't believe they're introducing a new thing here. Like that, they were this far into the game, and this is like a completely new, whatever, new concept, game mechanic, whatever. Uh, so, and, and they did one in the P switch and and one of the fortresses in stage five. Where I was like, ah, oh, fuck, that's a cool, interesting way to, to implement <laughs> these, you know. So. It's really, and these are these are tough though, man. I hate these. I, I hate these so much. The one thing I hate in this game, not the, the one switches? thing I hate, but yeah, because like I, I, I see them, and because they have become such a staple throughout Mario and throughout later games like Super Mario 3D World, which is very similar to this, but like an upgraded take, you know, and things. That like I immediately am just like, oh. Do I want to hit this now, or do I not want to hit these now? Because if I hit right. these, I can't use them as a Brit. You know what I mean? Like I'm always there's always a hesitation. Yeah. Immediately, some, some, as some a FOMO. Some take FOMO. Them or not. Some FOMO. Yeah. Like, immediately. <laughs> that 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 is that's funny. That that because that's present in Mario Two also with those fucking beakers. Because if you don't use yeah. those in the right place, you can't get the mushrooms. You know that yeah. they lead to. So yeah. You know, you, you, you're awfully, like, and they'll try to, they try to fake you out by, they'll concentrate the, because if you pull up in Mario 2, everyone knows, you pull up the fucking weeds, and they're coins if you do that in the in the subcon world, the F with the, you know, so yeah. you see a concentration of those, you're incentivized to drop it there, but later in the game, they often do that to keep you from dropping it where the mushroom is, you know? So mm-hmm. that's, yeah, that, that, that there is like a FOMO aspect to these two that, yes, am I going to use it in the wrong place or at the wrong time and fuck myself in some way, shape or form for sure. That's definitely present in this game. Yeah. But I feel like they also do that in super Mario world a lot too. Like with the switches too, and the P blocks there a lot where it's just like, Oh, like I can, I can use these to climb on top or I can just use these to just like stack up a bunch of right. coins, but I might want so to be like, able to pass through these and they'll sometimes wall you yeah. off. Yeah. 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 So there's just there's just automatically an immediate like ah no matter what level I'm on I'm just like ah do I do I hit it or not like ah right, right, right. <laughs> where's my strategy guide <laughs> I'm not doing this again <laughs> so the guide also highlights that you can control the direction a power up flies out of the brick by which side you hit it on and that's new because in the first one they always went right you know but this one if you hit it on the right side of the block the right half it'll go left and vice versa so that's 
often a very, very, I don't give a shit how much you've played this game. And I've played it for 30 years, like I said. I will still sometimes either do it too fast and fuck it up when I'm like, know what I have to do or in the moment, for whatever reason, do it wrong and basically forget and be like, fuck. And then like, you're going the wrong way, you know, and and running yourself into danger to get something that you meant to knock the other way, you know? So again, just, uh, because of the nature of the, the frantic nature of this game, you can get pushed into doing things that you know are wrong, even after 30 years of entrenched muscle memory. (laughs) It's incredible. Dude, that's what I mean. Like the, because muscle memory is entrenched, there are certain of these rules that I know that I just will knowingly supersede depending on the situation. Like I know during this stretch, I'm going to run fast, jump and hit that block. I'm going to hit it on the left side. And after I do that, I'm going to immediately jump, jump around on the right, grab it. You know what I mean? Like it's I, already like, I got, I got some combos regardless. planned. Yeah. I got some yeah, combos. Like, planned. I got, I got some like I know I'm hitting on the wrong side, but we got it. It's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, we are back to the overall map once you finish that up and are presented with your first branching paths situation in the game. And there is a toad mushroom house tucked on the gate-kept side of stages three and four. And you have to clear one or the other to reach it. And you can also skip both levels and the reward toad meeting if you want. You don't have to go over to those at all. But who's going to pass up a toad house, right? (laughs) You could just go straight to the spade game in the fortress if you wanted to. So, again, like... It's crazy talk. It's crazy talk, but it is amazing that they give you agency over that. You know, like it seems like, oh, such a law, well, of course, like giving players to sit. Like that wasn't, that wasn't a commonality like, in 1990. You know, I there, was, see, there was a level, there were stages, you played all the stages and got to the end. That's how you I'm played video saying. games. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think like even back in Mario 1, they had warps, you know what I mean? Like you, you could jump up and sure. find like the warp zones in specific places. And here, yeah, it gives you the option, really. Because, like, you could, if you were, like, when I think about speedrunners, like, that's never been a thing that I care to do. Like, let's see how fat, quickly I can finish a game. But I could see, like, quick path, two whistles, straight to World 8. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how fast can you complete the game with as little as possible kind of thing? If you wanted to, like, be, like, psycho about it. Like, yeah, sure. (laughs) Knock yourself out. But it is fun that, you have those details and those options. You yeah, and those like are, right now, I'm going through the game too with getting no whistles, which I don't think I've ever played it that I'm way. I'm still getting the whistles. You got to get them completely. And yes, I'm willing to burn my three. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, <laughs> not, not using them. You know, because right. normally it's like, all right, I'm immediately. I'm always skipping World Two because screw really, World Two. Oh game, man, it's ugly. I would always oh, play World Two because the third whistle's there. So I never, I would never skip World Two. Oh, and I, I never need it. I also so love just... Egyptian stages. We'll get there. Oh really? But yeah, I love Egyptian oh. stages in anything, and I love that fucking sun stage. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. But yeah, I fair. Never, I would never skip two. Fair. The pyramid I just, stage. I, I love the pyramid. I love the yeah. I love. Uh, it. I, that's my least favorite stage. It's funny. So I'm. It's like once I get past World Two, I feel like everything else is like fun and happiness after that. Like. Yeah. That's crazy. Three is a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> what? You don't want to swim? You don't uh, want to like to swim? Frog I suits? like the swim part, but I hate that every other level they make me go back to platforming while I have a toad suit on. <laughs> uh, or a fucking frog suit on. That'll test your abilities. Yeah, so. yeah we're, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. So, yes, uh, I'm beating every single stage for the game, so I guess that's worth noting, too, that I'm not skipping anything. So I did both these. But um, Nice. 
are you so are you are you getting are you hitting everything for this or are you I'm not hitting every single okay. stage like okay. I didn't play World Four like I've done it it's like eh. like okay. if I'd never if I'd never beat this game before like yourself like yes I would try to play through everyone but like I've I've played through World Four so many times like I hate this one it's not fun like mm. I. One four does say it's auto scroll, which is fuck auto scroll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, one three. You're not skipping one three. No one's skipping one three if you played the game before not. because it's the stuff legends are made of. The level layout and landmarks <laughs> are very in the vein of one one without the aerial opportunity, anyways. And they introduce some boomerang bros here, which are Hammer Brothers with different artillery. And the strategy guide description for these are Good day, Mario. Or maybe actually you should read that with a can you do that with an Australian accent? Because I, I can't do accents. <laughs> <laughs> Good day, Mario. Uh, <laughs> it's the Emma Bros from Down Under. The Boomerang Bros. Nailed it. That was, that was, that was perfect Crocodile Dundee. They, we, we also get our first of those really satisfying Koopa auto-brick breaking structures where you can just kick a shell down and it bounces back and forth and racks up points on coin blocks and brick breaking, you know? So those oh, are yeah. beautiful, beautiful, satisfying Mario moments. And what this level is known for is the first warp whistle. So late in the stage, there are a number of the colored blocks that kind of look like set design. You can see the screws. This is going back to that whole theater thing that I really, I don't know, was just omnipresent to me as I played it through this time. There's a screws in the corners binding them to the backdrop to keep them suspended like a piece of set deck on a fucking stage, you know? And like the fact they went to that length to, I don't know, just hammer that in is such a thing to me. I don't know, whatever. But anyways, one of them is white and that's the ticket. You can jump up on it and you hold down to squat for five seconds and Mario will fall down to the ground below it. But now you're behind all the foreground foreground objects. So all the set deck, basically, you're backstage kind of. And, you know, the bushes, the blocks, whatever. You can still get hit by enemies. And if you do so, it'll fuck, it'll like bring you back to the foreground. So you, you need to avoid enemies still. And it's like hyper penalized to get hit by them. And if you stay back there, when you get to the serrated edge of the black stage goal area, you will go behind it and when you uh, you can get like basically to around where the card block yep. is, the screen will transition to inside of a toad house. And uh, instead of the dialogue that he'll say in those, he says, one toot on this whistle will send you to a faraway land. And there's one treasure chest in the loot basin at the bottom, and in it is a whistle. And that bad boy pops right up into your inventory bar and back to the map. So, like, ends the stage, right? And it's, yeah, it's, I don't know, man. It's it's awesome that you can do this before you, I mean, you know, you're, you're never going to know that if you haven't already played the game. So I guess this isn't really applicable. But it's it's awesome to me that's the first item you can get in the game, basically. You know, your first true inventory item is a whistle. If you're doing an all-encompassing play. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's either there or you can get it easily from the uh, from the house, ghost house, same thing. Like Fortress, yeah, as well. Sure. I mean, but I-, I love this one because it's, I don't know, this one feels, I mean, each of them, I guess, feel very iconic. Like, obviously, the, the ghost house one is the one from Shona Mario. You know, the wizard and all that but this one i feel like when i learned of it it was just like <gasps> oh yeah it's like yeah it's like it's on the, like the most amazing mechanic ever yeah, right it's, the, it's like, in the pantheon of nintendo secrets you know again like it's i don't know man I, i'm sure a kid a modern kid would feel differently about this about things that are secrets in games now man but yeah. like again to me it's like we just talked about time oh yeah we it's like we just talked about like the feeling of forgetting something that you knew already that's like a hidden thing like there's something about 
because they're just so, there's just no indication. There's just none, you know. There's no hat tipping to so many of these things in these games. And to know them was such a boys club, you know, Dude. to to have the knowledge. You went behind the fourth wall? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. How did you broke the graphics? Yeah. How did you? But what? I just, I, I, yeah, I mean, uh, yes, that this individual thing is amazing. But what I'm talking about here is like the, I don't know, oh, man. No, the, yeah. Well, just, yeah, the knowing of it and like, this, I, you know, it's like insane to say this, but it's like essentially the social status associated with having these the, these <laughs> these bits of knowledge. It's like a currency that made you rich when you were ten years old or nine years old. You know what I mean? It was it was a genuine social currency to have this kind of knowledge, and <laughs> it's it's why Nintendo Power, I think, is the whole thing that it is. It's just like there's it's just a whole thing, I think, that and this game is an embodiment of it to the max, I think, because of how much hidden shit there is, you know, and this yeah, this first warp whistle I think is is one of the most iconic ones for sure. Okay, so now we have access back in the world map to one of the standard issue toad flop houses, and there is some unique music. Toad spouts, pick a box. Its contents will help you on your way. And I hate that he doesn't say quest there. It's a fucking quest, Toad. Get your shit together. It's not your way. It's a quest. <laughs> Dickhead. <laughs> uh, this one has three chests. And as previously mentioned, it's the basic bitch shit, the shroom flower leaf. And so it was the leaf for me. Big winner. And I would actually learn something since we're... I, I have it written later, but I'll, I, I mean, think of it now. I was, I just, there was, when I got to the Tanuki ones, or actually, no, sorry, when I got to the frog suit ones, I started safe scumming, because I wasn't gonna pass up getting those under any circumstance, I don't, you know, I don't give a fuck how, if it's cheating or not, I don't care, so I'm getting those, I'm not gonna pass up that opportunity, so I saved, wow, in the house, and the actual RNG for getting these things is at the open the chest level. Like, I I think accidentally saved or something later than I meant to. And loading just before I opened a chest of the same chest changes what's in the chest. So it doesn't seed when you come into the house. You can open the same chest on a load and it's a different item. So it reseeds the yeah, it reseeds as you open the chest. And I thought that kind of interesting just from a development perspective, you know. I certainly ex I expected that when you walked in the house, they were all in what whatever's in the box was in the box, you know what I mean? So I mean, I knew that like you couldn't just always go to like the left. Oh box. yeah, I knew they changed, but again, yeah, I thought they seeded. That's fascinating. Yeah, that just yeah, yeah. So fun little nuance thing. Uh, one four is as we mentioned an auto scroll platforming stage, and that's why the inclination to play the stage, as you said, is completely like fuck these <laughs> auto scrolls are the worst man and they warn you in the strategy guide it says in this world you have no choice but to move fast but be sure to look before you leap it takes skill and that is correct um fuck auto scrolling uh, i avoid them at all costs basically yeah, no thanks. yeah and they up the ante with a ton of those platforms so they travel horizontally from the screen right as you go and after a beat of landing on them they just fall so you know that's like a really it's one of the trickiest things in this game, I think, to be honest with you, and it's right here in the first world. I mean, I think 
like as much as I've played it, I can I can do it. I can easily do it, but it's kind of sure. like it's like it's I, not... I want to quickly get to more fun worlds. Yeah, like, it's just not you know, satisfying. Like, of this, yeah. of Grassland, like let's move on. I it's not worth the bullshit. There's no, there's nothing yeah. in here. There's no. I'm not. Of... I'm not getting a cool power up. I'm yeah. not getting a tanuki from this. It's yeah. off the. It's basically a side quest at this point. That's <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's definitely a side quest, right? So the kicker, yeah, it's already a shitty auto-scrolling page, right? Or auto-scrolling level. But the kicker, like, punch in the gut to this is the pipe you come up at the end of the stage is so close to the stage clear box that you can't get up to full speed running to it. Therefore, you're not going to get a star card. And if you don't get a card in 1-3 because you got the whistle, that means this is your third card. So you're basically getting fucked out of your first star set you know by playing this level at all that's a, that's the real fun. i'm definitely i'm definitely <laughs> on the far left corner of the pipe the far left edge like all right now top speed go you okay. know just trying but i would does it, does it actually work then because i would guess that the falling off the pipe part still fucks your timing but i don't know for sure yeah i, I can't remember whether or not i made it work but you best believe i have trying tried. to trying to accommodate <laughs> it right yep so I finished this the first time. This is a perfect example, too. I'm doing it the way I am. I finished this the first time and completely forgot to focus on getting the 44 coins. And that's actually the reason to play this, you know, like I said. So mm, I went yeah. back to get the White Mushroom House. And uh, you have to get 44 coins here. And, you know, the I looked at what it was that was missing, the P-Wing thing. And I'm like, ah, that's not important enough. So whatever. You know, I can deal without not getting that. But, um, yeah. yeah, this is the one where you have to get the 44 coins. So, obviously, they often do this, too, where the these coin stages are in a place. Because, like, you hear that number, 44 coins, and it's like, that's not a lot of coins, you know? Easy. And, dude, those numbers get down to, like, in the 20s on some of these white ho- white mushroom stages. And it's amazing how hard they can make getting 20 coins on some of these stages. Right. So, yeah, so the auto-scroll component of this is why they chose this one. There's always some sort of complicating, really difficult environmental factor to make getting the coin grab more difficult. So that's a fun thing they do too, I think. I will say that's – I. it's funny hearing you say – like go through the same thing because I, I did this exact same thing before. Like I, re- I recall – obviously not back when I was a kid but like in a subsequent playthrough – like knowing that I needed forty four coins and coming back through here and be like, son of a, I only got forty two. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always yeah, and that's how they do it too. It's often like I, I can think of the one where yeah, you had to get twenty or twenty one or something, and like I'm getting like or twenty two, I think it is in stage it might be the one in four, and it's like twenty one coins every time because it's we'll get to it when we get there, but it's like <laughs> like you're you're waiting on a P switch reveal of coins and. It's like right at the fringe of it. And you're like, there. I'm like getting two of the three in a line at the end, but not the third oh. one as the thing expires. And it's like, ah! <laughs> yeah. Oh, yep. yeah. Great. Great game design to make you feel that way. The spade card matching game is on the way to the mini fortress. So you got to hit that. And inside yet another toad stands opposite Mario across a large wooden table. And they fire up a unique ditty called Spade Bonus. And Toad says, line up the pictures and get a prize. You only get one try. And you're trying to line up parts of a picture of a mushroom, a fire flower, a leaf, or a star. And each is divided up into thirds. And you're trying to time your button depression as the image is lined up perfectly with the middle of the screen, basically. Or lined up with the previously stopped ones. Also, either or, however you want to describe it. And I'm actually amazed at how hard of a time I'm having with these. I'm not getting them. Are you good at this? I'm not good at this, apparently. 
Yeah, I'm pretty good at it. I mean, I I can often match them up or usually get two out of three. Yeah, I I know it's I know it's like you got to hit it. You want to be hitting it right before it's crossing, but I'm I'm just I don't know. I'm getting yeah, slower, or the timing on the emulator's wonky or something. I'm not getting them. Uh, but I, I mean, I've never been great at it. I can definitely get like a couple. If you give me like four, I can get three out of four, maybe two out of four. You know, depending on. But lives don't matter, anyways. I guess the <laughs> mini fortress is scored with the castle theme. Strategy Guide is a pretty fun description. Boom Boom, a big Koopa bully, guards a danger-filled fortress in the middle of this world. And these are all themed very similarly, I would say. There's lots of lava with fireballs popping out, the roto discs spinning around platforms, and then you see a lot of the dry bones, the skeleton Koopas, which are new to this game and really fun. I like those a lot. They're one of my also favorite enemy sprites. At the end of them, you will battle a Boom Boom, the mini-boss, but that will have to wait to World 2 because, yes, this is where you find the second warp whistle, which is at the end of the first section before you go in the red doorway. There's a long enough runway you can get to takeoff speed by hitting the wall, quickly turning around and running back and the other way before too much of your meter dissipates, and then you can fly up to the top of the screen. There's a doorway to a hidden room with a small chest containing a whistle, and it's straight back out to the world map from there so you don't have to fight Boom Boom. So we'll talk about him in World 2. And then things lined up as my having to deal with the Hammer Brother on the map to get to Stage 5. So this is our first one of these. And you get a dedicated Hammer Brothers track. single screen battle or these are rather single screen battle arenas themed to the world they appear in and who you have to tango with varies from every appearance but the instance uh, in this case is just single just one of a regular old hammer brother but yeah it mixes up there's the fire ones the boomerang ones i think there's axo hammers <laughs> yes so yeah there's yeah there's a bunch of a bunch of different options uh one or two of them sometimes it's there's a lot of variance to these the you run underneath the row of blocks he hops up on to this day as the stage starts and you're just taking him out from beneath as the pro tip to this approaching this first yeah. one so pretty simple and then you are on to one five and it's an ice stage with a lot of subterranean parts and there's a fun uh design choice here you start the stage already sliding down an icy hill and there are a handful of buzzy beetles scaling it that you can take out automatically on your way down uh, below ground to here where you get your first iconic ex um, appearance of the underground theme. three or five favorite music track from all of Mario um, games. To me, I love this. It's just so, uh, I don't know, foreboding, perhaps, you know? <laughs> but yeah, it's really cool that they start you sliding and you get, you know, it basically forces you into using a mechanic that you might not even think about because it's new and you don't see a lot of hills in this game comparatively, you know, so. Yeah. Another good design choice. So in here, you also have... 
you can it's like the road forks. You can take a high road at the first fork, and an observant power player will notice the little specks on the background are an out of place orange in one spot. Like there's the background in the on the subterranean parts of the stage. It's all it's like the star field, you know. And if you are really paying attention, two of them are orange here, where you can find a music note block if you hit it, hit that. Um, and cue it. So this, like this music note block, is like a little bit tinted orange as well. And then jumping on these takes you up to what the strategy guide calls coin heaven. And yes, these look the same every time you find them, basically. So the sky theme fires up in here, and it's just a shit ton of coins you can jump up and get as the screen auto scrolls. It's a safe space. There are no enemies uh, or threats of any kind, so it's just a, a moment of fun, you know. Which this game does that a lot. There's a lot of little things that'll just drop you into a place you can clearly identify as being a safe space and you can kind of just grab shit, you know, and, and fucking resource hoard, <laughs> which is uh, pretty fun. Uh, and there's also, so yeah, there's a bunch of coins like on the base level. And if you think to try to run and fly up, there's also like a hidden area where you can, you can knock a one up out of a block and there's coins around it to grab too. So a lot of fun to be had up here. Uh, that's the only particularly interesting thing about this stage, though, I would say, really. That, and I guess you have the buzzy beetles dropping from the ceiling, too, is the first appearance of those in here. Um, but pretty straightforward shit. 1-6 has auto-scroll vibes, but does not auto-scroll. And I love that sniper shot you can take on the second Koopa using the first Koopa on the high platform above <laughs> them. Right at the beginning, you hit it, and it'll just go down and knock them down and clear them out. So you going to deal with them, and then get down there. So, that's again, this is one of those things that just... You know, you learn from playing it a million times and <laughs> you expect to get it right every time you play. You know what I mean? So you don't have to do it, but it's highly appealing to just fly over the last third of the stage here. The runway to do so is a little short. And yes, this is another one. This is the one of those single block gap deals to make it more difficult. You know, there's there's really no th- like if you fall through the gap, you just fall to that little fucking block down there. But then you have to ride the fucking little conveyor thing, <laughs> which makes yeah. it a little shitty. It's pretty straightforward, though. Like, I yeah. I have no problem riding the conveyor. Yeah, this, this one, this is almost like a more of like an intro, like air side scroller. Like, sure, we're letting you, we're, we're getting your feet wet with this whole air. Uh, the whole world is the situation. whole situation. One thousand percent, I agree. So coming out of there, I had the memory match game appear on the one five stage tile, which is it's just like the regular spade card deal but it has an n on it and yeah 92,460 points at the time so that 80k threshold seemingly checks out and you go into these and it says flip over any two cards and see if they match miss twice and you're out and they fuck up the your in there it's y-o-u-r no apostrophe r-e so uh brutal grammatical sin you know not a lot of those in this game but yeah but very um Iconic one, I guess. Cheating with the book, uh, I was able to clear this on the first try. Yahtzee, Yahtzee. So yeah, I'll start stacking my fucking stars for Hammer Brothers for sure. (laughs) Immediately with these. And then there's another regular shroom house, and then it's into the Koopaling Castle. And there's a ton of fun shit to be had here. The strategy guide table setting blurb is good. It calls the Koopaling bratty, Koopalings rather, rather bratty, and identifies Larry as the youngest of them. And you start, it cuts to a throne room screen where a despondent toad is spastically spouting at you about the situation with the king who is next to him in the form of a dog scratching his ear and we only know it's the king because of the crown on his head and toad says oh it's terrible the king has been transformed please find the magic wand so we can change him back 
And then we cut to Mario running around on the ground up to an airship taking off. And he hops onto the dangling anchor being raised just in time. And it's airship level time. And these levels auto-scroll, so that sucks. And they are mostly bullet bill and cannonball mazes with a lot of those, your boys, the wrench-throwing dudes mm -hmm. to uh, pop up from the deck. And yes, the Rocky Ranch, yeah, you mentioned they, they fucking, these turtles often serve, the description for these in the best areas, these turtles often serve as crew of coupling airships and military vehicles. So they're like, I don't know, just like the fucking mechanics, you know? <laughs> they just see Mario coming out like, I, yeah, they just, yeah, I, I gotta deal with this motherfucker. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> Yeah, additionally, they introduce a vertical scroll that can drift both up and down as the developers see fit. So that's like a, a very complicating thing. And they often use this, like, I don't know, it uses this difficulty mechanic to try to, like, constrict the space you have to work mm -hmm. with in a certain part of the stage, you know, so it's a... Oh, for sure. Uh, I know where I need to, I know where I can, like, squat down and stand oh, now. Sure. But, like, before, it's like, oh, oh. It's moving. Yep. I don't know yep. if I can stand there. You know? Yeah, and that's honestly, that's what a lot of this is. The the getting good at these requires learning where to have patience and then also where to run up and, like, get ahead of the scroll mm -hmm. almost. You know what I mean? Because uh, it sure. is about finding the sweet spot with that vertical scroll of where you where you want to be to get wherever. Sometimes you can't even get to a certain part until you wait for the vertical scroll to, to sort you out. So yep. yeah, there's a lot of interesting difficulty mechanics that that adds. So it's a short run. I was able to execute flawlessly from memory on this first one here, and it felt oh so good to, uh, uh, to do so, up to a pipe leading down to a Koopaling boss battle arena. And the first Koopaling on our hit list is Larry. Larry has a blue mohawk, but that's pretty much it for defining characteristics, I would say, relative to the other Koopalings. And his each one of these in the strategy guide has a little, like a, like a shit-talking blurb. So we'll read these because these are pretty fun. And Larry's reads, Yo, Mario, you made it this far. Well, I'm going to make sure you don't get past me. And each one of them has like a little... They use this as a clue reveal. So each one of them has mm -hmm. a little mutter to themselves after they talk shit to Mario to tip you off on how to approach them, right? So they put in a parenthetical, in this case, mutters to self. Mario will never think that he has to stomp on, on stomp me on the head three times to knock me to knock me out. With my quick jumping skills, he won't have any room to leap himself. And the easiest way to avoid me running underneath while I jump, he'll never figure that out. And this oh, cat will spoon feed it to you, right? There. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. That's cool though too. That the strategy guide does it in character is really fun to me. I think. Uh, but yes, it is absolutely yeah. a spoon feeding of how to approach each one, basically. And he will crack off wand blasts between hopping around and like their bursts of three energy rings in this case that float around pretty slowly through the air in your direction and these are easily avoided so just like with the rest of world one this is all this is baby's first boss battle too i would expect every season mario player to dust his off in seconds when you stomp on him he turtles up inside of his shell and the, the shell spins at some like some stress sweat flies off of it, it spins in a, in a, in a circle for a beat, and then the shell jumps up in the air in your direction towards you, and when and when running, you, that's when you run beneath them, and you're trying. And this is applicable, I think, to not I think for sure to 
both the mini bosses, the boom booms, and these, like your general best practice with these is to try to get that next stomp in as soon as they're coming out of their turtling up, you know? Basically, oh, you sure. want to not let them get into their... You want to time that, so when they come up, you're like already mid-jump in the yep, air. Yep, yeah, because they all get more difficult as they build up some inertia, basically. So, yeah, you're always trying to hit these uh, as close to that moment as possible. But some of them also, that's how they impose their difficulty, is, is by either tweaking with that a little bit or, you know, making the... At the animation before they go in, before they come out of it, a little differently timed or whatever. So that's often the complicating difficulty factor with these two is is fucking with that um, expectation. So after the third stomp, the shell spins again, but on its end, and then flies up off the screen. And Larry's wand comes falling down and bounces on the ground, and it feels best to jump and meet it midair. <laughs> if you miss, it'll bounce a few times in a nice spinning animation and come to rest on the ground. And then when you grab it. Arena flashes and disappears before Mario begins falling down through the night sky with the wand held high. And I guess the wand keeps him from plumbing to his death there. Like, it, like, slows him down. You don't have to, you know yeah. what I mean? You don't have to do the thing with the tail. He just automatically falls slower. Uh, or, does, or doesn't die anyways, I guess. Uh, so then, you yes, you fall back into the throne room and the wand falls before you and bounces into the already transformed king's hand. So, you know, I don't know about that theory because you lose the wand before you get down there. So, I don't know. I guess it's just whatever. Fantasy. <laughs> Just go with it, Josh. <laughs> right. The king has a Mushroom Kingdom inhabitant look to him, for sure, and he addresses you when you come into the room. Uh, he says, oh, thank heavens. I'm back to my old self again. Thank you so much. Here's a letter from the princess. And then Toad is bowing to you and spastically, like, praising you the whole time as well. And then we cut to the princess's full, or letter full screen, and this reads, greetings, which seems like a very formal way of addressing you, given the supposed relationship between these two, I right. think, you know, <laughs> but whatever. And then it reads, if you see any ghosts, be careful. They will give chase uh, if you turn away. I've enclosed a jewel that helps protect you, signed Princess Toadstool. And she's pictured in the bottom left, and there's an attachment, a P-wing, that is pictured in the bottom right. And I find it interesting, yes, that she's able to send these from the airship smokestack that she's tied to right. behind me right now, you know? Like was she was she anticipating getting captured, so she kind of just right. like right. left it there, like in case Mario comes for me, you know? Like I don't know. Like I, I guess that's yeah. the only thing I can think of. <laughs> Unless she's got like an assistant, like, yeah, like the little mice who come to help you, little birds come and like take her messages. You know, you never know. And where she's is she getting? Princess. You where is she getting this information? If she if she's not willing to participate in this journey, where is she getting these inform this this intel? You know. Where is she getting? How does she know about even those those fortress inhabitants? I guess I guess she's Princess Toadstool. She runs the kingdom. She's got people. <laughs> I like that. Let's go with that. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So yes, I streamed all of these Koopaling battles, and I will be dropping a supercut of all the battles as part of our posting for this episode or. The nice. next episode, I guess I should say. And a link to that will be in the show notes if you want to see how I fared as I brought Bowser's family to its knees. So that'll be a fun... I can't wait to kind of cut those together in quick succession. That'll be a fun little watch uh, or to revisit, I think. Nice. And then, boom! You start on the start tile of World 2. So World 2 is the Kupahari Desert. This is a pretty fun name, I think. Manual description says, Be careful. The desert has conquered its share of weary travelers. Look out for the quicksand and be ready for the tricks ahead in the pyramid. 
Strategy guide. So the cover art has Mario fireballing up some steps with pyramids and the angry sun in the background, a micro Goomba and a brick. Uh, one of the fireball snakes hassling him from behind. Uh, so fun. Mash the mushroom house is identified as coming from with, again, the, the numbers is dropping precipitously already. 30 coins copped in world two, <laughs> two. And the map has a uh, great Arabian vibe music track, and you can clearly see it is larger than just a single screen this time. There's a road leading off the screen to the east. There are rocks, palm trees, a few oasis ponds, customary fantasy desert shit, and a couple new landmarks you can see right from the start. A pipe and a mushroom house behind a locked door. I like the uh, the water. The only water you see is in the form of a three, Roman numeral three, off to the right, far yep. right. That's pretty cool to me. Yep. Yep. No, yeah, in the secret area for sure, yeah. Or is that in the secret area? Yeah, it's in the secret area, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 No, that's, uh, that's, that's a beautiful touch. That's why I switched the thing behind me. Like the, the you know, they put the thing, you know, again, just breaking the fourth wall. Just, there's just so much fun shit, dude. So much creativity. Stage two one is an open desert with a couple of pipe structures. You can see pyramids in the distance. That's a pretty cool background deal going on. And there's a couple of pipes to be found leading to areas of P-switches that manipulate things here in the overworld that can lead you to some coin come-ups and you have to kind of like rush out of them and get to a spot to take advantage of that, you know? So again, <laughs> they're just kind of complicating things that you can and, and need to do with those P-switches in different ways. And the I really like those. The, the two enemies in the fucking art, actually, are the, the micro Goombas and the fire snakes are just unique to this world and very, very cool. You know, I love the micro Goombas, how you can kind of see them. They like give you a little hat <laughs> yeah. tip by you see the little legs in the in the blocks before uh, they jump at you. It's pretty fun, and and yeah. tail swiping the fire snakes is like one of the more difficult enemy kill things you have to do. Also, I will say so. both of those enemies are just both of them enemies that just are are tougher. You know, like yes. even I played them over and over, and I still have to like pause and like make sure I do them right instead of just like, oh, let me just rush past this and yeah. end up getting hit, you know? Agreed, agreed. Got to respect yeah. the enemy. Regardless. Yeah, and those, yeah, those micro Goombas get added to the flying Goombas that drop them too. Those are extra shitty too because they like latch onto you and like fuck up your mobility. They don't kill you, you know? Or mm -hmm. it's, it makes life difficulty or difficult rather. So 2-2, two -two, yes, is our white mushroom house stage and I remembered it this time so I was sure to do it. And 30 coins, yeah, it doesn't sound like a lot but they are not abundant in the stage and the whole thing is hitting the P-switch in that water area and riding the platform to get all the yeah. coins and the bricks along its path on its way, you know, and like there's fucking just Turtles and just, there's just shit that, yeah, it's this fucking fish underneath. You're, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly difficult. Yeah. The last four at the very end are just so fucking hard to get, you know? So yeah, I handful of safe scums. I was making it happen. Uh, I was able to make it happen, but it, it was not easy by any length. It was definitely the first time. Yeah. That I had to like playing this game, even safe scumming as I went just for, you know, just for fucking to get, to be able to hit everything. Not as even yeah. a matter of making the game easier for me. It was the first thing that I was like, Oh, this is really, I'm having to do this multiple times. <laughs> yeah, man, there's special challenges for a reason. That's yeah. why, that's why I like this game. Like you can still have the goal of just trying to beat the game and do all this and even miss those things and just be like, forget it. That's right. that's some next level, like game or stuff. I'll yeah. put that on. The shelf. Yeah. You can, you get to choose how hard the game is. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. More agency. Great. So you get it, and the white shroom pad appears back on 2-1. So yeah, like a, it appears on a level you beat. And you go inside here, and Toad says, Hello, you found my shop of strange and wonderful things. And then the chest, uh, it's just a single chest, of course. This one has an anchor. 
and we very early get a mini fortress this time now, so it's our first time tackling one of these, and this, there's a concentration of dry bone Koopas right at the beginning, and this is another one of those unlimited one-up things, if you're Raccoon Mario, that you can try to take advantage of, and I'd never done this one, so I gave it a try, and you, it's, I was, a, I was able to get, like, five one-ups-ish the doing it, and it's, yeah, you just, like, have to do the big jump off them, and by the time the third one, or you need the fourth one, I guess, to be alive, the timing of these dry bones coming back to life can facilitate that, so you can, you it can be done, um, which is pretty satisfying. Nice. And yes, we see our first Boo Diddly ghosts in here, the ones the princess warned about. And these are such an iconic, cool enemy, you know, that they, they were uh, weren't talking about. So as everyone listening knows, these cover their eyes with their hands, kind of like a peekaboo style deal when you're facing them. And then they uncover and then just bum rush you with like a villainous, jagged teeth bearing face when you turn away from them, you know? <laughs> so when you like, they're, you know, one of them, no big deal, but when they put a lot of them in a space on both sides of you, you have to like make this decision of like navigating what you need to do and like aggroing the one that's least a problem. You know, they, yeah. they can be very complicating real time puzzles that are, are pretty fun. For sure. Before we get to our first boss battle, there's some mildly challenging stuff using those and the cool thwomp enemies, which are also a very, they're only in these stages and they're very cool, like these big fucking hulking things that slam down and you got to kind of like time their rise often as, as the mechanic for getting through them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But the mini boss that we'll affectionately call, or the mini boss arenas rather, that we'll affectionately call the boom boom room. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, you fight the first, you, you fight yes. the same thing in them every time, and his name is Boom Boom, and he's a big Koopa dude with spikes on his back, and he starts with his spikes on his like, you know, sticking out. So you have to wait until he aggro's towards you, you know, to get out of that, and then you're just kind of doing the same loop that you're doing yeah. with the Koopalings to uh, hit his ass three times, and then he turns into a question mark circle, which is an interesting choice. It kind of was like it might be the, like the most boring creative choice they made in the game. I think like why. I don't know. They could have done right. something they more made, They that. made him not special at all. Like right. they just like just turning you into a question mark. It's like, eh. hmm. yeah. You didn't go. You didn't poof. You didn't change into something. <laughs> just, like, I think he actually does poof. I think he poofs as to turn into it. But either yeah. way, they could have done something more creative for sure. Okay. And clear it to make the locked door back by the start disappear. Uh, so you can get that mushroom house there and the transport pipe. So it's like you know, quickly showing you that like that's a new mechanic that like these locked doors are unlocked by doing the fortress, yada yada. Toad's pad is a standard stock deal, and the pipe leads to just past the mini fortress, which we could already access after clearing the fortress. So I think yeah, one is just showing you how those work. I think which you go into them and it like it's like a little one screen stage kind of or action mm -hmm. stage to get to wherever it is. But in most cases I'm finding as I go play through the game, like these are, I think these are more about a tool for the two player game. Yep. And just being able to get around for exactly. that than they are like a way to either skip things or more easily navigate the yeah. one player game, you know, pretty much like it's, it's kind of like, if you want to skip stuff, you use the whistle. You can skip worlds. Otherwise, like, this is a two-player, really, really a two-player instrument. Mechanic, right? Yeah. So I was able to hit one of the hammer bros here, and it was the boomerang bro. After using one of uh, my surplus incivil incivil why can I say that word? <laughs> Invincibility stars. Invincibility. Yeah, and you get a music box from him. And yeah, I don't use these. They look good in your inventory. <laughs> well, I will say also just interject about that 
Let's say you've got a frog suit. You're on World Three. Let's take it to World Three. You've got the frog that's suit great. You were just that's swimming great, it, yeah. and then like a you get a, you get screwed with like a hammer brother who like walks up and steps between you and the next level. You oh sleep time for you. Move past. You yeah, know? and that's also a valid use of Jujim's cloud that I didn't think of too. Just skipping the stages that aren't frog suit stages. Yeah, but again, that's such high risk. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so 2-3 has huge pyramid set pieces that are made out of bricks. And the strategy guide reads, The pyramids of the mushroom pharaohs loom ahead. Although filled with coins, they are daunting obstacles. So yeah, the mushroom pharaohs. Again, I don't know. I just love Egyptian shit. That's why I love the new fucking walk. <laughs> I, love, I just love Egyptian shit so much. Gotta go there. I knew there was a P-switch somewhere in here to turn those pyramids into a coin-copying wet dream, but could not fucking find it on my first play for my life. Uh, so yeah, I, I found the platform up above. The last one you get by you make some hidden music notes appear, but didn't think flying to the left before the switch. So it's just again, just even though I played this game so much, this is my favorite world, and I still forget shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So, it's, Fair it's enough. so much, so much, so much. The end with the pipe to the stage clear area has one of those kick a Koopa things as well. That's really fun. One of the good ones of those. So that's a fun part of this stage. This uh, this stage really like tested my resolve and like my strategy of playing this game. Because, like, I was just kind of playing it through, just playing it. Like, I, I've played this game a million times. Like, I'm just going to play it again just to, like, brush the dust off and I'll be able to talk about it, like, no problem. But then, like, this stage, I lost my leaf. And then I was like, do I go back and start the stage? You know, like, instead of just, like, just going through and finishing the stage and being little, I'm like, yeah, but then I don't miss the, I miss the stars and the sky. Like, I do, all, you know, I was like, ah. Fine, I guess I'll. Yeah, I don't want to save scum just out of principle, but like, I you know, again, you know, <laughs> for, for the purpose of the podcast, I feel like you kind of have to to be able to get yeah. and really explore everything. You know, you have no choice. Yeah. But yeah, it does hurt. It does pain your soul a little bit. <laughs> right, but I'm like, it's not like I've never beat this game. So fine, let me just go back. Right, right, right. Next on the list is an unnumbered stage. It's just a square of sand with some orange rings moving around away from our POV and appearing disappearing in the distance. And yeah, I don't know. It's weird to me that like I don't think there's another unnumbered non-castle stage like this in the game, other than the pyramid that's also in this level. And I just want to know the explanation for that. Like why I don't know, but the strategy guy calls it desert. It's it's fascinating that it doesn't have a number though. I don't, right. I don't know why it remains a number, why you can just make it make this 2-4. Right. Know. Who knows? Yeah, it's, it's such an interesting choice. Strategy guide reads, Natural forces will work to halt Mario's progress through this world, a sinister sun and terrible tornado. And they call it, in, even in the titling here in the strategy guide, just desert. And that's, that's so interesting. But yes, this is another iconic image from this game, dude. The, the angry face sun swirling down and attacking Mario throughout the stage is like, I don't know, like <laughs> part of this game that is like, I don't know. It's on the Rushmore of Mario three things. <laughs> oh my gosh! Always the freaking evil sun. Yeah, and it's it. I think the methodology with which you have to use to kill it is also like I don't know. It's one of those things that just like is imprinted in me, and it's one of the things that I love knowing in, in Super Mario Brother three play. You know, like you have to hold the Koopa shell as it flies towards you, and it just like. It basically kills itself, kind of, you know, yeah. and it's it's such a, a fun thing. And you can only do that by hanging on to it through the tornado, you know what I mean? You have to get that shell and carry it through the tornado. I was going to say, like, it is not just, like, an easy, just like, oh, grab this right. thing. Uh, there's been, most times I end up just saying, 
forget it. I'm just going to run fast and avoid, 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 and just like trust, trust my jumping skills and I'm going to make this work. But that's all you have to do though, is if you just run fast through that, you fly through that tornado, which is a cool animation to do so. If yeah. you're running at top speed and you jump at it, you fly up out of it real far, you know? I remember, yeah. I remember watching one of my kids like not cause they're, <laughs> they're not going top speed like I, I would. So they're just going up and down, up and down. I was just like, ah, oh, I wish I could help you. I just <laughs> to explain. Yeah, no. You'll Gotta get there. Him. Gotta let them learn themselves. Gotta let, gotta, <laughs> gotta just let go. Drop the baby bird out the nest. <laughs> so that's really, other than that, it's a pretty straightforward stage. 2-5 is nothing to note, but the other Hammer Bro sprite was poking around between it and the pyramid, so I had to deal with this one. It's the other Boomerang Bro. So I like the idea that it's like the two of them, the pair are wandering yeah. separately on the map is a cool to me. Patrolling that world. Like, yeah. And this one gives you a very clutch hammer that you'll need to get to the secret area. So that's, that's a very important uh, pickup. So you have to clear stage 2-4 before you can engage that, though. And this is kind of a fun one. They tuck the access point to an upper track through, like, it's, you have to, like, break those bricks on the far left of the start of the stage to get to that top easier part of the stage. Otherwise, you're going through the bottom that's super uh -huh. fucked <laughs> and way more <laughs> difficult, you know? So it's just incentivizing you to explore and try things, basically, you know? And you, the game can be more enjoyable if you take the time to do that is an interesting yes. mechanic that, that is employed here. Uh, and this is one of the first times they try to bushwhack you with a fucking enemy in the stage clear area. It's a, bo it's a boomerang, bro. So if you just take <laughs> off in there and aren't expecting that, you can get you can lose your whatever you you have going on, and that's yeah. better that's be able a, to react quickly. Yeah, it's a very penalizing thing. Very very penalizing thing. So you get back into the map, and now you can yes, you can you can crack the secret area rock in the top right corner, and that leads to a whole other screen where the map that has a toad house with a guaranteed frog suit in it. You can only get, even though there's three chests, you can only get a frog suit. And then there's three chests inside and a third hammer bro to squab with over here that has the whistle. Um, and then yes, you're the, the, it's got a, like the road dead ends into a cluster of rocks. I think that's kind of fun. There's like a reason that the road stops over here, you know? So like just some effort to level design. And then yes, the the Roman numeral three is fucking really dope. And the strategy guide, the section on this is titled Beyond the Sand Dunes and goes into some story building efforts. And it's cited that a letter from the princess in a later world explains that bandits have been have taken a whistle beyond the sand dunes. So I think the only logical inference here is they are suggesting the fire bros are these bandits, that the Hammer Brothers over there are the bandits, right? And I think that's pretty fun. And nice. also... Also, also, they, they disclose in this letter later in the game. Like, we haven't gotten this letter yet. So she's telling you about this whistle after your opportunity to get it. So that's basically... That's the, it's, telling you, it's telling you to replay the game, basically. Like, I, ho I, hope, you, like, I hope you got this. Right. Like, I hope you well, got you, you didn't get it. There's no way you got it. If you're, just play, if you're playing this game without... A strategy guy, there's just no way you got it. There's just no way. So fucking, you're not going to think, you don't even have the opportunity, you, know, you can't just fucking randomly try shit. <laughs> well, I don't know. According to the movie The Wizard, you can just randomly try shit and get a wizard a whistle. Like I, I still Shh. think that is still part of it that was just kind of like, as a kid, how, how did you do that? How did you know? <laughs> like, how the fuck does this... Yeah. This is the first time it's been released. Like, how would you know to do that, to get that whistle? Yeah, who knows? Yeah. I mean, I, either way, I like that they 
<laughs> yeah, I, I like that she only indicates at it, and it's like it's it's on the you basically have to finish this game normally and then go back and have some more fun with it. You know, that's just I applaud yeah. it to no end. Very cool. So you can pyramid up now, and I don't have Raccoon Mario cooking in here, or if you rather if you don't have Raccoon Mario cooking in here, it will get a little uh, more challenging. You have to deal with uh, punting those buzzy beetles into the brick walls to advance. You know, like you, if you can't use your oh tail gosh, to yeah. break those things, you got to like kick those fuckers into the wall, uh, which is a uh, you know dangerous. <laughs> There's some hot tips in the strategy guide before we head into the castle that are worth talking about. There's special turtle techniques. And yes, this is applicable. They put it here because of that harder mechanic in the pyramid, I think. So if you release a Koopa as you hold it over a pipe or block, it won't return. So if you're like literally up against a fucking pipe, like face, nose touching it, and you let go of a, of a thing, it won't fly back at you. Yeah, It'll just, just pop. Yeah, fly up. It's good for getting rid of a carried shell you don't want to deal with, you know. Which like, is again, oh, no, I don't want to drop this and right. just bounce it off the wall. Exactly right. Stuff. I don't want to have to deal with this turtle again. So it's like a, a fucking subtle little thing. So then, and there's also running while holding the turtle essentially amounts to having a protective shield from frontal attacks. That's a cool advanced mechanic. And then if you release a turtle one block away from a sprite or wall, it doesn't hurt you coming back. So... If you get close enough to that wall in the pyramid and let it go, it doesn't hurt you, but you're not going to just know that. <laughs> you know, so. Interesting. They also specifically state the running and jumping at a 45-degree angle tactic here, so that's where you actually get that information, and that's where it started to enter the ether oh, of yeah. players, probably. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the last thing before we get our next Mushroom King Castle and accompanying Koopaling boss battle, or that is the last thing before that. And first into the throne room where Toad Court Jester parrots the exact same dialogue as in the World 1 Castle. But here the king has been turned into a spider. So they each one of them is a different thing. And he's like dangling from the ceiling above the throne on a string. And his crown is on the ground below him. And that's a pretty fun animation. Even to the point he's too small for a <laughs> crown. Like the dog in one was still wearing the crown, you know. So yeah. it's pretty fun. The airship is flying through darker skies this time, so it's a little more ominous feeling. Same shit, though. Bullet bills and some Rocky Wrench dudes. Uh, a lot of up and down panning action to get you into tight spots. And do you want to know how fucking big TMNT is in 1990, Jay? They are referenced in this strategy guide here. Yes, it says Rocky Wrench, comma, Ninja Turtle. He's not a mutant or a teenager, but Rocky is a turtle, and he does toss ninja throwing wrenches. So, like... How big is wow. TMNT that Nintendo is just giving them a little nod? You know, that's that Mario big. 3 is talking about Nintendo. Right. All right. Ninja right. Turtles. Wow. That's, yep. that's huge. Whew. Koopaling is Morton, and he's a stockier little fellow than Larry. And the strategy guide copy says he is one of the older kids, so his ship is more advanced. Grr. Mario, I ain't feeling too good today. My hair looks terrible, and I can't be bothered with you so come on over here where I can blast you with this here wand we'll just see if you can stomp me in the head three times I may be slower than little Larry but I'm faster on the draw <laughs> that kind of that kind of sounds like uh, Sponge or not Spongebob Billy Bob Thornton in Sling Blade is what I get from that that character <laughs> interesting, interesting. <laughs> I'll, I'll take those notes back on yeah. the next performance <laughs> when you get to the boss arena, the ground is a bit more uneven, and that can complicate your evasive maneuverings, but it's not much different than Larry's mechanics, I would say. So we back to the throne room, and again, it's the identical dialogue from the king as we saw in the World 1, but we do get a different letter from the princess, and that reads, 
Uh, well, it starts with the greeting thing again, which is awkward that she's going to stick with that every time. But <laughs> you, can, you can stomp on your enemies using Kuribo's shoe. I have enclosed a jewel that helps protect you. And it's just Princess Toadstool. No love, no sincerely. I think that's very cold. <laughs> very, very cold writing choice. Kuribo's shoe is an item worth foreshadowing, though. It is one of the more fun things in the game. We'll get to that when we start appearing, when they start appearing in World 4. And enclosed is Jujim's Cloud. The deal lets you skip over the stage. And what the fuck is a Jujim? Jay, do you know what a Jujim is? Absolutely not. I, you keep saying that word, and I'm like, I I feel like this word wasn't in my vernacular as a kid. Like, it just, like I know that it was the cloud. Like, it was Latikus Cloud or something else. Like, But, like, I feel like this Jujim word is not a word that... Like, was, did something change? Like, are we in an alternate universe where this word was not the word I grew up with? Like, I've, I feel like I've never seen this word and associated with Mario Brothers. Like, so, I, I don't know what to say. I think it's the only time they call it this, but it, it is, it's Lakitu's Japanese yeah. name, basically. Cloud Jewel is what it, is what, is what it means. Yeah, Latiku so, or Lakitu, yeah. whichever way is the right way right. to say it. Lakitu is probably right, maybe, yeah. yeah. Lakitu, okay, yeah. Uh, I don't know exactly, but yeah, so it's Lakitu is the jerk off enemy, and it's also in Super Mario Brothers 1, and he rides around in clouds and chucks eggs yep. off the spiny Koopas down at you. After these messages, we'll be right back. From the classic Nintendo video game, it's the adventures of Super Mario Brothers 3. I better tell a princess! The complete 26-episode collection, now available on a 3-DVD box set. Don't worry, my mushroom pal! King Koopa is back. Me? Never! And this time, he's brought the Koopa Kids. I love being a Koopa! So it's up to Mario, Luigi, and Princess Toadstool to save the day. We can fix that! Special features include the series backstory, character and concept art, and more. Get those Goombas back in that cave! The Adventures of Super Mario Bros. 3, now on DVD. That is a commercial from the DVD box set of The Adventures of Super Mario Bros. 3, which I guess was a Saturday morning cartoon that somehow missed me. And Lord Disciple Matt Gould brought it to my attention via face shit banter leading up to this. And you cited it already, so I'm guessing you watched that? I've definitely seen it. Like, it's mixed up in my memory now as to when it came out. But, like, obviously you had the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, which was different. Like, that was right. the mix of live action and cartoon. Right. So part of me was like... And that was like an after-school cartoon. That was a yeah. weekday thing. Or a weekday thing. Yeah, but I think at some point maybe they started interspersing some of the Mario 3 cartoon in there. I don't, I don't remember. Like, honestly, I don't even remember I the details. So. I, I think it's only... Because I saw the box, there's a box set of it you can buy. And I think it's only one season it went. One, maybe two. I don't know. But um, mm. yeah, I, it missed me entirely, which is crazy because I every Mario thing, every Mario, any <laughs> Nintendo, anything, dude. Like I was fucking, I owned it. I on it. I, like I knew it. I knew everything about it. <laughs> it's yeah. just crazy to me that I somehow just didn't even know that existed. We are heading into World 3, Island World. And the main description says, This world is all wet. Only a great swimmer will be able to get through. Do your best to find a frog suit. It will help you immensely. That is a true fact. The strategy yes. guide art has Mario in, as you would expect, a frog suit. And he is underwater. Cheap Cheap, Big Bertha, Gelectro, Blooper, and the Lava Lotus, <laughs> which are most of the water enemies, are all present in the harassing crowd. 
And the World Data Box reflects all three mushroom houses, save for one, ha- having frog suits replacing the mushroom and them. And then stage 3-8 is the white mushroom house stage, and you'll need 44 coins there to make her happen. Good and- luck. <laughs> uh, I rarely use my frog suits here because I am, as listeners know, a devout conserv- conservationist as, uh, to a fault. Uh, but I promised myself I would not do that here. For water sages, I was going froggy style every time. And, uh, so for the first time. Were you able time, to make that happen? Uh, yes. Well, I mean, with saves coming in particular, yes, for sure. But it does very much highlight the alternating nature of them and how annoying that is. Uh, yeah. Ideally, you would kind of like little nemo style get the frog suit right just when you need it right you know exactly what I mean? have it just kind of thing but now or some sort of tip off yeah there's just no yeah. way like the maybe if the world map did a better job of tipping you off based on where the like well you know. they kind of do world five is fully underwater so you know for right. a fact so some of them yeah there. but not not all of them unfortunately <laughs> yeah uh 3-1 is entirely underwater uh, except the stage clear at the end so having the frog suit feels great here but you don't have one yet Oh, wait. Did you, you got one and two. You do have one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I was like, one, yeah. you might if you yeah. add on to it. Right. So infinitely more control of your dude with, with it on, for sure. <laughs> like, the enemies here can haul ass, so being able to swim with the frog suit is so much more enjoyable than Mario's awful normal swim mechanics, you know. If you don't have the frog suit, you better have the fireballs. Otherwise, it's just like... No hope, right. Good Good luck. It's just yep. not going to be if it's fun for you. Yep, and you know, and a really cool thing too with the frog. There are things that are like only you can only get to with the frog suit because the currents come out of the pipes, and you can swim through those with the frog. Oh so that's, yeah, yep. that's pretty cool. There's none of those in this stage, but we'll hit on them later on. Uh, I lost it there at, at, at the very end. Uh, a blooper popped me coming up the one up area oh, below there, the <laughs> but uh, that didn't bother me because you do not want that fucker for three two because it's a platforming city or stage, and and the fucking frog suit is a nightmare for that. So it was actually kind of convenient. <laughs> uh, so yeah, three two fucking sucks. It's a bunch of platforms on a goofy like goofy tracks with cheap cheeps jumping up from the water below. And there's a lot like all the above ground stages in this world have that going on. You have shit jumping at you from below, either these things or the fucking big Bertha deals or the chomp whatever they are the the fucking ones that swallow you you know but I mean this stage this stage is easy though because it has the stars as long as you get the stars and keep them keep them going. You just go through the that's, stage. See, that's the thing everything. too, though. Dude. I don't fucking, pl- I don't haul ass through, through levels, man. And like, that's because you don't hold the B button down. With I do hold the B button down that, when like, I'm going, <laughs> but I want to be able to line myself up and take my time in between those. Sorry, I'm, I'm talking pro strats. I understand you're a rookie at this. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I need to, I need to adjust my expectations. Like I'm thinking NBA level. You're still in the high school level. You're not there yet. I yeah. get it. I'm sorry. Yeah, that, that's a new thing here too. You mentioned it, but yes, there. If you there are blocks that if you hit them while you still have the star, you will get a star out of them. But if you let your star run out before you do that, it's just a coin block. So it doesn't keep you invincible. So you guess you can be invincible through most of the stage if you want, if you really haul ass. So um, I didn't even know that playing through the first time I saw that when going back, I was like, I'm not going to go back and play it for that. But I was like, fuck, I wish I'd have known that. (laughs) That's that's part of why, like you talk about your difficulties with the stage. I'm like, yeah, I definitely don't want to be a frog on this stage. Right. But like, I am used to having on the first stage, generally the fireball. You know, you go through there because you can just fireball basically through that and kind of finish it. And then here, you're you're big, so it's good. You just get the stars, and you're just like 
acro circusing through the stage, riding and the acro circus flipping through the stage. Acro, I love that. You, yeah, when you said it earlier too, or we were talking about the Invincibility Stars <laughs> for the first time, I also was thinking River City Ransom. So that's great. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, yeah. that's what it is, man. Yeah. What other game do you like? Do like somersault, Teenage Mutant somersaults in battle? Like, yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, River City <laughs> Ransom, Super Mario Three. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so there's a toad house uh, with only frog suits on the way to 3-3, but you don't use that boy, but bad boy if you're smart because 3-3 is another platforming stage and is, yeah, total shit show, dude. Cheap cheaps again, but yes, you have the boss bass, boss bass things. That's just, yeah. I think they can only get you as your small Mario, but it is, it's an insta-death if you are. So like, yeah, that's, that's, those are rough. And then, yeah, the, this also is the first time you see this, the entire water table rises and falls throughout the level or if you want to look at it, the, the platforms dip however you want to think about the yeah. physics of that <laughs> but either way uh yeah like the platforms are lowering down and like they put you at fucking you know right in the like they actually like the illustration i love the illustration uh that they have for that level it's like mario in a, in one of those things miles and he's got a stick holding it open to keep him from getting swallowed you know that's that's a good depiction of it for sure by the way yeah. i think I, I could be wrong i think you can get eaten if you're big or small like big can you i think okay. so you can just you can chomp your butt regardless okay. like either way it could, sucks. i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure big or small it sucks <laughs> better, better uh, use your better make use of those uh i was about to say p-wing not the p-wing but the the p-block to try to stay above ground as much as possible right right and yeah they use that here to yeah give you platforms to fucking to to stay up out of there with which you won't have in later instances of this as frequently so <laughs> enjoy it while you can the mini fortress is next and it's got a very different vibe than the first two it has these regal checkered floors that we've seen in the king throne rooms roman architecture pillar pillars funky wallpaper large victorian windows in the background so the boom boom rooms are i don't know they run their business better they got some more money something <laughs> going something going on that these boom boom rooms can can be a little more ornate uh, than the first couple of them. Uh, and this is the first one of these that has maze characteristics. And yeah. I'm not a f- fucking real big fan of these, man. Because it's some of it's just random. You're just guessing, you know. And I that kind of sucks, I think. Um, I, I, I guess so. Like, I guess I've known for so long, like, oh, it's always the second level, this two. You know, like, I kind of know. I guess it, to, it does but. give you an opportunity to learn something and then be in that boys club with the knowledge. Sure. But if you don't have that stuff from memory, these are, just, these are frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. This one has a long ass hallway of identical red doorways populated by boot diddly ghost thwomps and dry bones. And there's, yeah. there's one of the nine doors leads to a boom boom room. So like. Fuck, it took me, I don't know, I had like 40 seconds left on the fucking clock just trying doors, trying to get to the end of this. And I was just like, God damn it, man. <laughs> but that's why I would posit this level starts to really put in and print in your mind the difficulty of that room. Like, of seeing that, like, black and white floor, the columns. Like, sure. it starts putting that in your mind, like, difficulty, like, you might get lost, like, how are you going to make it through? Because no, that will be a recurring theme if, you, if you're not, like, following a strategy guide or a video or something yeah. and you're just trying to figure shit out. By the time you get to the end, you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, and, 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 oh. and then you get, to, you get to the boom boom room <laughs> and you have to, like, you know, like, you have a certain amount of time and, like, like if you really take your time, those are all pretty easy, even the yeah. flying ones, however they want to complicate them. But if you're in a big rush... Like that's those get way more difficult. I got thirty six <laughs> seconds. Let's go. Let's yeah, go. Come right, on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. 
So there's a Hammer Brother sprite trolling around south of the fortress, a pair of actual Hammer Brothers, and they're holding a hammer, so you get another one of these things. And they try to sucker you into using it right away on the, the rock there by the shitty pipe, you know, thinking maybe that'll take you somewhere good, but you don't want to use that one. Don't use that <laughs> one. Hold out. <laughs> and 3-4 is still above ground, so don't burn that next frog suit just yet. The strategy guide cites a cool one-up trick here I did not know about. They call it the one-up factory because it's kind of automated. Do you know? Did you know about this one? The one up factory. Yes, uh, take a, take a look there. It's fucking, it's pretty wild and fun little thing that you have to do. And I had a I had a really good time working this out. Basically, I, there's no way I could have ever done an OG hardware. I had to fucking save scum like 87 times to do this. But it was it's <laughs> it still it still was worth it because it was so fun to just watch it do it on its on its own. You know, so you have to run to a spot, the spot where Lakudia Lakitu is, where the little one up thing is. Mm-hmm. You hit it from below. You have to run there. Score a turtle shell, and then run back to where the pipes up in the sky, right? And you just stand there, like you, you, you can bounce the. There's two blocks, wooden blocks, to bounce the turtle shell between, and then you can just stand beneath the pipe on a couple of elevated bricks, and it works because the Lakitu can't throw when he throws this because he's constantly still passing back and forth, but he can't throw his eggs onto your head because of the pipes in the way. So basically those just bounce off and create ammunition in the little area down below for your turtle that's constantly bouncing to kill, you know? So you can rack up. I racked up like 87 fucking extra lives or something here just watching the fucking thing go, you know, till the timer ran low. So pretty fun. That's funny enough. I don't know that I ever did that on purpose. Like like as a specific, like I'm going to purposely do this thing. Right. Like, I know that I've experienced it, but I don't know. This particular instance, or you're just saying. No, in this particular instance. Like, I I don't know that I looked at this as, like, hey, I want to do this as a specific trick. So it's kind of like, hmm. Hmm. Very fascinating. I I would. I would never gone to this level with this explicit purpose. I'll put it like that. Yeah, I would. It would be really hard to hang out there long enough to make that work without trying to. Either way, I like I, I know I've had the strategy guide at some point, so like maybe I've just made it work because I okay. had the strategy guide. Yeah, because I'm like that seems like a, a thing that I would not have ever done. Pretty fun either way. Pretty fun either way. <laughs> so back to the map screen and moving a screen eastward. I noticed the drawbridges that connect the mainland to the second toad house, which randomly they go up and down after the stages. And keep you from getting there. That's pretty cool. I love that. Like, it switches yeah. it up. It also can screw you up very much. Right. Precisely. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just love the inner activity built into the overworld map. It's just, you know, it's not just a fucking Yep. It's not, not static. just a map. Yeah, it's not just a map, you know, it's there's a lot going on there. So you can also see Canoe bobbing the water over here, gate kept by a rock that is calling for our recently acquired hammer. So good thing you didn't use that on the pipe back there if you're a smart player. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I cracked that fucker open and took to the high seas where you paddle your ass across three more whole screens on this map, meaning there are five screens of real estate total here. So just a huge, huge, huge world map. Which is so cool to me, I feel like. Like they're mm-hmm. just such an expensive world over the previous games. Yep. And there are two islands you can dock at with nothing but come-ups on them. A th- there's three toad houses and two spade games, and then a third with the castle, where there's no dock at that one, so you can't just kind of fucking scoot over to that. Uh, you can just see it and just let you know you're working towards something. So that's cool. <laughs> the- I mean, the fact that... Hold on. When does ever Mario ever have, like, a sh- like a boat, though? Like, I feel like being able to just, like, <laughs> right. slide over in a rowboat was so cool. Yeah. It was, like, 1990s revolutionary. 
Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, uh, like canoe too. He's fucking doing a little thing. Like, do you get the hammer? I got the hammer. I can get to the canoe. It's like this special like RPG type mechanic. You know what yep. I mean? Yep. 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 Which you know I love those. So yeah, I mean that's it's. <laughs> I don't know. It's surprising to me that I I, just, I can't believe I didn't get this game. You know, it's so it's so strange to me that it never that neither me or Jab ever asked for slash got this game. It's kind of wild. Oh, you must you have know? had like a Sega at the time or something. Something. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I yeah, situation. no, I mean, I'm I didn't fucking I was in seventh grade. Was ninety two. Yeah, there's like two more years in Nintendo when this is dropping. That I, it's crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. The two houses paired with the spade tile uh, are leaf fire frog. The loner toad has only basic bitch shit uh, shroom fire leaf thing. And I presume the life lesson is being a recluse is bad. You're going to get bad shit if you live all by yourself. Like, be communicative. <laughs> be part of a community. And you get the good shit in life. So, I mean, there's a little life lesson in there. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I, this is where I first thought to myself, like, I'm. You bet your sweet ass, I'm safe coming until I get frog suits. Like, there's no fucking way <laughs> I'm I'm missing out on those in this case. So three five is frog suit essential. So you better have some of those. And having on gives you bubbling pipe access to the first giant block question opportunity or question block opportunity rather. And those are again just a very iconic part of this game to me. You know, the like those super oversized deals. Mm-hmm. And this one, you you drop down, and if like if you don't know it. You can miss it, and and we have to be holding right against that wall as you fall to get into the area with it. So that's very very clutch. And if you are doing so, there's three one ups in it, and it's like it's a it's a hold to do too. When you hit it, the screen kind of shakes and things start flying out of it. And, you know, it's just a a really fun little hidden thing. Three six and three seven are back on Terraforma, so you're wasting that frog suit that you use in three five, which I think sucks so goddamn bad. <laughs> You know, it's. I, I guess what pisses me off with them is that, like, it's that's your reward for navigating the water levels well. Like, that's a really, to me, that's a really shit design decision. I think that, like, if you do those right, you get penalized and have to play this level with a disadvantage now, and that sucks. I, that's, I don't know, could have figured some other way. To, yeah, to do that. I feel like that. I feel like they did it better in later Mario's, where they would like 3D World, and other ones where they've like. They have more pickups, so they 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 found a way around that, so that you're not just like, oh damn it, I just did the water one and it's great, but now I gotta like go get hit or something, right. or I'm screwed, or just voluntarily get or it just, away. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fortress after that, and it's flooded to make them thematically in line with the aquatic motif. I dig that. They made that choice. Uh, you can skip over it if you want by using the drawbridge above eight when it's going down and going straight to it, but. I'm not passing up a chance to go to the boom boom room. So, <laughs> so, so this is weird because you want the frog suit because the fortress is underwater in, in so many ways. So it's super helpful for that. But being frog mo- Mario for a boom boom battle is not good because <laughs> you're back on land. You know? yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's it's a pretty tough decision, uh, I think, to whether you want to use one here or not. One little little aesthetic thing too. I love the way Fire Mario sprite which is actually how I went through this, not with a frog suit, is yeah. how it looks when contrasted against the blue water. You know, it's just like a really cool looking thing, I think. Yeah, because it's like he's shaded as well as as well as like red. So, right. yeah, it really stands out. Looks cool. So the Boom Boom is a flyer, first one of those. So that tries to complicate it a little bit. He can fly <laughs> up and you have to wait for him to come back down in those cases. 3-8 is a real motherfucker. The strategy guide uh, t- tells you straight up 
The opening sentence to it reads, this is one of the toughest stages in the game. Flat out. <laughs> so wow. it's the, and the reason is because it's the white mushroom house. Like I said, those are usually the, one of the tougher ones in most things. And it's 44 coins you need for this. And it's one of those rising and falling platform deals where the boss bass is patrolling the water down below. And the, they, they pepper in a number of the hidden vine blocks. That's where that's like, that's your safe space in this one. You have to like knock the vines out and you just stand on the vines while the thing's down. You have to time your jumping down off them when the fucking thing's up. Yeah. So yeah, just using those and, and timing that, like all that complicated shit. Plus I'm trying to get these really difficult to find coins or really get to coins. <laughs> that's yeah, very, very, very difficult uh, little sequence. Are you trying to get those when you go through this? No, I didn't mushrooms? even think of that as like no. as an as an objective. So yeah. like, and again, since I didn't look at this this strategy guide until afterwards, I was like, oh, I guess I I, I considered going back and starting over and like grabbing those two, but I'm like, there's only so much time with life. Yeah. <laughs> there is only so much time with life. <laughs> Maybe going forward, I'll like kind of spring for them. We'll see. Oh yeah, do it the way I'm doing it too, where you just like revisit it and then go back and whatever. I think that's a good good approach to yeah. it. So you don't you don't you know you don't you don't get you don't lose the enjoyment of doing it, just kind of from your own memory and nostalgia, blah 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 blah. But you also don't miss cool shit. Because if if I look at a if I look at a strategy guy first before coming, I'm gonna be like, wait a minute, oh yeah, that it has that trick that I I was that I always hated doing or never did or whatever, you know. And then I'm gonna become fixated. So I just, <laughs> right, never do again. my own thing first and then right. come back. Yeah. So 3-9 is kind of cool. There's a lot of shit going on here. You get your first appearance of bob which are the cute little toy bomb things with the wind-up key on the side. <laughs> and the strategy guide points out, I think this is very cool, that these are the only enemy to reappear from Super Mario Bros. 2. How about that for a fun oh. Cracker Jack fact? It's the only thing that, that came, comes back from 2. I mean... It's true. You're not gonna. Yeah, you're not. You're I'm not like, gonna just. You're not gonna disprove it. <laughs> well, no. I, I was more thinking like going forward, like in other Mario games after this, where like other Mario two kind of stuff comes up. I'm like, is that true? I'm like, no. But the, for this game, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, pretty fun too. I like yeah, I definitely didn't know it. So, not a lot of dumb little fun facts. I don't know. <laughs> There's roughly a whole ass water level. Or a whole ass level above water, rather, in 3.9 here, then a subterranean water area that is damn near a whole level <laughs> two. So this is like a really, really encompassing deal. And you can finagle a frog suit from a giant block you can get to in the water, which is the only time I think you can do that in a stage. Like, yes, you get them as inventory items and use them before going in, but it's the only one I can think of where you get it in a stage. And then on top of that unique aspect, it's also pretty useless in this level. So, like, it's just, I don't know, it's a... A lot of interesting shit going on there, choice-wise. It's almost like that a great mechanic for it. And it's like, all right, we can't just... Like, they decided not to have, like, the whole world underwater where you're, that, that's all you're doing, you know? It's like, nah, right. it's still, we still got to have Mario doing Mario things. We'll yeah. sprinkle in the water. A, a hybrid joint, yeah. Yeah. So in the strategy guide, there's a tip box around this part that talks about some shit that we definitely need to discuss. There is... it's titled how to turn a wandering hammer brother into a treasure ship treasure ship rather and i'm hesitant to even read the blurb because it's absolute fucking nonsense like did oh you gosh. have you did you see this okay uh, so yeah i've i've heard of this one because yeah i've i've definitely remember this but i just remember thinking like this is craziness yeah like yeah. so okay it reads see if you can parse this i'll do my best not to fuck it up <laughs> Collect a number of coins that is a multiple of 11. Just the first sentence is insane. <laughs> Collect a number of coins that is a multiple of 11. Make the ten, tens digit in your score 
the second number from the right match the multiple of 11. Stop the timer at the end of the stage on an even number. One possible combination would be 11 coins, Mm -hmm. score 9,310, timer 104. This works only in worlds 1, 3, 5, and 6. And what? (laughs) So I remember now. I actually did this in my playthrough last year or the last time we played, like when I did it. Because I had a strategy guide or a guide similar to this that, that told me about this. And I was just like, why not? Like, this is some craziness. So I, it I looks definitely amazing. did it. Yeah. I mean, it's, obviously it was like a random weird Easter egg and like thing you could do in the game. But like, you, like how do you know that that combination exists? Like, that's yeah. almost like an accident, a complete accidental thing. Right. And you're like... How did that happen? You know, right. and, and there's like, no way of knowing that. too. Like, oh my god, yeah. No, I mean that's basically. And I posted this. I was like, whatever. I like something about like, you know, tell me you did this so I know how full of shit you are, or <laughs> or you did it intentionally, anyways. And yeah, you know, that's yeah. There's just I don't yeah. Even like I start googling videos of like how to do it and like seeing someone and like you know, there's like a handful of videos of someone actually enacting it, and it's just like an ins- this is yeah, an insane sequence of things you have to do. That would be so annoying to get one of them wrong in the process, you know. Like, so, like especially on OG hardware, like it's fine right about emulating. But sure. like if you're playing OG hardware, like and you you mess it up and then you like what do ah, you do? You reset the whole it, yeah. system? Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, if you no. somehow manage to do all that shit, the Hammer Brothers Sprite will turn into a black and white ship on the map and you go in when you go into one of those the level has a like the vibe of an airship but there's nothing unfriendly on board so there's just coins and a hidden one up at the pipe down to the area where a cupoling normally would be and then the strategy guide sites you you'll fight the boomerang brothers down there but I don't know if that changes depending on which hand brothers you can convert you know what I mean like I don't know if it matches it the the deal I don't, I don't I don't I don't recall it changing because I know for us it just seemed random. Like when okay. it would happen, we're like, oh, coin chip. Yeah. But I, yeah. yeah, it doesn't mention in here whether you get the treasure the underlying Hammer Brother Sprite was carrying, but looking it up in the videos, I saw that you do, which is pretty clutch that you don't like miss out on an item by doing this at least. But yeah, yeah I mean, I can't even imagine. Never done, never done that. I've never even had it accidentally happen to me, and it's crazy <laughs> as fuck to me. <laughs> like I said, it would be an accidental thing for us. It should be like we'd be playing, it. like, oh, shit, look, yeah. coin chip. We call it the coin chip. Like, let's go, coin chip, yay. Yep. I don't know why it happened. Let's just be yeah. happy about it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I headed into the castle with that frog suit, knowing I'd be pissing up the wall right away from 3-9, and sure enough, <laughs> did right away. Uh, but it is fun to see yourself in the throne room with a frog suit, so that's cool that you take them in there. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. I can't. Did you say pissing up the wall? To yeah. <laughs> you never heard that expression before? I've never heard that expression, but yeah. I love it. To just piss something up the wall? Yeah, just like, you're just wasting it. <laughs> That's great. Carry on. Carry on. <laughs> I, got, I got a whole jab, and I got a whole list of Mikeisms that are just full of shit like that. Oh, that's uh, great. So you get the same copy out of Toad, but the king has been transformed into some kind of Koopa. Uh, he looks to me like an overgrown and slovenly version of one of the spikes we just started seeing in the last few levels. And I love the role play potential of this image too, like Toad in total meltdown mode as he stands between Mario as a frog. And then the king is a sloppy looking Koopa. Like there's just he's just gotta have zero faith in his life panning out positively, you know? He's already spastic. He's just like oh no. Yeah, yeah, the savior comes in as a frog, just like, oh my god. I'm fucked. (laughs) We're doomed. Yep. Very fun. 
Uh, sure enough, the, yeah, my frog suit, frog suit was cooked nanoseconds at this level. What are you going to do, though? You don't even want it here, so fuck it, whatever. Uh, the level is mostly just a bunch of the same shit, but they do have the first of what are called bolt lifts in the strategy guide. And these are platforms they have to repeatedly jump on to get them to move across whatever is down below uh, without mm. falling down there. And usually some kind of fire deal. Uh, so those are pretty fun mechanics, I think. Yeah. Definitely a turbo. It's great to have the advantage for that, bro. Just hit the fucking turn. That's like Fair literally. Enough. Yeah. Fair. Uh, fucking turbo that. And because what you, you want to do short jumps there even. So it's, it's extra advantageous. Like not only is it fast, but it, it does the mini one for you. I could see that. I could yeah. see that for sure. At the end is Wendy Koopa and she fucking sucks. She is a huge step up on the Koopa top difficulty totem pole from Larry and the Morton battles in my book. And her shit talking reads, hey, Mario, uh, try some of my candy rings. I think you'll be surprised how they taste. And then her parenthetical is, I hope Mario falls for this trick. He doesn't know that these sweets are deadly yet. And then, yes, she fires exactly that out of her wand. They are peppermint candy rings. And the shit of these is they, instead of the other ones, they just go off screen in whatever trajectory they were shot from. These keep bouncing off the wall, ceiling, floor uh, in the room. And if you... And the floor is flat, at least, so thank God for that, because that would make this really hard. But if you let these get, like, enough of them fucking populate the room, they can make the room completely full of these things. So it's... Take her out quick. Yeah, exactly. So it's, speed is critical here. Uh, so yeah, this is the first one. I died on her on the first time. Too, oh, so, yeah. scrub tail. Dog nabbit. <laughs> Yeah, her first shot is right at the as the battle starts. So we talked about, again, this is an instance of that thing we talked about, where, like... You want to kill these as fast as possible, so you're programmed to do that. But in this case, you got to wait a second and, and wait for that first one to fucking pass through what your entrance trajectory will be to jump on her, or you're going to get fragged. So, whatever, whatever. So, back in the castle, all is returned to normal, and Peach has more snail mail correspondence that reads Greetings, the white block contains magic powers that will enable you to defeat your enemies. I have enclosed a jewel that helps protect you, and that is a music box. Moving into World 4, Land of the Giants. This is probably, what, the funnest map in the game, Jay? Oh, Biggie World. I love this world. Like okay. I said, this this is a map that I often, like, kind of skip past when you're trying to just go for beating the game. But it's def easily, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's definitely one of the most fun. Because it's the most different, most visually stark, and like, whoa, like, it's this has really- never been done yeah. in a Mario game. Yep. Yeah. And it's only, there's so many things too that are only up here, here, you know, that you don't see anywhere else. Like even water levels, like you'll see those other things, even though World 3 is the water world. Yeah. You see that shit elsewhere. You don't see the boot, you don't see the shoe, and you don't see the the giant things, and you don't see the, can't like, like the, 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 that mechanic where you can change it back and forth in that one level is such yeah. a cool, cool thing. The manual description for this is, in this world, everything, the mountains, the rivers, the terrain, even the enemies, are huge. Even Super Mario is small compared to the giants we will meet here, or he will meet here. The strategy guy key art is great. It's Mario in midair. It is a, he's, he has a, a thousand percent holy shitballs exasperation expression to his vibe as he's surrounded by giant iterations of a piranha plant, a flying Koopa, and a hammer brother. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, great visual there. And two of the mushroom houses offer tanuki suits, so I was absolutely jazzed about that. And one of the Hammer Brothers is notated with an image of Wendy Koopa, and I had no idea what to expect of that. Did you have you? You said you haven't seen this. Look at that. Go to the go to the key art for the chapter four. It is a picture of Wendy Koopa there for that one mushroom house, uh, or Hammer Brother rather. And I've like, it's that just is a t- fascinating. Is that- yeah, All right. It's just a typo. 
But I've all <laughs> as a kid, as a kid, I was like, "What does what's that, happening? What does it mean? <laughs> you know, what does it mean?" Yeah. The white mushroom house is derived from four two, where you need just a measly twenty two coins, so you know that level is going to be fucked up. <laughs> And, and the overworld map has a little bit of the island vibe too, but a, a lot more green on the uh, land masses and the predominant flora is fire flowers. So you start on a small island on the west side where the only two options are pipes and one takes you behind a locked door next to the fortress, the other to a runway to stage one. So stage one it is, which starts very basic so you can wrap your mind around the new physics of this oversized shit. And the regular bricks become four normal sized bricks when you break them as they fall away. Uh, your raccoon tail cannot break these, those, so uh, so you have to use Koopas, and this is all just, you know, different physics shit, and not everything is giant. I think that's interesting, too. They mix in normal-sized bricks and pipes and such, so you're kind of, you know, you're bouncing between the new physics and not, and one of the strategy guide point outs is that standing right up against giant pipes, unlike normal ones, does not prevent the piranha plants from coming out up. of them yeah. yeah so that's just a, a different it adds a new timing thing they have to deal with you're to, not big enough to uh to trigger this right exactly to scare them just to stay down right yeah there's also a new fun thing here there's a waterfall that you can swim up to a pond in the sky with a pipe to a secret area they can rob some one-ups from a couple of big birth of fish spatting their babies out at you so uh you can all you can just easily fly up to it too and skip that but it's pretty fun that you can fucking swim up a waterfall for the first time and 4-2 is the white mushroom stage and it's a rising and falling tide level of fucking course flying cheeps kamikazing at you from all sides so yes <laughs> getting 21 coins which is just one short of the shroom cutoff is super easy getting the 22nd coin fucking damn near impossible <laughs> like regardless like three or four tries it. of it it's just yeah uh, especially for an anchor too which is the item which is very ho-hum but, it's like meh yeah. Hopefully I don't even need this item. Yeah, definitely not worth the effort. So 403 starts with a short above ground area patrolled by a couple of giant ham brothers, which freeze you in place for a moment. If you're on the ground, they land. So again, just new mechanics from the giant ship. Then it moves below ground for a subterranean platforming palooza with a bunch of spinies and buzzy beetles dropping from the ceilings. And this is cake, 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 cake. What, so what's your, uh, of all these, since you love this world, what's your favorite stage out of here? Honestly, I like the first one. Like, it just is kind of like a, even though it's an intro stage, like, you're still the first world, the first level of kind of halfway through the game world. Like, so it's still, I don't know, it's, you can't just cakewalk through it, I guess. Like, it's enough that you get to see a bunch of cool stuff, everything being big, you're still getting things, and it's still a challenge, you know? It's not yeah. like underground where you're constrained and anything. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So. Word, I hear that. So the first of two fortresses on this map introduces a this, yeah there's two on this one instead of just one so that's interesting in of itself but they for the first time introduced the little candle flame guys the hot foot which is again another one of my favorite enemies so it's a super cute name and they work like boo diddly ghosts where they only run at you when your back is to them so that's pretty pretty fun and then four four goes underwater which I'm glad I noticed in the strategy guy beforehand so I could fire up a frog suit <laughs> and they <laughs> nice. they drop a pipe right at the beginning where you have to have that on to reach. It and it goes to a, a double P switch coin fest. So this is a really fun area that you would miss if you didn't have it on, you know. So it's yeah, you just you're hitting P switches to open up things and just get a bunch of different coins on each side of this little thing, you know. So or this little area rather, and it's it's just uh it's, again just using the P switch to do unique shit that. It's, it's only good that there's 
Yeah, and it's good that there's other places that you can use the frog suit too, not just the underwater world. So it's if you felt cheated, like oh, I I wish there was more water. I still got like a frog suit or two left over. Right, at least you got more opportunities. Agreed. Four or five keeps the new shit coming, giving us the guided bullet bills, and these flash and will turn around and boomerang back at you after flying past. <laughs> and these things, it's again, it's kind of like it's the same idea as the rings from Wendy. It's like, like you know, get one or two of these, no big deal. But when you get into some of those areas where there's a bunch of them flying, like in concentrated areas, they can make your life absolute hell. Yes. <laughs> uh, this stage would have been. Full of basically overwhelming joy because this is where you get your first Tanuki suit. But in practice, it had me muttering a bunch of really terrible shit on my laptop, which kind of <laughs> made me sad. Like, so getting up to the vine that takes you to the pipe in the sky, where that thing is, requires doing this boomerang bullet bill shit, like jumping off of a bunch of them, you know? And it's just, I don't know, it's fucking like it's, I don't think those fire out in a dependable way. Like, you can't aggro the firing mechanisms easily. You kind of had to just wait kinda on top to of that one. To come, yeah. Well, that's the thing. You can't. You have to, like, you're, you're staying on top of that thing just waiting for it to fire. And, like, you need to jump right away. So it's like you're standing there, like, when is it going to go? When's it going to go? When's it going to go? And, like, you missed, <laughs> you missed the damn time and jump too early and you miss it or you jump, whatever. So, yeah, it was way harder to get to this than I wanted it or expected it to be. I found it a little infuriating. <laughs> yeah. But you get that Tanuki suit, and it's fucking dope. And so 4-6 is a cool stage. It has a mechanic where you can go into these doorways that switch the world back and forth from giant to normal size. And yes, I think this is fucking really, really yes. awesome. Uh, the world's otherwise straightforward, but that's just a really cool mechanic, I think. Yep. Um, and there's that, it points out, too, that you can even, again, this like high, higher-level Mario shit, you can use this to manipulate the stage by going through those doors that resets things, the coin blocks and stuff. So you can kind of... Resets the one-ups, resets the coins, yada, yada, yada. So you can use this to stack resources if you want, you know, and that's that's pretty fun. The second fortress for this map is a real doozy. Some less than easy platform to do at the start, and then those falling D-shaped block things, oh, too, are part donuts. of it. Yeah, those are brutal. And that's all before you get to a P-switch at the end of a long hallway crawling with dry bones. So you have to time the dry bone deaths in a way that give you some runway to fly up and hit that P-switch so you can see the hidden doorway in the hall, <laughs> which they surround with blue coins, you know? And that's cool if you can make it happen, but it's not easy to make happen. <laughs> Great. Yep. And then, so, in, yeah, you go inside here, and it just, like, it opens up this, a whole new fucking deal inside of the, of the fortress where it's, like, this vertical climb. We have to use these platforms like a smart logic platform system where you have to jump, like they're arrow blocks and they're hardwired to move in one constant direction while you're on them. And then there are light bulb blocks that you can change the direction by hopping up and down while riding on them. So you like have to move your way through these fucking pipe deals with piranha plants coming out of them and shit. And it's really, I really, really enjoy these. <laughs> so di so different. This is yeah. such a different kind of mechanic yep. that you have to force to do. Yeah. It's very chess-like and you have to be able to like see a few moves ahead, you know? <laughs> yeah. I need to get up there, quickly go through that pipe, circle back there and jump up through that pipe. Right. Yep. So coming out of there takes you through a couple of cool treasure rooms with coins and giant blocks deals with a few one-ups before dropping you into the final stretch heading to the boom boom room where you'll find another basic bitch boom boom and the funny thing or fun thing about all that run around is you can just skip it if you want like that like if you just 
go up that column where the P-switch is, you're basically at boom boom. So it's like, if you want to just blow through this, you have that choice, you know, and you don't have to deal with any of that logic block shit, but that's no fun. (laughs) So coming out of there, the drawbridge leading to the main castle drops, and it's party time on the airship, and the king here has been transformed into a very derpy-looking dinosaur of the (laughs) T-Rex variety, and the Koopaling shit-talking goes as... So what if I'm not as tough as my brothers and sister? I can still get you. Come on, Mario. I think I'll try to get him with my speed and a double blast from my wand. Yeah, that's the ticket. (laughs) Uh, The airship is comparatively lightweight shit. There are no projectiles to deal with at all. It's just the fire thrusters you have to navigate. And you can, if you can keep a tail going through the whole level, there's an opportunity to avoid going through the hardest part at the end by just flying over that it look it doesn't look like you can do it because the thing goes off screen but you can fly right over that and just wait for the fucking game that's a perfect opportunity or a situation where you're waiting for the thing to catch up basically if you do the right thing yeah. uh, so that's a very satisfying area iggy's arena has the uneven floor thing going on again but he's supposed and he supposedly does the aforementioned double blast action with his wand but i never saw it he's pretty cake um, <laughs> yeah you can piece him up as long as you're quick and on top right. of things i do love his sprite has like an egghead look going on, though I really, really like is, is is really fun. Very unique, for sure. <laughs> yes. So back to the throne room. I had kept my Tanuki suit, and this reminded me, and it's funny because it's in the strategy guide here as well. But if you can beat an airship and the boss in a specialty suit, the king gives you special dialogue. He says unique shit, which is awesome, dude. So. Uh, yeah, it just it happened to me by happenstance, but yes, it's also in the strategy guide here. So if you're Tanuki, he says, thank you, kind raccoon. Please tell me your name. And I, I literally laughed out loud. Oh, yeah, I, nice. I chuckled out loud. Thank you, kind raccoon is great dialogue. But, <laughs> so it also happened with the frog and the hammer bro. For the frog, he says, oh me, oh my, you've been transformed. Shall I change you back with this wand? And then the hammer bro one says, hey, you, how about lending me your clothes? No dice? What a drag. And that's pretty hip copywriting by Nintendo there, I think. That's very... Uh, yeah. I love how it's completely different for all three. Like, right. completely different yep. verbiage. And just, I mean, yeah, you again, it's almost... The odds of doing that, getting through a fucking... Bringing a specialty suit into one of these is is, is its own rare enough thing to begin with. That's, like, that's not, my new goal. That's my new goal. Every time I have to have a specialty suit on. No, there you go. Heightened roleplay. Heightened roleplay. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, that's fucking. It's yeah, it's difficult enough just to get in there with one, or even want to get in there with one. But the idea of getting through them with one is extra difficult. Like the frog suit in particular. Like holy shit, Jesus! Christ. Like how are you even doing that? Like, yeah. yeah, I mean you can do it, but not easy. It's enough. Yeah. Princess's letter is the one the strategy guy mentioned earlier, telling you about warp whistle shit from earlier in the game, stage two. So you know that for your next playthrough. And it reads, Greetings, the thief who stole the whistle has escaped to the east side of the sand dunes. That is the recorder theme bringing us into our final segment, which would normally be the blessing, our verdict, but now, just talking about where we go next. Yeah. 
right? Uh, on to stages five or worlds five, six, seven, and eight. Uh, but we probably could just very simply say it gets a blessing. Also, I don't think that there's any point in dang I mean, that character. Yeah. Is, <laughs> is that a question? Like, yeah, right. Yeah, no. no, it is <laughs> not. Point. So yes, so that's what we'll do. Uh, this was long enough as is. So we broke it up into two episodes. So we will get into those latter. Uh, four and then couch co-oping as well in the next episode and I plan on having some economic analysis in there and I can't wait to find out what that's going to be nice. <laughs> so um, next up we'll do that and then uh, just as a reminder we'll be getting into Nintendo Power 18 ever so fiddly that we are going into Nintendo Power after the Super Mario 3 issue I can't wait to see what tip is in that issue that we will that's not in the strategy guide somehow or another that we'll wish we had known. <laughs> Somebody uh, found it. Somebody found something new. Yeah, something <laughs> for sure. So that's next. You can subscribe to the pod on the platform provider, whatever dumbass company that serves up your pottery. Please rate and leave positive shit for the pod on that podcast platform of choice or any other for that matter. The website is nyehentertainment.com forward slash ISOH pod. Emails at ISOH podcast at gmail.com. Follow the pod on Facebook and or Instagram. Link to the YouTube play gameplay videos are blah, 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 blah. link to the YouTube gameplay videos playlist is on or in the show notes. There's the ISOH subreddit if you want to get down on Reddit. We don't have a Patreon, but if you'd like even money to things podcasters tell you to and would like to do so at our direction, the Able Gamers Foundation creates custom gaming rigs for gamers with disabilities, and that's cool as fuck. Ablegamers.org is where you can find them. T-shirts are on the website. They're dope, and proceeds on those after product expenses go to Able Gamers. Jay, what are your socials? Gentleman JB without the second E is pretty much where you can find me across all the socials. And it's also my gamer tag. So some, come play some Diablo 4 with me, play some Redfall, play all the games on Xbox that Josh won't play because he's a snob. Correct. <laughs> I am on Twitter at Josh Fallen. I am on Instagram, Ashifki is broke. And that is how you can find me for Small Mini Golf on the uh, whatever the hell they call their platform on Quest. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs>